Welcome, everybody, <clears throat> to our ACB 2021 Fall Board of Directors meeting. Again, another first for ACB and that this will be a hybrid uh, uh, Board of Directors meeting today. We have um, uh, some of our, I think, six, five or six of our officers and board members, plus some of our staff and committee chairs are uh are present in the Omaha Hilton at the St. Nicholas uh, Conference Room. Uh, so they're at our uh, uh, event venue for the 2022 uh, convention. And then um, the other remaining officers and board of directors are uh, Zooming in virtually from across the country. So uh, it's... Uh, we break new barriers each day. So welcome to our first hybrid uh, ACB Board of Directors meeting. And I'd like to officially call the meeting to order and now introduce uh, Denise Colley for our roll call and introduction of guests. So Denise. Thank you. Dan Spoon. Present. Deb Cook-Lewis. Present. Ray Campbell. We had a hard time hearing here, Ray. And it's lovely seeing everybody in person here in uh, Omaha. There's Ray. Little, little, you're a little low, though, Ray. <coughs> I'm here. David Trot. I'm here in the great city of Omaha. <laughs> David, sounding good. Sounding good. Kim Charlson. I am here in Massachusetts. Chris Bell. Chris Bell? Oh, crap. <laughs> we can hear you, Chris. Can you hear me? I think we can hear you, Chris. We can hear you. All right. I couldn't. Jeff Bishop? Yeah. Is that you, Jeff? I am having a hard time here. Was that you, Jeff? Yeah, that was me. Thank you. Okay. Donna Brown? Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm here in Omaha in the St. Nicholas room, and I feel like I'm with Santa Claus at the North Pole. It's cold. Okay. We know Jim's not here. Doug Powell? I'm here in Falls Church, Virginia. Kenneth Simeon? I'm here in Beaumont, Texas. Patrick Sheehan. Pat Sheehan's here in Omaha. Connie Sims. I'm here. Oh, good morning. Michael hey. Talley. Yeah. Hey, Michael's here. Okay. Jeff Tom. I'm here waiting for my next Giants victory. <laughs> yes. 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 Yeah. I agree. I agree. Oh, I can hear I can hear Mitch screaming from uh, from Pasadena. Exactly. <laughs> uh, BOP rep Penny Reader. Hi, I'm here from Maryland. Staff Eric Bridges. Here. Clark Rockfall. Here. Swatha Nandakar Kamar. Here. <laughs> I did it this time. Yay. Yeah. Uh, Tony, Tony Stevens. Here. Jennifer Flat. Here. Jolyn Bailey Page. Here. Nancy Becker. 
I am here, and this morning I thought I heard Jeff Tom in the in the um, hotel. Sounded just like him. <laughs> two places at one time. Wow. <laughs> Cindy Hollis. Here. Colby Garrison. No, Colby. No, she's here. Actually, she's iPad. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly Gask. Here. Sharon Lovering. Erica Keller. Erica. Uh, Debbie Brown. Nancy Fila. And uh, contractor Rick Morin. Hi, I'm here streaming, and Nancy might want to make me co-host. I can help you manage the room. And what guests do we have today? Janet Dickelman, convention coordinator. Okay. Anybody else? Just give me a minute here. Rhonda Trott in Omaha. Hi, Rhonda. Crystal Platt. Okay, Jim Urock. Mark Bulger. Oh, hold on, you guys. <laughs> Jim Urock and Mark Bulger. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Karen. And Karen. That is it for our guests in Omaha. All right. Anybody? Anybody else? Mr. Chair, that completes the call of the roll. Thank you, Madam Secretary, for the roll call and introduction of guests. Uh, item three on the agenda is review and approval of the agenda. So we'll kind of start from the top. So we had a uh, call to order, Dan Spoon, president. Uh, two was uh, roll call and introduction of guests, Denise Colley, secretary. Three is review and approval of agenda, Dan Spoon. Four is review and approval of the August 31st Resolutions Part 1 ACB Board of Directors meeting minutes. Five is our mission moment. Uh, we're going to celebrate over 100 visitors brochures being audio described uh, through a sponsored grant by Google with a collaborative effort between the National Park Service, the University of Hawaii, the American Council of the Blind, um, all using the Unity app. So we'll talk about that a little more. Six is our consent agenda. A is our 2021 year-to-date financial statements from Nancy Becker. Uh, B is... Uh, E-Forum uh, in, in, in Braille form and E-Forum in a nutshell by Sharon Lovering. C is our advocacy update report from Clark Rackful. D is our development report from Tony Stevens and JoLynn Bailey-Page. E is our ACB media report from Jennifer Flatt. And F is our membership services report from Cindy Hollis. So that's our consent agenda. Seven is uh, moving her up early because she's got tours and things to go to is our convention report from our Janet Dickelman, our convention committee chair. 
Eight is the president's report. We've got five items underneath that. Um, A is uh, kind of the formal announcement of our resolutions 2.0 and um, voting task force 2.0 ad hoc committees. B is uh, an update on the World Blind Union from Kim Charlson, some activity taking place there. C is basically a discussion and announcement about our upcoming uh, board liaisons to our affiliates for 2022. Uh, D is the uh, kind of discussion and announcement of a new committee that we formed for archives that will be chaired by Chris Gray and David Trott. And E is some discussion we want to have on perhaps changing the format of these uh, meetings going forward to be more focused towards our ACB programs and services and our steering committees. Uh, nine is staff reports. We'll hear from our executive director, A, Eric Bridges. Uh, B, our uh, advocacy uh, report, uh, comments from Clark Rackful. C is development from Tony Stevens. And I think there'll also be some time there to hear from grants with JoLynn Bailey-Page. Uh, D will be membership services with Cindy Hollis. And E will be chief financial officer, Nancy Becker with some financial and thrift store updates. 10 is lunch. And just so we know, lunch, and Janet, I need to confirm this with you, but I believe we're shooting for like uh, to take a, well, I should say 10 is break, uh, followed by lunch. Um, I'm thinking around 11.30 your time, 12.30 our time would work for lunch. Does that work with the hotel Caterers. I had said I had said noon, but I will get it well, by 11:30. Okay, I think that'll that gives everybody where it's not so late. You know, kind of split the difference, give everybody a chance to to not get too hungry. So we'll have break followed by lunch, and then during lunch uh, we're going to have an executive session. So even though this is on the agenda, we'll we'll this will be more time based. So as we get to 11:30 is when we'll kind of break for lunch and the, uh, and the executive session. And then right after the executive session, um, thir uh, 12, we're going to elect our executive committee for 2022. So that to remind everybody that's the president plus two officers plus two members of the board. So we'll um, put that in place for 2022. Then 13 is our... Uh, financial narrative year to date for 2021. And that will be report will be done by David Trott, our ACB treasurer. 14 is review and approval of our travel policy, Eric Bridges. 15 is review and approval of our internship policy. Again, Eric Bridges. 16, it's a new 16. I had a little bit of an older agenda I sent out today. So just so we're all in sync with the one that's in Dropbox. 16 is review and approval of the changes to the reasonable accommodations policy that we reviewed at the June board meeting and some changes were asked uh, for Clark to consider back to his team. And he's brought those back to us today. 17 is uh, board, of, board of Publications report from Penny Reader, a BOP uh, director. Uh, 18 uh, is a discussion on ACB media and the data analysis that has taken place 
wanted to get some more information uh, and detail on that from Jennifer Flat. Uh, 19 is uh, another report from Jennifer, which is really looking at the activity that's taken place around communications and outreach to other media sources and ACB partners and kind of that outward facing communications arm of ACB now. Uh, 20 is a discussion uh, amongst us on the board led by, facilitated by Dan and Eric to talk a little bit about our program and services steering committees, what's working well, what's not, not working well. Uh, kind of more of an, an IDS if you put it in L10 language related to this topic. And then 21 is adjourn. So does anybody have any additions or corrections for the agenda? I will state that there was a document that was sent out related to some policy changes for the ACB community. And Cindy will be discussing those during her uh, report, staff re uh, report. So besides that, are there other items that the board would like added or changed on the agenda? All right, hearing none, I'd ask for approval of the agenda, a motion. So I'll move. This is Dan, second. Nicholas with the delay sometimes. Thank you. Okay, Nicholas is delaying. I heard Kim second, but who made the motion? I think I'll go with Chris Bell. I thought I heard Chris Bell. So Chris Bell made the motion and Kim seconded. Dan, question from yes, Omaha. Right. So for the executive committee, the directors and officers meet separately with some of us being in Omaha and some of us online. How is that going to work? I am not sure. We're going to have to noodle on that. I was thinking of doing a call-in number, perhaps for the officers and letting the, the board, since there's many more board members, stay on. But we'll... Okay. Just, just well, wanted well, to make sure we had logistics. Down. We'll have to figure that out. Maybe I, I think David that's is our next, yeah. David and you are our officers there. Maybe you all can yes. call in on a cell phone number. Yeah. Okay. To, yeah. Okay. Enough. All right. We'll we'll yeah. yes. Go ahead, Doug. This is Doug. Um, didn't uh, isn't there a uh, report from the committee that was working on the duties of the executive committee? Yeah, that's that's due. Meeting? No, it's due at the DC uh, leadership okay. conference board meeting, and uh, right. Kim, um, you know, Kim's got the lead on that. Yeah, Kim and Mark. Yeah, yeah. Hey, mm -hmm. Mr. President, this is Donna Brown. Yes, Donna. Uh, just two things. Um, you might have to give us like a few minutes in in Omaha here to run this microphone from person to person before like making decisions real quick <laughs> okay. okay okay so 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 yeah, allow allow for a, a a pause for yeah yes. but also Thank um is, is there going to be just a, a moment I, i'd like to give just a quick little update on the um special education task force because it kind of gets forgotten about sometimes and i don't know where it would fall um just just a, a minute or two um, well would you like uh well and there may be others would you like to add an item at the end of the agenda for kind of um you know um Committee committee reports as needed. As needed, yes. Yeah. Okay. Be happy to do that. All right. All right. Okay. Yeah, thank you. Sure. Uh, for those who made a motion in a second, is that a friendly amendment for you guys? You're good with that? Sure. Okay. Absolutely. All right. Okay. Any other discussion? All right. Hearing none, all in favor of the agenda signify by saying aye. 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 Expecting a big yell in 15 seconds from Omaha, but I didn't hear it. <laughs> okay. 
All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. Dan, I'm trying to mute the microphone when we're not speaking. So I'll try to get it it up for when you guys are making motions. Okay. Thank you, Nancy. Appreciate it. We're learning. This is, this is new dirt tour for us. So this is a good, good experience. All right. Well, thank you all so much. And now we'll move on to item four on the agenda. Uh, which is review and approval of the August 31st um, resolutions part one meeting minutes. So. Oh. <laughs> All right. So the minutes were um, sent out and distributed. Are there any corrections or additions to the August 31st minutes? We have one here in Omaha. Okay. You guys are a little quiet for whatever reason. It's it's hard to hear you. Good morning, good morning, Denise. Uh, just Hi, one Ray. minor correction. At the very end, you said we adjourned at twelve thirty-five p.m. I don't think we had that long. Did I? Time. I'm sorry. No, it was not p.m. <laughs> it's twelve thirty-five. Believe me, I felt it. So twelve thirty-five a.m. That's just a minor thing, but uh, thought I'd bring it to your attention. And, Thank you. And I and I had one question and. Uh, maybe I, I misread them, but um, for the PR committee, did um, it said Deb, but I thought it was Connie. You said Deb. No, it's me. It's it Deb. is Deb? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, you did it wrong at the committee chair's meeting. Is that what happened to me? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. It is Deb. Okay. <laughs> I wanted to make sure that uh, who, okay, it is you, Deb. Okay. All right. This is, this is Doug. Um uh-huh. A question about uh, uh, the historical, uh, they were very, very thorough minutes, and uh, especially on on the resolutions, I'm wondering what the historic, if there's a historical value in talking about the changes that were made to the resolutions before the vote took place, since mostly what's going to be on the website and and historically uh, available to people is just the final you know, the final resolution as we passed it. Um, I'm, I'm trying to save uh, Denise a little bit of work here uh, in, in tracking any changes that, that happens to the resolutions. Um, if if people think it's important to have it there, I, I, that's fine. If they're, if, and I don't, I, we don't need to change these, but I'm just asking if, um, if anybody else was, um, you mean the, was, the official was, the official motions to change the resolutions as presented to the board? Yes. Yeah, I I I think well, I'll defer to others, but I think that's very that's important because those were motions that changed the documents that were presented. Yeah, I did it that way so that people could actually see the changes in the actual language itself. I mean, I I, I wasn't sure how people wanted it done either. Yeah, this, this is, is kind of new for us. Yeah, go ahead, Deb. Yeah, I really think it's critical to do what Denise actually did. And I'm very much in favor always of being able to shorten the process of the minutes. So for me to actually say that means that I think it is important because um, we do need to know what changes um, occurred on a historical level for when we're looking at doing additional things. Um, so I think it's part of the history 
And I think it's actually um, very relevant. And it is true that ultimately when we print the resolutions, we only print the final word. But often getting to that final word was perhaps challenging or thought-provoking or compromises or whatever. And I think it's good to reflect them. Okay. Any other comment on the meeting minutes? Yes. All right. Hearing none, do I, do I have a motion to approve the meeting minutes? Kenneth has moved and, and, Doug will second. and Doug will second. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 They said aye, Dan. Okay. <laughs> You want us just to pause a minute after you guys say I on the Zoom, the Zoom um, call, and then we'll say I afterwards? Yeah, I think that's fine. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, thank you. All right. Next item number five on the agenda is our mission moment, one of the favorite times for our board meetings each, uh, each time, I think. And um, very excited today to recognize... Uh, over a hundred visitors brochures being audio described through a project that's really been going on now for, JoLynn will give us a little more detail, but I believe almost four years uh, where we re received, I believe, over $250,000 in grants uh, from Google. Uh, a big portion of that money passes through ACB and goes on to the University of Hawaii. Uh, with Brett Oppegard and his team, along with Michelle Hartley from the National Park Service. And of course, our wonderful ACB volunteers, many of them from our audio description project steering committee and, the, and this board and, and staff. And everybody has really come together to, I think, not only deliver a wonderful pro product through the national parks to audio describe the visitors brochures, but it's also allowed us to establish a wonderful relationship with the National Park Service and with the University of Hawaii. So uh, this has manifested itself in many different ways. So I want to first thank JoLynn Bailey Page, who's been our project coordinator for these four years. I want to thank Deb Cook-Lewis for all her work putting together kind of the streaming and the Zoom and the backbone uh, for the um, for the descriptathons that happen uh, a couple of times a year. We're getting ready for Descriptathon 8 here at the end of October. And early orientation work is already being done on Descriptathon 8. And then really, again, Thanks to the uh, ADP uh, committee, steering committee, and many of the ADP uh, committee members for their participation in the, um, uh, in the project, uh, as well as staff who've participated, members of this board. Uh, it's really been a collective effort and has gained so much traction for our organization, and I think really shows what we can do when we work collaboratively with our partners. Uh, and ACB really has facilitated a, a lot of making all this happen. So to everybody, you know, congratulations. And I'll turn it over to Eric uh, and then perhaps Jolyn and some others for additional comments. So Eric. Sure. Well, thanks, Dan. Uh, four years ago, 
Google yeah. uh, reached out because they had this uh, relationship with the University of Hawaii and they were trying to figure out how this could be elevated, the Unidescription uh, project, how it could be elevated and uh, connected more closely with the blind community. Uh, seven or eight years ago, we met uh, in the national office with uh, Professor uh, Tom Conaway and his wife, Megan, uh, to, to talk about the unit description project as it was just kind of in its very uh, infant stage. And, uh, and we weren't able to sort of figure out how to, how to collaborate. There was, no, there was no real funding. And in Google, uh, there was funding and the relationship that we have with Google and that we've had with Google for a decade. And so, uh, you know, we, we had- Recording in progress. We had a series of meetings that, um, you know, culminated in this uh, relationship with the University of Hawaii. And uh, it's just grown and the relationship with the Park Service in particular has really flourished. And much of that is due to the really uh, hard work and persistence of Jolyn. Um, she was our grant writer. And then she was also doing unit description uh, as with many folks that work in some capacity for this organization. Uh, your job title isn't everything that you do. <laughs> There's a lot of other stuff that you do at times. And so, uh, you know, JoLynn has really helped to shepherd this, uh, frankly, along with Dan uh, before he became president and uh, in working with Professor Oppegaard and, and others at the University of Hawaii. And then a couple of years ago, we went to Harper's Ferry uh, where uh, Michelle Hartley and her group are, are located. Uh, Clark and I and uh, Brett Oppegaard was in town along with, um, gosh, I believe uh, what, Pat Sheehan was there mm -hmm. and uh, Denise Decker and others. Doug so Powell, I think, yeah. A, yep. a full day of, of uh, meetings and um, it's, it's been wonderful. It's been a lot of work though, a ton of work. It is difficult to sort of describe the amount of work uh, that has gone on um, to, you know, get uh, coordinated with the volunteers, uh, the various parks, uh, the Descriptathon, and thank you very much to Deb over the last couple of years of stepping in and, and being willing to uh, provide her expertise in, in coordinating. Um, it, it's been wonderful. And, um, you know, there's, there's only more good stuff to come from here. So thanks, guys. Thank you, Eric. And then uh, JoLynn, Kim, would you all like to say anything? Kim, I'll defer to you. For oh, now. absolutely not, Jolyn. You are the <laughs> the real um, shining star in this process of keeping all the pieces together and making an amazing um, pro process actually operate well. So um, please share your insights. 
Oh, well, thank you, Kim. Um, I know this, that you certainly were instrumental in uh, both promoting it and in, in doing some site visits on the East Coast up in Cape Cod. I'm, I'm going to be reporting it as a little bit on the latest development um, during our, our development report um, just very shortly. But I just want to say thank you um, to Dan, to everyone and most of all to our ACB members for faithfulness. This project has grown so much that current participation is almost like being a research assistant in a university. Um, and so hours and hours are given by the volunteers who are currently participating in D8 and will be going forward. But we have some exciting news, which I'll share later on. But um, without everyone working together, none of this could have happened. It's just been a, a wonderful journey and um, would love to see more and more members of ACB become involved. Thank you, Jolyn. Any other board members, that any comments? This is I Doug. Have... Yeah. Go ahead, Doug. And then was there somebody after Doug? Uh, David Trott. David Trott. Okay, go ahead, Doug, and then David. Yeah. Well, I just, I, I've participated in a couple of them. And the, the, the neat part for me is that we're making an impact on people, you know, regular people, you know, who, uh, you know, obviously they, they work for the park service, but uh, our needs are starting to be, you know, are, are, are developing into mainstream through this, through this project. So more and more and more and more people are understanding the importance and the, uh, the complexity of doing audio description and making this stuff available to people who are blind or have low vision. And uh, I always um, get really um, excited about that. Yes, I agree, Doug. Thank you. It, it, it is kind of amazing as it's continued to grow. We, we, we now have relationships with the regional directors at the, throughout the National Park Service. Uh, you know, this D8, we're going to feature parks from the Midwest region and the Pacific Northwest region. And, uh, you know, it's amazing to see where this has gone. I know Jeff Tom was involved early on being a judge in several of the descriptathons. And Jeff, if you jumped back in now, it's like night and day. I mean, this thing is it's turned into a scholarly uh, project at this point in time. Yeah, but it, <clears throat> I want to <clears throat> echo... Um, one thing that Jolyn said, and <clears throat> much of the thanks goes to Jolyn for this, but a lot of us have had opportunities to, you know, hike through these parks uh, that we wouldn't have otherwise had. So mm -hmm. I think that's, and I hope that that will continue throughout the country as we expand um, the reach of this project. So I, I thank Jolyn for all her efforts in that area as well. Thank you. All right. And David Trott, I think. Yeah, this is David. Uh, I'm really excited about what I'm hearing today, but I heard one thing from Eric that I think we have some new board members, and of course, you know I go back. I'm like Father Tan. There was a time in this organization that we had to strongly advocate and fight for everything we got. And the one of the most important things I heard this morning was Google came to us. And I've heard this on several occasions from different things from Eric and, and Dan over the past couple of years, people are now seeing the value of the American Council of the Blind. And for those of you that wasn't here when people or was here, wasn't really a part of things when they didn't see it, 
you you don't really know how important this is. And this this uh, park description service that we've been doing over the past few years, I participated in it a few years ago. It's an exciting thing, but it's only a beginning from things that we're hearing. And it's a lot of the work that our membership and staff have done that has really brought ACB to a new level. And I think we need to recognize that ACB now is at a different level than we were, say, 10, 15 years ago. Okay, I have thank two other people in the, in here uh, having their okay, hands up. Okay, thank you. you. Clean the microphone, okay? Okay, sure. I wanted to give you germs, David. There you go. <laughs> David tried. That doesn't happen very often, but uh, I also want to congratulate all the work that's being done. Jolene, you've done a great job with this project. And I would encourage uh, anyone else who's listening, this is an excellent opportunity to learn about the parks, to learn about description of artifacts, maps, collages, and uh, portraits. Uh, so anyone that has questions about it, what we try to do is to uh, level the playing field. So when you walk, get to a national park, great idea for the health and wellness campaign, by the way, to um, get access to the same information that everybody else has. Leveling the playing field is a lot is a lot of what ACB does. And this is a great way to get involved at your local level and uh, make a difference. So I would encourage anyone who has questions, I'm available to answer some of them. And if I don't know the answer, I'll make it up. Thank you, Pat. And again, I echo that. If anybody out there listening on ACB Media, an ACB member that would like to get involved and learn more about the parks and get involved in a descriptathon, please contact Jill Lynn or, or myself or uh, Clark Rackful and, and, you know, and, and let us know you, of your interest. Uh, it is uh, it's a really worthwhile activity. And Jill Lynn, we're always looking for more volunteers, aren't we? We are. Um, Dan, good, good morning. Uh, hello, Ray. Ray yes. Hello, Ray Campbell in Omaha. So just a couple quick comments. You know, first of all, I, I, when we started, when ACB kind of took on this audio description project in 2009, um, there was a couple of years there where it was like, well, you know, what do we really take on? What is it really going to, to do? And boy, we're seeing the fruits of that now with uh, unit description and other things that the project is doing. So that's one thing. I think the second thing that's really important about this, and Doug kind of alluded to this, is that what do we always talk about? The seniors, people over 65, the largest segment of our blind and visually impaired community. Well, you know what? They're the ones that are retired and have time to travel and go to the national parks. And we're doing something for them that... Uh, is, is really valuable. And so I, I think that um, you know everything that's been done and uh, I'm excited to hear that uh, we're starting to move into the Midwest a little bit and, uh, and that. And, uh, and then the last quick point I'd make is that it was just mentioned a minute ago, the, 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 um, this, is, this is what, you know, people say, what does ACB do for me or what's, what can I do for ACB? And this is the kind of thing you can do for ACB and for citizens who are blind or visually impaired around the cross country and around the world. So great stuff. Thank you, Ray. 
All right. Is everybody ready? We got to do it. Everybody ready? Let's give a big hip, hip, hip. Hooray. hooray. Hip, hip, hooray. Hooray. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Jolyn. Thank you, Kim. Thank you, team, for all your hard work, uh, staff. It's a wonderful, wonderful accomplishment. And I know we're going to continue to go because we've got 400 parks and we're only at 100. So we got a lot ahead of us. <laughs> a lot more parks ahead of us. So thank you. All right. Item number, um, excuse me, item number six is our consent agenda. So you have received, uh, board members have received all of these reports and I know you have digested them. So uh, I'd like to have a motion for us to approve the consent agenda of our six reports submitted by our staff members. So moved, Doug. Doug moves, do I have a second? Don't be shy. I'll second. Ray, is that Ray seconding? Yes. All right, uh, any discussion about the consent agenda? Any questions about any of the items in the report? I know we'll have an opportunity for our staff to, uh, you know, cover a couple of highlights and answer your questions when we have our staff reports. I do have a, just a couple of minor questions. So sure. Um, in the financial uh, report, uh, and maybe Nancy, just, just curious about this. So um, I saw a, item for web and internet hosting it showed zero zero dollars for 2021 is that paid every this is i just come asking because i don't know is it paid every couple of years or have we not been billed for that yet that's my first question the second one i saw a couple of items for travel for scholarship recipients it was a, and travel for dkm winners uh, they had some dollar figures in them. And since we were virtual, I didn't think we spent any money for that. So I was just curious about those items. Thank you. That was all in the financial report. Sure. Let me look well, and then I can. You'll have to, uh, Nancy, you want a minute to take a look at it? If you guys want to go on, I'll take a minute to look at it. Okay. Are, are there any other um, board members with questions on the reports in the consent agenda? Okay, I'm not hearing any, so I'll go ahead and give Nancy one more minute to pull up her financial documents and take a look. Dan, this is Kim, and maybe I yes. could suggest that when Nancy comes up on the agenda in a little bit, maybe she could answer those two questions since they're informational and we can move on. Okay, Ray. And that doesn't you, stress Nancy. Yes, she has yes. to find everything right this second. <laughs> Thank you, Kim. That's a good suggestion. Ray, are you comfortable with that? Ray said yes. Okay. All right. So with that said, I'll go ahead and um, call the question for approval of the consent agenda. And then we'll have Nancy um, talk about those two items uh, when she gives her staff report. So all those in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 The big crowd in Omaha. Hey, there they are. All right. Thanks, everybody. Uh, all those opposed, signify by saying no. All right. Thank you. 
All right. Item seven on our agenda is our convention report from Janet Dickelman, uh, convention committee chair. So, Janet. I got it. I you want to just hold it. I can do it. Okay. Good morning, everybody. Poor Nancy is just running like a crazy person. She's, she's, she's got roller skates, huh? And yeah. cleaning and muting. And thank you, Nancy, for everything. Um, all right. So we are here in Omaha. And I hope that everybody who is here in the room agrees that this is going to be a great facility for our convention. Uh, everybody likes the Hilton. It's very nice. They are still working on getting all of their full staff in. So right now they're not offering daily housekeeping, although you can request it. Um, they're not, there's some service issues in the restaurant, but they're working all of that out. Uh, the hotel, um, around the hotel, there's a number of restaurants that are very walkable. The most of the activities of the well, some of the activities of the convention will occur in the convention center, which is connected to the hotel by a skyway. But for all of you who are saying, oh, no, she gave us a skyway. It is a straight shot. You do not have to turn. That means you walk straight from one building to the other. So it's really easy to go from the fourth floor of the hotel over to the um, convention center, or you can also cross a street to get to the convention center from the hotel, and there will be an audible pedestrian signal at that street crossing. So it's going to be pretty easy to get from one place to another. We are looking at... Um, wait a second. Here, Eric. Would you, Nancy yep. Alfred? But here, okay. Sorry, I'm 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 re I was reading and holding a microphone. So, um, all right, let me find my place. Um, we have already. St oh, <laughs> wow! All right, now I have. <laughs> oh, and now we can hear you much better. We can hear you much better too. Yeah. Boy, you. Those of you who don't know what's going on here, this is very interesting for holding this microphone up so I can speak and read at the same time. Thank you. Um, we have been busy looking at a lot of tour sites. We have, for those of you who doubted what we would have in Omaha in the way of tours, Rhonda and I are going to be in a position where there may be too many things that we can't, that we may not be able to do everything. But we have some wonderful tours. We know for sure already that we're going to be doing an evening riverboat cruise. We know that we are going on the 4th of July to a, um, it is the storm, storm, yeah, storm what? Storm Chasers. Sorry, I didn't have Storm Chasers, which is a minor league team of Kansas City. And we are going mm -hmm. to one of their games for a dinner and a fireworks extravaganza. We also know we are taking our city bus tour with a, a twist, and that will be on Ollie, Molly, or Polly the trolley. So um, <laughs> with a step-on guide to go through the city of Omaha, we are looking at doing an evening get up and get moving activity where we will walk across the biggest, um, the pedestrian bridge that connects Omaha, Iowa and Nebraska. 
And when you get halfway across the bridge, you can have one foot in one state and one foot in the other. It's really pretty cool. And the bridge is all lit up at night. So that's going to be fun. We are looking at going to the zoo, which is, depending on who you ask, either San Diego or the, Nebraska, the Omaha Zoo are one and two and zoos. Uh, we are also going to go to Outlook, Nebraska for our blind services tour. We are going to visit Boys Town, which is going to be an absolute wonderful tour. Um, we are working on a brewery tasting tour. Yep. Final Friday, guys. Final Friday. <laughs> we are also looking at a crime tour dinner where we will have a dinner and hear about all the um, notorious things that have happened in St. Louis. I'm St. Louis, Omaha. Omaha. Yes, I, I okay. we, we were in three different cities so far. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, and many other tours. We're, of course, we will have our candy tour. We have a, a great spot for a candy tour. And there's several other places that we are considering. And um, I think it's going to be wonderful tours. Um, Janet, have you had a chance to talk with the Lewis and Clark? Folks, yes. yeah, yes, thank I you, Dan, for yes. bringing that up. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and, that and the Mormon Trail, and yes, uh, Lewis and Clark is right by the bridge, so I kind of think of them. Oh, but yes, okay. it's going to be Lewis and Clark's going to be a great visitor center, has a great tour that we're going to get to go to, um, and several other places. So, yes, we're very excited about our tours. Um, I'd like to remind all the board members to please reach out to the committees that you are affiliated with and the special interest affiliates and remind them to please let me know who their program chair is going to be for the 2022 convention. I have sent out um, requests to several lists and I've gotten about 50% response from people. So if Anyone listening on ACB radio, if you are a program chair for your president for your affiliate or a program chair for a committee, please reach out to me and let me know so I can get you subscribed to our convention planning list because I want to start having meetings, especially with affiliates and committees talking about how, how life is going to look in hybrid convention world because think we're going to really have to do a lot of planning for this. So I want to get everybody on board as quickly as we can. Um, I'm just going to go through very briefly. We had a, a couple of conference calls with um, Mount Vernon uh, Consulting and uh, Kate Bendimio from that organization. And there are about 25 people on these calls. And there were board members, there were staff, there was um, Zoom hosts, there was um, AV people, there or ACB media people, there was a lot of representation. And we talked about kind of how things look in hybrid convention planning. And a couple of things that were brought up um, during this meeting were that um, um, we recognize and accept that the in-person and virtual um, conference experiences will be different. They, they obviously have to be, but we'll build that into the event marketing and make sure that attendees, sponsors, um, and vendors experience uh, understand all of this. Um, 
We will focus on making sure, however, that uh, virtual attendees are included. We will make sure we have things for our virtual attendees as we did um, in 2020 so that they can network. We will make sure that we have our AV budget, and I know this will come up in our budget conversations uh, later this fall that we are going to definitely have to increase our audiovisual budget so that we can make sure that we have the best equipment available for our in-person and also our, um, on our virtual attendees. We will make sure that general section and of course evening programs are all um, in-person virtual attendees will have the same experience and I'll be watching and hearing everything simultaneously. We will make sure that um, we'll ensure that most highly rated events, uh, oh, we will utilize vote now. And we've already talked about that, um, making an experience for in-person as well as um, virtually. We know that sometimes people have had a little problem if they're not if they have difficulty reaching out to vote now. We're going to make sure that on site we have a private spot where someone can go if they need assistance casting their vote with vote now, um, so that that can be um, handled for everyone. Everyone is able to vote. Uh, we're going to offer breakout sessions um, in two formats, basically uh, live workshops that. Um, consist of audience uh, interaction and Q&A. We will try to make sure that as many of those as possible can be streamed and can be virtual. And then presentations that are just offering information and one-way communications may not all be streamed, live streamed, but will be available as quickly as possible for people. We have also talked about trying to add on maybe a week or a few days before or after the convention so that affiliates can have virtual sessions and of course some um, conduct their business. <coughs> so that means extending the quote time of the convention so that affiliates can conduct, conduct their visits. We will you know, work with you to do that. We will try to make the virtual experience as close as possible. Um, it was very interesting. We also went through some scenarios about virtual versus hybrid attendees. And um, Kate came up with several little cute little scenarios about what brings makes someone an in-person and what makes someone a virtual. And we came up, she came up with, we have in-person Isaac. And in-person Isaac is retired, he loves to travel, goes, does a lot of traveling with his wife, and he wants to come to the convention so that he can see his friends, and I added and go on tours, because of course we know everybody loves to go on tours. So he is in-person Isaac. We also have in-person Isabel, and in-person Isabel came to us a couple of years ago through a virtual convention, and she never really thought she wanted to come to a convention, but getting involved with us virtually. She realized that this was something she really did want to attend. She's a little nervous about coming, but the convention this year is closer to her home. So she's going to travel and she's excited about, you know, traveling on her own and coming to Omaha and being in person, Isabel. So that those are a couple of representations of our in-person individuals. Uh, 
Then we talk about our virtual attendees. We have virtual Vic and virtual Vic's had some health problems. He used to come to conventions all the time, but it's just getting too hard for him to come. So he's really looking forward to attending our convention virtually and uh, going into sessions on Zoom and watching. What's that? Oh, air conditioner. Sorry, here in Omaha, we have a funny noise. Um, I don't know if you guys can hear it, but and um, participating, but not having to leave his home. And then we have virtual Valerie and virtual Valerie is a mom. She's in her thirties. She's got a couple of children. She works full time. She can't get away. She's just got too much going on, but she's going to attend virtually. She's going to have her, you know, be listening on her Victor stream while she's making dinner. She's going to be um, attending as many events as she can. She, she might even cheat a little bit and uh, listen to us on her computer at work. And uh, although she would never do that when she, you know, just on her breaks and things, she would never listen during work hours, but she's, <laughs> she's going to stay tuned with the, to the convention. And she's going to then, of course, as soon as things are available as podcasts, she's going to be right on top of listening to all that. So she's really <clears throat> excited about another virtual convention experience. And then we have hybrid Hank. And hybrid he's, Hank. He's my favorite. Yeah. He's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody likes Hank. Hank's Hank's coming to the convention and he can't wait. He's he's looking forward to seeing everybody and he's going to, you know, go to the general sessions and go to a few other sessions. But then he's, you know, he's getting a little older and you know, it gets to be a lot of work for him and he might just want to listen to some sessions from the comfort of his room. Or I'm adding in in the scenarios cuz Kate didn't put this in, but he might be going out for a later breakfast or, you know, maybe sitting at the bar and listening to a couple of sessions on his iPhone. That's Dan. That's Dan. I mean, that's Ray, right? Yeah. Yep. So we have all these different individuals who make up what our convention attendee look like. And we are going to work as hard as we can to accommodate the Hanks, and the Valerie's and the Vicks, as well as make the convention enjoyable for Isabel and Isaac. So that is, and there's, there's going to be much more coming out about how we're going to work with the affiliates. What we, because unfortunately, we probably, if affiliates want to have additional events stream, we're going to stream what we can. We're going to set up several rooms where we can have. <laughs> Well, we'll have wired internet where we're going to be able to, you know, make it just like you're there. And then some things we are going to record and, well, everything will be recorded and some things may not be simulcast, but they will be available, especially utilizing the Zoom platform. Uh, they'll be available very quickly for turnaround for people to, to enjoy. Are there any questions of me? This is Jeff. All right. Yes. Um, uh, just sort of a suggestion. You know, one of the um, points that Dan made yesterday and others is that one of the lessons we learned from the voting task force was to connect with as many groups, individuals, et cetera, et cetera, as we could. Um, and of course, the same, and I don't need to tell you this, 
the same lesson applies, especially with this, you know, hybrid format that we're entering into. But my thought was that there's only one Janet Dickelman, but maybe there needs to be a group of Janet Dickelman so that all the work doesn't, you know, come upon you. You're busy enough as it is. Um, are you thinking about having others that can supplement you in terms of getting, you know, these processes together and these, you know, calls and et cetera, et cetera, as the, as the months go on so that you're not deluged with work? Oh, the conventions, uh, the convention steering committee will definitely be involved, and we have our first call coming up in October. Um, oh, this is October. Well, later in October, we um, also, of course, the convention committee. We, I will work, yes, with the convention program committee, and there will be a lot of involvement. And this is why I really want to get all the affiliates and committees information so that I can network with them, or we can all network with them, and make this. This is everyone's convention, and we want to make sure that we have everybody's involvement, and we want to make sure that we have programming. And I, I like the idea, and this is was suggested by Kate and has also been suggested by several other people, that we do kind of like, kind of like California did. I hesitate to say that, but we um, extend the life of our convention a little bit so that there are virtual activities prior to and after, like we're doing with the auction this year. The auction so, is going to be held virtually prior to the convention. So it's going to not, so we won't have the auction as one of our on-site events, but everybody who partake, everybody can partake of it. And that's going to, you know, we're going to really try to do a lot of things of that nature. So let me clarify what I meant. Yes. Um, I, all that, all what you said is great. And I'm, I'm fully on board with all that. What I mean to say is there are going to be so many meetings that your committee is going to have to hold. And I don't want to see you have to attend all these meetings. I, I would like to see other people that can spell you at the, and that can, you know, oh. take on some of the work. That That's really the point of my comment. Come on. I've, I've got 24 hours in a day. <laughs> no, no, a good, good point. And yes, of course, I'll certainly, I'll certainly delegate some things and have some other people involved. Definitely. Yeah, thank you. And, and Jeff, one thing we've thought of, and you're a good person to to dialogue with because you are president of a special interest affiliate. We've even thought about perhaps putting together, a, you know, a special interest affiliate circle or whatever you want to call it, where we could have some ongoing dialogue with special interest affiliates. Not that we don't love and care very much about our state affiliates. But when it comes to the convention and some of these activities, they, they truly are a different set of needs for the special interest affiliates than there are for the state affiliates. And so um, I, I think there's some value in us having that dialogue early and often as we go through this process. We, we don't want to surprise people. Uh, and this even came up some on the committee chairs meeting last Thursday that I think there's a real opportunity to kind of to do more of this dialoguing here in the fall and, and into the winter. So as we finalize this stuff, everybody's, you know, in sync. So yeah. Yeah, we we agree. I we've I've talked to other special interest affiliates and we're we we hardly endorse those comments and we, we think we need to get together and, and have some of these yep. discussions. So thank you for that. Yeah. And so so what you, you'll probably see us put put something together. Yeah. Yeah. 
So you need to add contact for. Go, need go ahead. Spencer, you need to add Spencer, the special interest person. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he's a library user who reads Braille, who has a guide dog with low vision. He's got it all going. Yeah. yeah. Cool. <laughs> Spencer's a busy guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Any other questions for, for Janet? Nothing in our room. All right. Well, thank well, you. Thank you. Thank all you, very Janet. Much. And yes. I look forward to seeing all of you in Omaha next summer. And I think you're going to be very happy with Omaha. Thank Thank you, thank you, thank I you. And I do too. Yay. Yeah. I'm missing you guys. It's kind of sad not being there and being able to tool around the hotel and get acclimated and orientated and all. It's, you know, I'm missing it. So, but I'm glad you're there. Okay. All right. Do we have a motion to approve the convention report? Just to move. I'll, yes. move, I'll move that. Okay. Thank you, Ray. I'll second this. And, uh, and David Kim will second. second. And, um, okay. and by the way, under discussion, I would say I'm missing you, Dan, but what I'm really missing is Cindy's hugs. So, Oh, yeah. <laughs> Don't say that. Rick will be pulling up that tape that he has from Chicago hey, before the thank meeting. Thank you, Ray. <laughs> I already have it pulled, Dan. I already got it. You already got it. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, we all miss Cindy's hugs. Thanks, Ray. <laughs> all right. Um, hearing no other discussion, all those in favor of approving the convention report signify by saying aye. 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 All right. Opposed? Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you, Janet. Happy touring. All right. Next uh, item number eight is the president's report. Uh, a on the president's report is our resolutions 2.0 and voting task force 2.0 uh, committees. Um, again, a uh, little bit of a change for resolutions. So our chair of that committee is going to be Ray, um, who took that on last time. But we've got uh, as co-chairs this year, uh, working with Ray are Deb Cook-Lewis and Gabe Griffith. So uh, from our, our first vice president, as well as our chair of the resolutions committee. Uh, and most of the members will stay the same on the resolutions committee. Uh, Kenneth Simeon is moving over from the resolutions committee to the voting task force committee. So Pat and Ray had a tug of war, and I guess Pat won. So, I, you know, just kidding. But I uh, know Kenneth had asked if uh, – Kenneth always likes to grow his experience level, and he'd like to serve on the voting task force this year. I told him that thought that would be an excellent opportunity. Uh, voting task force will basically stay the same. Uh, really, a uh, committee that did an, another outstanding job uh, last year. So Pat Sheehan will be the chair, uh, Jeff – uh, Tom will be the vice chair and Connie will be the communications lead uh, for the voting task force committee. So um, I want to thank everybody for their willingness to participate. And we will 
expect reports out at the DC leadership conference from both uh, ad hoc uh, task forces. So Ray or Patrick, uh, Jeff or Deb, any uh, comments uh, from you all today? Related to resolutions or voting task force. <laughs> Nancy says she's going to quit cleaning it between times I speak because. Yeah, yeah. Ray, if you speak it. three times in a row, I don't know if you have to be cleaned each time. It's just... <laughs> well, let's not go there, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just, I did want to say a couple things. So, first of all, actually, Pat and I had a little bit of conversation yesterday morning at breakfast and, um, uh, kind of put a framework together of how we think the two committees ought to meet and uh, you know, kind of work together. Um, and so um, what we'll be looking at is do we have members that are on both committees that maybe can serve as liaisons back and forth um, as uh, the committees start to do their work. Uh, the second thing I wanted to say is Deb and Gabe, um, if Gabe, if you're listening and Deb, I'll be reaching out to you. I'd like to set up a conversation for the three of us to kind of think about how we want to get started. And then we'll start bringing the, we'll bring the committee together and start uh, having our meetings and, and discussions. So uh, I look forward to working on it. Um, um, I think, I think all of us agree that for the resolution side of things, we want to get that back into the hands of the membership where it belongs. And um um, we're going to work to do that. So uh, that's, that's all I have to say. Thanks. And, and Ray, uh, with your collaboration, I also have had uh, lots of conversations with John McCann, and I would say it's also important that the, the third leg of this stool is really involving constitution and bylaws as early as we can in the process, because I think a lot of the recommendations you all come up with will require us, maybe not for 2022, but but probably in 2022 to propose amendments to the constitution and bylaws. So by the time we get to 2023, we're hopefully at, at an end state uh, for these activities. So, uh, Mr. Chair. Yes. I'm, I'm just a little confused. So Ray will be chairing uh, resolutions, not Gabe. No, no, but this is the resolutions ad hoc oh, task okay, force. Thank you. Yeah, thank the 2.0 task force. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, yeah. Uh, Gabe is still the, the chair of resolution. I was just getting confused. Yeah, my, my fault. Yeah. This is kind of how do we want resolutions to look for the future in the yeah. hybrid environment? In a hybrid environment, exactly. And this is Pat Sheehan. Yeah, go ahead, Pat. I just wanted to say thank you for uh, allowing me to serve. And uh, Kenneth, welcome to the Voting Task Force. We have a lot of work to put together the hybrid um, uh, convention with voting and then uh, working with uh, Resolutions 2.0 and, and, and uh, Constitution Bylaws. We have a great team, so thanks to the committee that make it work. And uh, Jeff and Connie, myself, and everybody else will be tasked and we'll put together a good... Uh, project and we'll get it moving dan we'll get it we'll get it executed and we'll be here next year thanks thank, thank you we look for reports uh, report outs at the board meeting and the president's meeting at the dc leadership conference thanks ray and pat all right any any other questions uh from board members or officers for uh, either ray or pat all right 
Hearing none, I'm going to go to item B under the president's report. And that is kind of a report from Kim Charlson from um, updates from the World Blind Union. We've had some announcements that have come out and uh, some, some uh, new, new positions that are being opened up. So, uh, Kim? Thank you, Dan. Um, so just to refresh for listeners on ACB radio, perhaps, um, I became the um, regional president for the North American Caribbean region in April of 2021. Um, in June, late June, we had the General Assembly, um, which was virtual. Um, it didn't quite feel like Madrid. It was my microphone and me for three days. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so um, a little different, um, where we conducted a lot of um, great business. So since then, there's um, there's been a certainly a major announcement just came out um, a couple weeks ago that um, Jose Vieira, the executive, the chief executive officer for the WBU located in Toronto, um, is going to be leaving WBU to go to um, work for um, what everybody calls IDA. And I think that's the International Disability Alliance. I'm, I'm not always 100% positive on that acronym. I forget, but... Um, IDA, he's going to be um, their executive director, which is um, a great step for um, Jose. He's done a tremendous job as um, the CEO of the WBU, really taking um, the organization to um, kind of the next level as far as collaborations with other international bodies. So, um, the the IDA is is a more of a cross disability UN um, organization, so it's going to open up some new opportunities for engagement for WBU um, at the at the international level, cross disability level, um, which will be very productive, I think. So I've um, I, I just received um, a position recruitment announcement. And I've asked that that be included in dots and dashes for the next issue. So they'll be um, recruiting over the next um, couple months for a new executive director CEO of the WBU. So, um, so that um, is the major announcement. And then kind of the other activity or event that happened at the convention was, or the general assembly was, the um, passing of a constitutional amendment regarding um, Caribbean, well, regarding countries that have populations under 800,000 people. Um, and this was a particular interest to our region because of the Caribbean. There are many island nations in the Caribbean that, that do have smaller populations. Um, I just had some engagement yesterday with Aruba and their um, dues. And so this impacts their, their level of dues payment. Um, a, a small nation um, like Aruba um, shouldn't be expected to pay dues at the level of the United States. Um, they're smaller, they have less financial resources. So we have put in a, a fee structure really to make that 
more reasonable for smaller nations to belong to the WBU and not have those financial constraints. So I was really pleased to see that um, put into effect at the General Assembly. So the, um, the next General Assembly for the WBU will be in 2025, and it will be in Madrid. Um, Spain is determined to host an event for the full WBU. And so they're, um, they're re-extending re their invitation for 2025. So I think, Dan, that's basically the mm -hmm. highlights. There will be a regional meeting um, sometime between now and the middle of December. So we will get that on scheduled and on the on the calendar. Um, and we haven't met since last April. So um, I think that's it. Thank you, Kim. And it is 2025. So they didn't. Yes. Um, it's not like the Olympics. They didn't go back to 24. They they they're going to go five years since they last met virtually. Uh, four years since they last met virtually. Right. Because they okay. yeah exactly they they called them quadrennial assemblies and so. With the virtual one in 2021, they've decided to move to 2025. Go, go, go. Okay, good. Okay. Thank you. Any questions for Kim? Thank you so much, Kim. Uh, then our next item is item C. Um, just wanted to make everybody aware that we will be identifying our board uh, affiliate liaisons for 2022. Uh, hoping to get those finalized by the end of October. So if board members, we have three new board members uh, that have rolled on, um, you know, Connie, Kenneth, and, and Chris. And then we've had three that have left. And, and I don't necessarily want to just take the three that have left and, and, and slide them over to the three new members. So I thought this is an opportunity for existing board members uh, and your affiliate liaisons, and maybe also some to the affiliate presidents. Uh, you know, please reach out to me, have a dialogue. Uh, you know, this is an opportunity. You know, there's some board members who've developed really good relationships with their affiliates that would like to keep those going. Maybe for others, it's an opportunity to change up a little bit and, uh, you know, meet a new group of affiliates and a new group of board members. So, uh, please contact me and uh, and let's have a dialogue about your existing affiliate assignments and uh, where we look uh, moving into 2022. So I just wanted to put that in everybody's mind and we'll you know work on that. Goal is to get it done by the end of October. I don't know there's a lot in October, so it may slide into November, but we will we will work to uh, to make sure we have all of our board liaisons assigned and then make sure we communicate that out to the affiliate presidents. So any questions on the board liaisons? Next item is I wanted to uh, formally announce the creation of a new committee inside of ACB. Oh, did somebody have a question? I'm sorry. A question in Omaha? Or is everybody good? We, we are we are good. We're all awake. We're all awake. Okay, good, good, good. All right. Very awake now. Very, very okay. Great. <laughs> I thought I heard a noise there. I was worried about you. All right. 
Next uh, is I want to announce that we have formed an archive committee. Uh, really, two purposes of the archive committee. It's going to be co-chaired by Chris Gray and David Trott. So kind of two, like I said, two sets of activities for the archive committee. The first is really to look at, uh, from a historical standpoint, we had a history committee that Burl helped us with for years that has kind of faded out. And I think uh, it's really important as I spoke to Chris and, and David, Kim, Mitch, lots of lots of folks, you know, with deep history inside of the American Council of the Blind, that there's a worry that we're le losing a little of our history, and especially kind of that last 20, 25 years since People of Vision was published, and there's a real opportunity here um, to, you know, gather information, archival type information from members from our staff. Uh, Sharon Lovering has a wealth of knowledge in this area. Kim has been working with Sharon through a collaborative effort at Perkins to uh, digitize all of our photos and also to digitize our, our cassettes, recordings from, from old uh, conventions and events that ACB held. So there's going to be a focus on, on kind of making sure to retrieve our history. And that, will, that portion of the committee will be led by Chris Gray. And then the second portion of the committee, archive committee's work, will be on creating good and safe places to house our policies and documents as we move forward. So we've uh, had this conversation that you know, right now it's hard to find all of our ACB policies to have them in one centralized place where they're easy to access. Uh, we need to put the right policies in place. So as we create new documents, uh, we follow processes and procedures for those documents. So they're easily retrievable. And that's going to be the work of uh, David Trott and his side of the committee. Uh, Donna Brown and Connie Sims from our board have both uh, agreed to help support David in that efforts. And we have staff support from Sharon, from Kelly with our website, and from Nancy, who's uh, responsible for document retention for ACB. So those uh, are kind of the two main functions for the new archives committee. Dan, uh, David, you're here. Would you yeah. like to say something? Um, yes, I would. Uh, I've actually get a little closer the to the microphone. We're having a little okay. hard time. I'm hearing. actually going to miss the first two meetings due to some health issues. But on on my side of the group, and Chris and I have talked about this. I'm probably going to need a couple more people. Mm -hmm. But I also want to tell you that uh, this side sounds a little worse than it actually is since Nancy Becker came on board. She's already been doing a good bit of this stuff. So. Um, the main thing that our side will deal with is paper and electronics, where Chris will deal more with audio and, and, and uh, the, you know, the, the history going back mm -hmm. even through people of vision and that kind of thing. And um, we're, we're excited to take this role on. We think it's necessary. Uh, one of our goals will be to look at old copies of board minutes where, 
you know, we make a decision today and somebody sets up and says, uh, well, you know, this motion was made back in 1947. Well, actually, nobody really knows if it was or not. So we're going to have this stuff in one place eventually. And um, like I said, we really want to give thanks to Nancy since she's come on board. She's already been doing a lot of the SC because, uh, you know, she's just an excellent mind reader. She knew I'd want this done one day. So, <laughs> But, Dan, too, we want to thank you for revamping this committee according to the way Chris and I wanted it and our vision and helping make it possible. Uh, and we just hope we can do a good job for you. Well, thank you, David. And if, if there are others on the board or listening out there who would like to play a role in the archive committee, please give Chris or David or myself a call or an email, and we'd love to hear from you. Kim, did you want to talk a little on the history side? Because I know you're doing a lot of work there, and you and Chris have had some conversations. Yes, we have. Um, I have, within the last uh, two months, have finished up a project that due to COVID took probably a, a year longer than it needed to. But um, I had worked with a volunteer who scanned um, about a, a giant suitcase worth of photographs for ACB that have been taken at events, conferences, conventions, leadership seminars um, over the last about 40 to 50 years. And those have now all been digitized. And a lot of the metadata about who, who is in the picture, the date of the picture, the location of the picture, as much as we could get out of it and identify the people in the photos has been tagged to each photo. Um, and they've also been uploaded to um, Flickr Pro, which is an on, online, um, cloud-based uh, photo storage um, website and so that we have um, backups on a hard drive that Sharon now has and um, backups on Flickr Pro as well. So there, those files are all in two locations, which is standard um, archival procedure. So you want to have backups for those kind of things. So so that um, project, the only thing left to do now is to kind of figure out what, what we're going to do and how we're going to store the, the photographs that have been scanned and get those back to Sharon for, for handling. Um, the audio is, um, is a more involved process. Chris and I have had extensive conversation about um, how to start digitizing um, he and I have both acquired the um, uh, piece of equipment that would allow us to move, um, you know, analog audio files into digital, create those digital files and store them. So we're, we're just getting started with that. Um, we have a lot of recordings on cassettes. So we really do want to get those converted and then start figuring out what to do with them because as some of you may know, cassettes do not last forever. So um, they're going to start deteriorating some of them from the 1970s. They're, you know, 50 years old nearly, um, kind of like us. So we really want to preserve, you know, some of them are just ordinary meetings and 
may not have you know a whole lot of value, but but some of them are speeches and and things we want to preserve. So we're we're starting that, and um, it's it's an exciting project. This is really important work of the organization to to have um, a a way to capture, store, and retrieve um, valuable information from the past. So. Um, I, I'm looking forward to being a part of this committee and guiding and helping as much as I can with with Chris and and David's work. So, thanks. Thank you, Kim. All right, the last item on the president's report is really is this is kind of a <clears throat> a uh, what do I want to call it a a five or six month uh, warning uh, and 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 I want to get everybody's thoughts about it as too. So, warnings maybe the wrong word, but we have historically kind of use the approach for our agendas where that we that we're seeing today where we we've added the consent agenda but then we have a president's report we have staff reports and then we go through a highlighted of different activities um, throughout the agenda as we go down and we've had a conversation in our um, in our l10 meetings that you know, as we kind of refocus our organization towards our nine programs and services, we have our steering committees with our uh, member lead and our staff lead for each of those nine programs and services. And pretty much the work we do inside of ACB falls under those nine programs and services, or it should. Uh, uh, we need to ask ourselves if it doesn't, then why not? as we start to financially report by these programs and we educate more and more of the membership of the nine programs and the services that are taking place there, should we not start running our uh, board meetings, uh, the three big board meetings that we do each year at the DC Leadership Conference, the pre-convention board meeting and the fall board meeting here, that we would start kind of using an approach after we get past the first items of mission, uh, you know, a mission moment and minutes and you know, maybe a, a few reports from the president and the executive director, that we would then move into kind of reporting and running through the agenda based on our programs and services and would allow things to come up in that point related to convention or advocacy or membership and on down the line. Uh, you know, this would take some work uh, and maybe involve a little more in, in, with people putting together um, documents and, and, and presentations for the agenda. But we think it could lead to much more healthier discussion for our, our board of directors and guests uh, with this kind of format. So that's the proposal out there. Uh, wanted to give everybody some time to think about it because the DC Leadership Conference is still five months away. Um, but was uh, wanted to entertain some thoughts from board members and officers of what you all think of this approach for our agenda going forward for our our three big board meetings each year. Uh, Dan, uh Ray Campbell and Omaha yeah, right. here. And uh, by the way, all of you out on Zoom, the one thing you are not missing, Donna mentioned it earlier, it, it, it's cold in here. <laughs> so hopefully, maybe somebody can do something about that. Um, so um, I, I, I like the idea. Um, 
And in fact, I think one of the things that would be kind of cool, I, first of all, I do think you still need the six top items uh, down to the president's report yeah. because I yeah. think there are things like World Blind Union. I mean, what steering committee does that fit under? Um, that right. kind of thing. So yeah. I do like the idea. Um, but I'd like to even maybe as part of that, you talked about kind of preparing reports. I think it would be good for each of the steering committees to kind of be responsible for for each of the major board meetings, pulling together the report of that steering committee and in doing so working with the committees and other groups that serve, that work underneath them to um, to, to, to pull that together. Um, you know, I'm mm -hmm. thinking, first of all, membership services, you know, for, for you know, basically uh, that committee could say, okay, is there, hey, membership, do you have anything that you want to report to the board or that needs to go before the board and kind of let the steering committees kind of pull the reports together for us. We need to have some deadlines for that. Uh, but I think uh, in general, I like the idea. I think it's um, a great idea. And um, I'd even like to see us think about maybe getting our board meetings a little closer towards the L10 uh, format with the, uh, you know, some of the, I and mean, we do some of it anyway with the uh, issue discussion and solving things. But um, I'd like to see us even think about that, like, you know, some of the introductions, the, 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 the personal and professional highlight type things and, and that kind of stuff. So, but definitely like the idea, Dan, and uh, I think if we can get the steering committees to pull the reports together for us, I think the, in, in, in that work, I think that would be a, even make it, uh, make it really good. So like the idea, thanks. Okay, thank you, Ray. Uh, uh, comments from others? This is Jeff. Yes, Jeff. I, I like the idea, but I have a caveat. Mm -hmm. And that is that one of the most important things about a board meeting is that we get done the crucial business that we have to do. And we always we don't always know exactly what that business is. I understand mm -hmm. that. But one of the risks you take with this type of format is that there's so much information being shared that you limit the time to really discuss um, the issues that you really have to, that you really should be dealing with. So we have to be very circumspect about how we um, engineer the information that is going to be disseminated so that we're not presenting a whole lot of information and losing discussion time. Yeah, yeah. It, and I'm, I'm hoping if we do it right, we'll have more discussion time and not less. But you're right, that's, that's part of the challenge. Yeah, you know. Good. So this is the so point. Um, am, am I correct in assuming that um, each uh, steering committee will solicit and include in their overall report, let's say the advocacy steering committee, mm -hmm. the reports of the individual committees that uh, comprise the steering committee so that we get a a thorough written report, which we can review before the meeting without having necessarily to read the 20 pages out loud during the meeting? That, that to my goal would be kind of like we, what we're now doing with our consent agenda, that we would receive kind of a consent agenda from the, from the different teams, which would be, like you say, Chris, the written report. And then you, you really, 
when you get to the you know to that item on the agenda past the consent agenda you're maybe highlighting a few things but then you're taking that opportunity to really discuss as jeff kind of said earlier here is the important topic we need to talk about related to you know this steering committee so example would be you know kind of a little of what say janet just did where you know what we really need to talk about there is my gosh, we got a hybrid convention coming up and this is new for our organization and how are we going to deal with that? You know, so those type of things where we could spend more time discussing that and not, we, we tend to, in some cases, we get into a lot of reporting and listening, you know, and I, I like us to, it, and it's, it's an evolution, not a revolution, but I, I'd like to get us to the point where that information gets shared and can be read, but we spend the time at the board meeting using all your all's collective wisdom to really talk about, you know, policies, guidelines, things that need to come before this board and have it. Right, and I, I agree with that. I guess um, I'm not sure we, I'm not, I don't think your intention is that uh, each of those steering committee rules read out loud rather than that everybody or it gets a copy and then we whatever came up with. Okay. Correct. Uh, they, they would make up our consent agenda and somebody might have a question. And again, it could be something right. that gets referred to that time on, you know, however we want to handle that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I would also hope that the... Well, Chris, we're losing you. can barely hear you. Oh, really? I'm now, sorry. now you're great. Now you're great. Oh, no. okay. I, I would also hope that the, uh, the individual committee chairs who are part of the steering committee would be able to submit their uh, aspects without a lot of uh, review or or editing. In other words, uh, I'm I'm always uh, nervous about somebody who's uh, chairing the steering committee saying, "No, no, you can't say that." Uh, to a, a committee chair, I'd like to make clear that the committee chairs ought to be able to write what they want to write uh, substantively. Yeah, I think within some standard. I mean, we, we can't, right. I, I don't know, we, we we can't have books written, you know, because so, no, you, you take yeah. somebody like advocacy, if you had seven big, long reports that then fell under the steering committee, it might get too verbose. So you got to right. kind of figure I out how that. to, yeah. Right. Yeah, and, and, and hopefully kind of everybody's using the same format so it, it, it reads consistent. You know. Okay, thanks. Yeah. And I did have one comment uh, about yeah. the archive committee that I, yes. I, I wasn't sure how this, I'd raised my hand, but then I realized people. Oh, no, just, just yell out. Just yell out. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I think the most important thing uh, about Dave Trott's uh, part is the searchability of what we archive. And that strikes mm. me as, as so difficult because, you know, terms change and, you know, you're looking for one thing and, you know, what, what are the right words to look for to pull it up? And mm -hmm. uh, uh, the, the multi way that we can search things, the more I think the better, because it'll be hard to use an archive like that in a meaningful way otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's a good point. Searchability. Thanks. I like it. Yeah. Thank you, Chris. This Other. Doug. Yes, Doug. Where do special interest affiliates fall in the program, the nine program areas? So, uh, mostly, I guess it's under membership, but also, you know, there are several of them that do a lot of advocacy and stuff like that. And I, I, I'm concerned that we still haven't figured out a way of incorporating special interest affiliates into the mainstream of 
uh, our of how we look at our business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't, you know, again, this is uh, this is another reason why I think we not need to kind of create this special interest circle. Is I, I yeah. think there's as as we've kind of, and I'd love to hear others' thoughts on this, but I agree with you, Doug, that as we've kind of matured these steering committees, there's valuable input and resources that, you know, are in our special interest affiliates that, you know, make sense. And it's not like they just monolithically fit under one place, right? They they may have um, value in uh, information referral and peer support area, and they might have value in the member area, and they might have value in the advocacy area. And obviously, we just talked about earlier, we need to have conversations with them in the convention area. So they they hit across a lot of different areas. You know, we can't put we can't put representatives from twenty one special interest affiliates on all the steering committees. So I think we got to have to we're going to have to talk through that, but. Uh, that's why I keep thinking there's this value of having this circle that can be this conduit to have those conversations back and forth. So I could see that we not only could have the convention committee kind of come talk to the, you know, uh, special interest uh, affiliate circle, but so could advocacy, so could information referral and peer support. I don't know. Well, we'll have to think through it, but I agree with you. They're, they're a resource that we we haven't got synced into the approach completely yet. I don't think I, I agree with you. I, I'd love to hear what others think, but. And this is Kenneth. Yes, Kenneth. Yes, I agree with Doug. Uh, we've been talking about some of these things before, but one thing I immediately thought of that um, each one of our steering committees, if we really looked at it, a number of us are a member of, of multiple special interest affiliates. So yeah. We're probably being represented in a good way uh, throughout those nine program yep. steering committees. Yeah, I, I, I think I think we are. It's not necessarily direct, but there is a lot of crossover. Yes, Deb. Yeah, you know, I think I I certainly because special interest affiliates have programming specifically in the convention. I do think that's a pretty unique topic and has to be addressed as we've been talking. But frankly, everything else that we're talking about here impacts all affiliates because we absolutely have affiliates who do or don't do a good job of information and referral, who do or don't do a good job and, and all the on all the scale in between. I'm not saying everybody's yeah. on one end of the spectrum, but for advocacy, for um, any number of things that membership and so services and membership and services. And yep. Yeah. Some, yep. some affiliates yep. do a bang sure. up job and some yep. do not and, yep. and everywhere in between. So mm -hmm. I don't think uh, um, that special interest affiliates are actually particularly unique other than as they relate to the convention, because they have programming there and state affiliates don't. And maybe they should, but they don't, you know, but, um, but they, but, but I think the, the thing that, that, you know, where we have to make sure we capitalize on that is when the particular expertise of those affiliates, um, whether it's a state affiliate that's done something or a special interest affiliate that we, that we take that into consideration. But I don't think that we should assume that um, because special interest affiliates do any of the things that relate to our um, uh, nine steering areas that our state affiliates do not, because I think many of them actually do. And um, that's, 
you know, what we need to figure out is how do we how do we identify and tap into the resources that any, whether special or state affiliates, um, have developed and are doing. Yeah, let, let me let me clarify a little bit what uh, what uh, Deb was talking about, though. Um, there are activities that the special interest affiliates uh, are doing, especially in terms of um, fulfilling the responsibilities of the um, of the resolutions. So there are resolutions that specifically uh, uh, talk about um, uh, some of the special interest affiliates uh, doing things to um, you know uh, to implement the the resolutions. Um, those activities ought to be, you know, we ought to make, we need to make sure that those activities are incorporated in, you know, that the board knows about those activities and that they're, you know, that, that they're part of the mainstream of, of our, our discussion and, and, uh, and the, uh, and, and be recognized as part of the work that the uh, organization is doing. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is, you know, it's it's all it's us, you know. As as all Kenneth right. said earlier, it's not like there's these two unique groups. It's it's the same individuals in most cases, just wearing different hats, you know. So it's it, it, it is hard to navigate the ACB structure <laughs> and include everybody without ending up with a, you know. 25 people on every team. <laughs> so I, I don't know. It's, 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 it's tricky, but, but I, I kind of get what, what you're saying, Doug, that there, and, and Jeff, that there's, and I get, and I get what Deb's saying too. It's, it's a lot of the same of us and the, the same issues are, are involved in both the state affiliates and the special interest affiliates. This but is I, Jeff. I just want to associate myself with Doug's last comment. Yeah. The difference, I think, between what state affiliates and having, you know, been in one that's a strong advocacy affiliate mm -hmm. and what, what the national special interest affiliates do is we often work, the, the national special interest affiliates often work together implementing, you know, policies, as, as Doug just said, and mm -hmm. uh, with the advocacy steering committee or with staff or, or uh, you know, in other, sometimes not even with staff. Mm. And so there, there, I think there is a little bit of a difference between what, you know, what special interest affiliates do in their advocacy roles and what state affiliates do. Yeah. And, and then we can even further complicate it by the, the, the special interest affiliates actually have chapters at the state level that are kind of doing... <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh well, I, I'm, I'm telling no about the flood here, so I apologize. But uh, other comments? All right. Well, thank you all. And um, at this point in time, uh, would somebody like to move to approve, approve the president's report? This is Doug. So moved. All right, Doug has moved. Do I have a second? Second. Uh, of Omaha. Omaha. Ray, Ray Campbell. In Omaha. Ray Campbell is second it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, all right. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed. Aye. All right. We'll we'll continue on with item nine Mr. on President, the. Yes. Go ahead, Ray. 
all of you on Zoom can get up and go to the restroom whenever you want. But some, but in Omaha, we're trying to be good board members and stay tuned. Can we take a little break? Sure. <laughs> you want to take a ten-minute break? Yeah. I was I was trying to I was trying to make it to uh, to eleven fifteen your time, but but we will we'll take a we'll take a take ten minute break and then come back and we'll have about another uh, half hour forty minutes and then we'll we'll break for lunch. So okay, so we'll break until ten ten till twelve Eastern and ten till eleven Omaha time. Does that sound okay? Yep. Hey, okay. Hey Dan, this is Chris. Can I ask you a question? Sure. Um, being new on the board, is there a time when there's a, a report on the resolution implementation? You know, things that have that that happened that we've called upon committees to do or or uh, staff to do that where we hear about what's what's going on with regard to those uh, implementation steps. There is, and uh, typically uh, we will. Um, you know, now that the resolutions have been approved, then there'll be work between the uh, resolutions committee and the staff to kind of set uh, work, set priority. Right. Um, and then typically uh, Clark uh, will give an update of where we are usually at the D.C. leadership conference. Okay. We yeah, kind of talk through that, and then and then sometimes we also get an additional update at the pre-convention board meeting, just depending on how things are going. But those are usually okay. the two times we get an update. Yeah. All right. Thanks. Yeah. Dan, this is Clark. Yes, Clark. Um, I'll I'll just add quickly on this topic. So right now the focus is because the the resolutions process is completed um, to have the final edits made. Sharon Lovering has prepared a, a summary document for us to review so that we can get them loaded onto the ACB website in the public facing materials. And then from there, we'll be able to uh, implement and take whatever actions necessary to fulfill those resolutions. Good. And Chris and Clark, while we, I've got you here. Yes. Clark, uh, did you see Chris's um, uh, comments on the reasonable accommodations policy? And did you? Um, I, did I didn't have that. a chance. I didn't have a chance for you guys to actually talk. I mean, I know it'll come up in the later on down in the agenda. But Chris, anything? I, I, I guess I didn't quite get what we were missing because it seemed like we covered it. But maybe I didn't. Maybe I'm. Maybe, well, maybe I'm just I, obtuse. Well, maybe I <laughs> overall, it, it seemed the only standard of, of the three that are in Title III we talked about was was uh, uh, barrier removal, readily achievable barrier removal. Um, did I miss something? Yeah, I, I thought we had a lot in there of, about all the different reasonable accommodations that we would do related to communications and all that. Um, really? Because I yeah. didn't see that in my draft. Um, but I'll go back and read it. Um, because that, I just saw the the, the readily achievable barrier removal. I didn't see the stuff about modifying procedures or provision of auxiliary aids or services. So if it's there. Well, but but it was in, to me, maybe it wasn't explicitly spelled out. So maybe that's where we've got, because it was in, Clark, it was in the, all the different uh, items, right? Two, three, four, it kind of talked about all the different. Yeah, I, I think we, I think we might all be talking about the same thing. So Chris, it, 
Um, are you talking about at the beginning when talking about the scope and purpose of the accommodations policy that it didn't specifically spell out those items? Because to Dan's point in section two, um, which I think was guidelines there, I think we've got, um, we have several points on the provision of auxiliary aids and services for oh, individuals. I must have missed it. Okay. I'll go back and read it. Sorry. But but, so, but I mean, you bring I, up a good I point. I didn't know if it needed yeah. to be in the summary there that kind of spelled it out a little bit more in the first section. And it, I'd certainly view that as a, a friendly uh, amendment to the document if it's if it's just some uh, some language changes or linking to additional materials. Okay, I guess I guess my well, I'll go back and read it. But I guess my feeling was that the the the, the policy was very concise, and I wondered whether its conciseness. Uh, reduced its usefulness, required people to be more aware of the requirements than most people probably were going to be. This is Deb. Hi, Deb. I thought that, um, yeah, I think a little bit along the lines of what Chris is saying. Um, I, I, I think it is just really semantics, but I think it would probably help because the the problem I had is that the, the the laundry list of examples of all the things that we will do is really, really good. I almost think those are examples, not the policy. I mean, because those might change. We might get a new one. We don't have to revise the policy to decide to provide a different accommodation because we have this guidance here about the types of accommodations we're thinking about. So I think that if the policy itself scoped sort of the three requirements of Title III. And then we still had the long laundry list of all the examples that say, these are examples of the things that fit under those. Um, and and they're, um, you know, they're not entirely exclusive so that we could add one sometime that mm -hmm. fits into there, um, but does not, you know, is not there without necessarily changing the policy because a new resource comes along or because, a new mm -hmm. need comes along. You don't want to change your policy every time. We got to now accommodate George. Um, oh, and we don't have it on the list. So I think if we stated a, a little bit more clearly across the front, these are the this is the types of things we do, and then these are the ones we. And then you have your list, and it says these are the ones we actually know we expect to do. You don't have to figure these out. Um, mm -hmm. That would probably solve uh, Chris's ask and. Um, it would be a little more clear if we ever were taken to task um, on this. Mm, okay. And I think okay, so it would probably, I would imagine that, 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 I mean, it doesn't change the intent anyway, so it doesn't make me less in favor mm -hmm. of the policy at all. Um, there, there's no problem with the policy itself, but I just think it's probably just in case we were taken to task at some point, which we could be, um, it clarifies that, no, these are our broad intents and we spell that out. And then, and then these are all the things we already have identified under there um, that are not mm. exclusive, but, uh, but that we know these are examples of what we would do. Okay. Yeah. All right. Chris, does that kind of make sense for you and Clark? Sure. Let me, uh, yeah, I'll go, I'll go back and reread it. Thanks. Okay. All right, and well, we'll have more discussion later on. But why? Why had you yep. guys here? I thought it might be good to have a precursor. Yeah, uh, like to now move on with item number nine on the agenda, which is our staff report. 
and reports. And first, like to hear from Executive Director Eric Bridges. So, Eric. Thanks, Dan. Uh, good morning, everyone. So, I've got a few things to cover, a couple of which were covered as part of the- Eric, could you get, yesterday. we're a little, little hard to hear you. Is that better? Tony, I'm pretty much right up on it. All right, is that better? That's yes. better, that's better. All right, cool. Yes. Um, I'm gonna touch on just a few items. A couple came up yesterday. Um, one item of note, uh, the last, uh, the, the convention board meeting, uh, it was approved for us to uh, change retirement uh, fund providers. And I'm pleased to, to announce that we have done that. We have transitioned from Mutual of Omaha to Mutual of America. And uh, all, all the staff has made the transition. Mutual of America has been good to, to work with in the transition. We've uh, had an all staff meeting with them, and then they've begun to reach out to us individually uh, with regard to our own our own plans and what what our wishes are. So that that is uh, moving on. Um, EOS. This was raised yesterday, uh, September sixteenth. We had uh, an eight hour uh, quarterly check in with uh, Lee Nasahi, our our. EOS facilitator. Uh, Lee presented yesterday on a lot of the work that, that we did during that session, but the really the, the, the big part of that quarterly check-in for us was to begin to build the, the 2022 uh, plan, which you all heard yesterday, and there's, there may be some, some tweaks to that that, that we uh, further incorporate um, uh, moving on, we will be meeting again at some point in December with Lee for another uh, day-long uh, quarterly check-in. So uh, I, for one, uh, really value these quarterly meetings. Um, the, the, the journey of EOS for us as a, as a, as a staff um, and leadership team um, has, you know, it started in April of last year, and um, we've seen a, a tremendous amount of of uh, growth and frankly adoption of of these principles, which you all I think have been able to to witness um, and frankly even take part in as we've evolved sort of how we're how we're doing the work of the organization. And so, so sometimes it can be a little I think uh, a little frustrating. Sometimes it's 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 just a lot. Um, you all, by virtue of this agenda, are witness to a lot of the work that's going on. And I think it's safe to say that we've never done more work than we're doing right now. Um, but it, you know, most all of it is is critical, and it's it's not just chasing chasing shiny objects, which is a, a challenge still for us today to at times figure out what is mission critical and what uh, what you know can can wait a while to to take on so that's uh eos last week or actually before i do that uh the advisory board we held uh a, a hybrid 
uh, advisory board meeting on September 17th. So we did a day long thing with Lee Nasahi on the 16th and then a half day on the 17th with our advisory board and no one from the team has shot me, which is good. Um, uh, but it was a crazy week of, of preparing and, and a lot of, a lot of time was spent during that meeting talking about, uh, really, uh, fundraising in the, uh, uh, the last, I would say hour plus of the meeting, really, we, we talked about donors and, uh, what donors look like corporate, individual, others. And as was mentioned yesterday, we spent some time on the target that, that Dan referred to, um, you know, family, friends, uh, followers, familiar and unfamiliar. And uh, through that, Bill Reeder, who's a, a board member or a advisory board member, as well as Charles Cooper, uh, volunteered to, to work with us to really uh, build out or further build out a lot of that so that we can gain an even better understanding of who to reach out to and for what reasons. Um, Charles Cooper is a name uh, that some of you have heard of. Uh, he has presented at our legislative seminar probably three times, four times, something like that, down through the years. He's the managing director at uh, the Signal Group in Washington, uh, which is a, a lobbying firm, and uh, he's the newest member of our advisory board, and it's great to have him. And in the initial meeting, he he actually contributed quite a bit, and it was really it was really nice to see. Uh, Charles has a really great relationship with Clark and with Tony. Uh, he actually adopted Tony's re retired guide dog, Palmer. So. Mm. Uh, Good to have him uh, as part of the board and helping to advise us. Uh, it's it, We will have another board meeting at some point, advisory board meeting at some point in the month of December, uh, just to kind of tie up the year and look ahead to next year. Uh, the, the advisory board members have been hugely helpful to us uh, with regard to uh, helping to facilitate uh, discussions that um, at times, we struggle to, um, or where we would struggle to to manage uh, certain topics. Um, the advisory board members have a lot of knowledge of the organization at this point. They are bought into what we're doing, but they are they are outside people, and I think in certain instances within this organization bringing in an advisory board member to uh, to help or to at least lend an outside perspective is hugely helpful. Um, last year, Aaron Patera worked with uh, the ACB media, what was ACB radio, now ACB media, to do some brainstorming, which, um, you know, thanks to the hard work of many folks, ACB media is up and running now. Erin wasn't the only one that, that did the work. She just helped to facilitate discussions. And sometimes that's all we need in order to get clarity on and focus on the tasks ahead. So um, the advisory board, from my perspective, has been a, a, a big asset 
to the organization. Um, and finally, last week, I attended a conference in person. <laughs> I hear applause. <laughs> a minor, yeah. um, as did Clark and Swatha. Uh, the M Enabling Conference, which is a, a technology conference that's held annually in uh, the DC area, was held uh, as, a, as a hybrid, but there was a, in attendance uh, participation. Uh, I presented uh, on a panel dealing with uh, asking the question, is there a need for further legislation uh, regarding closed captioning, audio description, and, and web conferencing tools? Uh, I was there mainly to speak uh, about audio description, um, the, the challenge of, of finding a repository that has accurate listings of audio described content. Uh, I talked a lot about the audio description project. Um, I talked a lot about our work, our leadership, our unquestioned leadership in this area as we went out and have uh, you know, gotten three streaming services in particular, but influenced all the others in providing audio described content for original programming, uh, which is not required by the CVAA. It was our own advocacy. So, and then finally, the, the last piece of audio description content that I talked about was synthetic speech and the use of the synthetic speech to uh, deliver described content. And uh, our disappointment that uh, companies that are doing this uh, have done it without speaking to the end consumer, which would be us, about it. Uh, would we want it? What are the drawbacks of it? Uh, none of those questions have really been asked of us. And so uh, I was able to, to talk about all that stuff. There were, uh, uh, you know, 250 people in person at the conference. This was in the main ballroom. So there were a lot of folks that uh, that heard what we had to say. Uh, on the panel with me was Susan Mezrui from AT&T, Larry Goldberg from Yahoo, uh, Howard Rosenblum from the National Association of the Deaf, Blake Reed from the University of Colorado, uh, the law clinic there. Uh, and it was uh, facilitated by Karen Peltz-Strauss. So these are all people that, I, that we've known organizationally for uh, over well over a decade and some of whom were part of the initial CDAA negotiation. So it was nice to see all of them again. And it was nice to have Susan and Larry both uh, back us up with regard to synthetic speech. And frankly, Larry's uh, outrage that he expressed about companies not consulting with us. So it was a, it was a good presentation. Um, I think it was well-received. And then uh, Clark, and he'll raise this when he speaks, but Clark said, uh, presented on a panel as well uh, during the M Enabling Conference. So it's good to kind of get back into the, to the swing of things of, of sorts, uh, being able to go to an in-person conference and see people again um, and, and do a little bit of networking. Um, so, um, Mr. President, with that, I'll open it up for questions that folks have. Eric, oh, this is Kim. 
Um, Will, um, do you know with the enabling conference, will there be any opportunity for those to be posted online after the fact at some point so we could hear your presentation and and not more importantly, because you're not important, but to hear what the others in the field had to say, I think it would be fascinating to hear. Uh, that's something that we can look into. Maybe Clark has an answer to that, um, but uh, I can I can definitely uh, check in to see if that will be made available. Great, thank you. Tim, this is Clark. Mm -hmm. uh, it, so it's my understanding there was not a virtual component, although about a quarter of panelists presented virtually for M enabling. They do plan to make um, archived sessions available to registered attendees so we can check with them to see if that can be shared more widely. Great. That would be wonderful. Thank you. Any other questions or comments for Eric? I'm surprised Mutual of Omaha let you into the city. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Eric and I came in under the cover of night. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's good. All right. Hey, thank you so much, Eric. Uh, and now we'll hear uh, from uh, Clark Rockfall from uh, Advocacy and Governmental Affairs. So, Clark. Thank you, Dan. And for anyone who would like to hear more about the M Enabling Summit, tune into ACB Media and the Advocacy Update podcast streaming via your favorite podcast player. Uh, Swatha and I recorded an episode that aired this past Thursday with uh, BOP Chair Katie Frederick, who is in attendance as well. Uh, so my report for the board is in... Uh, the board materials. I uh, just want to give a few highlights and then happy to answer uh, any questions of the group. So voting work continues. Uh, one item that is not included in the voting section of the report is that um, Senate Democrats introduced the Freedom to Vote Act uh, viewed as a compromise between the progressives and moderates. Um, there's still language that we are, that we're, we're not so wild about concerning durable paper ballots um, for in-person voting. However, it, it seems like the language is a bit more open on accessible absentee voting. There is no explicit prohibition of electronic ballot return um, in the vote by mail section. Uh, there is a rule of construction clause that says nothing in that section applies to uniformed military and overseas voters. However, there's still a concern that because uh, electronic return is not explicitly mentioned, whereas mail-in return and hand delivering your ballot or Dropbox are mentioned, that you know, one single court ruling uh, negative to our cause um, could do much more harm than good. I guess the good thing is the, the filibuster is still in place um, and it doesn't look like voting legislation is going to go anywhere in Congress at this time. Regarding health and wellness in the Get Up and Get Moving campaign, 
we had some great news this past month with a joint uh, public statement. ACB is part of the Coalition for Inclusive Fitness, along with National Council on Independent Living, Paralyzed Veterans of America, uh, and Mobility Fitness. Uh, we were joined in a statement by Planet Fitness, who has committed to purchase and install accessible fitness and exercise equipment as it becomes available. Uh, this is really exciting news. They're a very big player with you know, 2,000 locations across the country. And this sends a clear message to the manufacturers who we continue to work with as well. It's not just individual consumers, consumers with disabilities that are looking for this equipment. It's the entities that uh, will be purchasing large quantities of this equipment. So if you build it, they will come um, and the, the work continues with other facility providers, whether it's gyms and fitness centers, as well as uh, hotel chains to seek similar commitments as the Planet Fitness Agreement to help move this issue forward as well. And then the, the last item that I'd like to, well, I guess uh, two more items that I'd like to highlight. So Eric mentioned my panel at the M Enabling Summit. Um, I spoke on a panel regarding uh, data security and privacy in navigation apps. Uh, this panel was moderated by friend of ACB, Zach Bastian from Verizon Communications and other panelists included the Center for Democracy and Technology, a policy think tank that has a, a lot of great work and expertise on data privacy and uh, really has their, their pulse and finger on what a national privacy framework should look like, uh, as well as a mapping uh, service provider, Waymaps, which ACB has been working with and in conversations with for the, the past four years or so. Um, so the, the panel was really to highlight what the disability community uh, expects or doesn't inspect, expect in the case of privacy, why it's important for industry to collaborate and work with the disability community um, to understand how their products are being used and so they can craft policies and technologies that serve the community, um, but also make sure that their data is not being exposed unnecessarily. And then the, the last item that I, I'd like to highlight, and certainly Jen Flat will uh, share more information about this, uh, but it's just really exciting for me to see how the work of ACB, our members, our affiliates, how that's all uh, getting noticed and how we're, we're gaining traction in these arenas, whether it's dealing with technology, audio description, transportation, uh, get up and get moving, health and wellness, uh, like David Trott earlier said with UniD, how Google came to us, uh, we're really starting to see this in the in media, in the news spheres, uh, working with government. Folks are are coming to ACB 
They want to partner and collaborate with us. They want to help us share our story and the great work that we're doing. So that's that's really encouraging um, because we are doing a lot and there is a lot going on. Uh, and the more we can get it out there and share that that good story, the more impactful it is. So at this time, I'll open it up to questions. Fantastic. Questions for Clark? Um, thank you, Dan. Uh, first of all, I'd like to just publicly thank Clark and Swatha for being involved with the work that Illinois is doing in the vote-by-mail area. Uh, NFB certainly has their cadre of people, uh, but we, we have ours too, so I'm glad to, we're glad to have them as part of our our regular meetings on that. Um, the second question, Clark. Um, so this week, of course, um, a a big social media player, shall we say, that being Facebook, was on the hot seat for Congress, and uh, it. Um, I'm wondering if you're thinking. You know, it, it seems to me that there's probably going to be some regulation in that space coming, and. If you guys have done any thinking about, you know, accessibility items and things of that nature that we need to be pushing for in any regulation uh, or legislation that comes down regarding social media and those sorts of things. So that, that's a good question, Ray. Um, and I, I think there's a two-part answer. And I'd like to bring Eric in for the second half of the answer. So the first part is we are working with Congress and the, the greater blindness community um, to provide input on legislation regarding uh, accessibility, it, basically trying to force the Department of Justice to act, right? Give them a timeline for regulations regarding accessibility of websites, mobile apps, online uh, services, and portals. Um, and, and we will continue that work. Uh, there was a, an article just this week in Kaiser Health News regarding the accessibility of uh, COVID testing and vaccination websites and information um, related to the Department of Justice settlement with the state of New York in five counties. Um, and as part of the, the interview I gave for that reporter, I said, you know, we'll keep working collaboratively on legislation, but we don't need legislation. What we need is, you know, leadership in the administration to just get this done, right? From the White House, from the Department of Justice, much like they started to do in the Obama administration, it just, we just need it to happen. Um, the second answer is that we we have good relationships with several social media companies, and those relationships are continuing to grow. So they're not always uh, where we would like them to be, but it certainly recently um, there's been an opportunity to enhance our relationship uh, you know, with Facebook and Eric, I don't know if you want to go into any more detail on that topic. Right. So, <laughs> um, 
Yeah, we've we've had a couple of pretty direct conversations over the past uh, month with Facebook regarding uh, certain accessibility features um, with within Facebook and Instagram. Um, the the uh, privacy uh, lobby is obviously very powerful uh, in Washington. And we've been engaging with Facebook uh, regarding some of the, the privacy type issues that are out there that pertain to facial recognition in particular, and how uh, that, that privacy lobby views facial recognition um, and how that could, uh, doing away with facial recognition could have a, a, a negative impact on our, the blind communities, uh, ability to to experience Facebook and Instagram, right? Because there are such visual uh, platforms and uh, the some of the technology that's been developed over the last four or five years that allows for recognition of faces and people um, has been really quite important to our community in order to be able to enjoy uh, and get a gain a fuller experience of of what's on there. Uh, in your newsfeed, right? So um, there's more, I think it's safe to say that there's going to be more to come in this area with Facebook. Clark and I had, a, a, I think, a very productive meeting last week with um, uh, uh, Mike Shabanek, who's their, the global head of accessibility uh, at, at Facebook uh, regarding um, these issues. And, uh, you know, they have... Uh, Facebook has, uh, you know, I think quite rightly um, taken a ton of criticism over the last month. And I'm sure some of you saw the two-week series in the Wall Street Journal where they were putting out uh, a new story every day that was disturbing. Um, and, you know, not much of that impacts us directly as, as uh, you know, the, the blind community, but... Um, there is a difference, I would, I would just say this, there is a difference between the corporate Facebook and their di digital accessibility team. Um, their, their accessibility team and the people that work on ac accessibility policy issues in Washington are very good, very conscientious folks. Uh, at the corporate level, I'm not certain that, you know, the folks that we work with are always being listened to. And I'll just leave it at that. Mm -hmm. Eric and Clark, as you all were speaking, it kind of, what kind of keeps hitting me in a several different areas, Clark just talked about this related to, to voting and accessibility of, of, you know, electronic returns for absentee voting or absentee mail-in ballots. It seems like we're going to continue to hit this conflict as things are, more and more digitized of what opens up access for us is the digitization of things, which is the same time you have this other wave coming of saying it is less secure and therefore more vulnerable and not as private. So it seems like we're, we're kind of in the, the middle of these two waves kind of crashing at the same time. And it, it, we are. 
It's it, it, it's not just it's, it's it's across probably many of our you know if we looked at healthcare equipment it would be probably right there durable healthcare equipment same thing right so similar type of you know if we're not careful the the privacy and security police are going to take away a lot of accessibility we worked really hard to get right uh, it, the challenge is for us to be at the table yeah involved in, mm-hmm. the, in involved in these negotiations. Um, not just with with Facebook or pick a social media uh, company, but with that privacy movement that's out there um, mm-hmm. that that probably doesn't even know we exist, which is unfortunate because the consequences of decisions that are made um, by companies when receiving pressure from the outside are felt downstream. Uh, and by downstream, I mean us, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, with regard to, uh, you know, the, you know, retrograde of, of accessibility, um, you know, things of that nature. So it, it, it is important for these companies to understand the totality of, of the decisions that they make and who they're going to impact. It's not just, uh, you know, the, the, nonprofits that are lobbying them. It, it's many, many others. And Eric and Dan, I, I don't want to let Eric get off the off the hot seat just yet. Um, but another example of why it's important for us to be proactive, why it's important for us to be engaged with and collaborate with corporate partners as well as policymakers um, and to build those relationships, that also played out over the last week and a half um, with the updates to iOS 15 mm-hmm. um, yep. that Apple pushed out. And we had a, re- a related resolution that was referred to the Information Access Committee. Um, part of the reason it was referred to the committee is, is because we have the avenues to provide feedback, whether as part of our members, as part of the Trusted Tester Program, or through the relationships that uh, staff and primarily Eric have built with uh, the head of accessibility and their team at Apple. So as we started to see the news reports and the information over our lists about changes in the functionality of the Siri uh, you know, voice assistant, Eric was able to communicate that directly to Apple. Um, and that is how we got this issue put on their radar and not only their radar, but on the radar of everyone within Apple. So mm-hmm. Eric, Eric, I don't know if there's anything else you would like to add on that topic. No, I, th- I think you covered it. Yeah. It, um, you know, part of uh, being, you know, employed by this great organization for as long as I have is that you, you get to build relationships. <laughs> And, you know, people move, they get promoted, they go to other companies, but as long as you don't screw something up, you have these relationships. And um, I've been fortunate, and it's not just my relationship that, that, you know, we have with Apple. There are others that have good relationships with Apple uh, within this organization as well. I know that Jeff Bishop And Clark has come into the relationship with Apple. Um, you know, these aren't 
my relationships. These are, it's the organization's relationship with, with these companies. And so uh, by virtue of, of knowing these folks, you can reach out and they will respond quickly. And all we had to do was send a couple of the threads from the audio description discussion list and um, it got them moving. And, it, and the, those emails flew all over the company. Um, you know, I had a really good conversation with the global head of accessibility about her, you know, thanking us for bringing that, this issue to, to their attention so quickly. Um, and they're on the, on the path to, to fixing these issues. Maybe if you wouldn't mind commenting one more quick thing on, um, you know, the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee and kind of where we are in that conversation. Because I know both of you all have been involved in that quite extensively. Sure. And I'd, I'll tee it up for Eric again here. So um, this was an issue that was related to the um, the accommodation sought by a Paralympian swimmer, Becca Myers, the story was breaking during the conference and convention. Um, ACB sent a letter to the US Olympic and Paralympic Committee. Um, Eric and I had a follow-up conversation with the general counsel for the US OPC uh, shortly after the Olympic opening ceremonies, and he was on the ground in Tokyo. Um, we followed up via email and were outlined the issues that we wanted uh, to address with them, it, which included the accommodations sought and received by athletes. And that has led to the creation of a working group that includes board members a board from the board of directors of the U.S. Olympic Paralympic Committee, uh, high-level staff, including the, uh, the chief of Paralympics, as well as their director of diversity, equity, and inclusion, um, along with members of the Paralympic Advisory Committee, the Athlete Advisory Committee, and several outside organizations, including ACB. Um, so Eric is part of that working group and they just had their first meeting last week, correct, Eric? That is correct. We met uh, Tuesday afternoon uh, for the initial meeting. I think there's about 17 folks or so that are on this committee, uh, you know, athletes, uh, uh, former athletes, uh, members of the USOPC, uh, uh, board and staff, uh, and uh, uh, the executive director of the Usher Syndrome uh, organization, uh, and myself. And uh, I think it was it was a good first meeting. It was like one of those first meetings that all of us have had with a new group of people. Kind of, kind of ebbed and flowed, and uh, we'll be meeting again here uh, soon. And you know the. The goal is to, to get things uh, in a far better place uh, for the the 22 Winter Olympics, um, and continue to to move forward from there. So, you know, it was it was good that we had this meeting. Um, you know, I I am um, I would say cautiously optimistic about 
the work that can that can be done. I, um, these these sorts of groups are always a challenge to figure out what's actually going to come up. Um, is it going to be substantive um, and meet the needs of the athlete? Um, that's really the the key in all this is uh, having putting together something where the athlete can can have trust in the policy and and not just the policy but the actual execution of it so that they they feel supported and so that they can go out and compete you know at the highest level very good well thank you clark thank you eric um we're almost at 12:30 eastern 11:30 in omaha has has the food arrived in omaha yeah they're they're setting it up. Yes, setting up. Okay, all right. So let let us take a uh, twenty minute break until ten ten till one Eastern, ten till twelve in Omaha. Give everybody a chance to stretch their legs, eat their first part of their meal, and we'll come back in executive session. So, um, Rick, I would ask if we could stop the uh, the stream, uh, and then we will. Our goal is to return back out of executive session by two o'clock Eastern, one o'clock Omaha time. So that should give us an hour and 10 minutes for executive session and for the, um, uh, and for the election of our um, executive committee. We're, we're now uh, gonna call uh, the ACB board of direct, fall board of directors meeting back to order. So recording we can in turn progress. the recording. Okay, thank you. Appreciate Excuse that. Me, is, are, are the staff back? Uh, your staff think, is yeah. coming back in. Yeah, and mm -hmm. while they're coming back in, we're going to go ahead and announce the results of who will be serving on the executive committee for 2022. Uh, so from the officers, uh, just for those uh, in, the, in the membership audience listening, the executive committee uh, consists of the ACB president, two members of the officer team and two members of the board of directors. So uh, besides myself on the executive committee, the two officers will be Deb Cook-Lewis, first vice president and Denise Colley, secretary. And then is there a spokesman for the board who had let us know who those two individuals are? Uh, there was not a spokesman declared, but I can give you the names if you would like. Thank you, Jeff. That'd be great. Uh, the the uh, senior Doug Powell, uh, the great senior Doug Powell, of, of, uh, who is awesome, and myself. Okay, so Doug and Doug and Jeff Bishop, since we have Old two Jeffs. Jeff Jock. Senior and Doug Senior, see, because I'm, 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 I'm showing reverence to Doug here. Well, and, and, <laughs> you, and you've, now, you've now joined the fitness journey trail with Doug, so yeah. I, I know, and, and yeah. 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 Very good. Okay. Right. So well, let's thank go you. out and run, Doug. Thank Absolutely. you. Thank you, Doug and Jeff. I'll show you how senior I am. <laughs> <laughs> no, right, you got to well, get me into shape. But so that, that will be our executive <laughs> committee for 2022. Thank you so much. All right. Uh, with that said, um, I know I heard some uh, staff members coming back in. Can, uh, can anybody tell me, are we kind of now back at a, a quorum or pretty much full participation. It looks like it, you are. And it's Mr. Omaha. Chair? 
Yes, go ahead, Denise. You need to report out from the executive committee. Thank you. Now that we're back. So reporting out from our executive uh, session uh, that uh, that uh, legal and personnel matters were discussed, but no motions were made. Omaha is ready. Omaha is back. Very good. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Just kidding. Just kidding. Can I ask Nancy to increase the volume of the Omaha mic, please, yeah. so that we make sure it's we hear really everyone clearly? Okay. Yeah. We which one? Is this loud enough? That's better. That's better. Even a little That's bit better. louder. A little louder would even be better. For wow. us people who don't hear so well anymore. Yeah, the only thing is here, it's really loud. Oh, is it? Now, now you're good. That's better. Yeah, you're yeah, good. You sound That's good. better. Yeah, Leave it these, right there. Don't touch it. These guys can now. go sit in the other room and they'd be able to hear us. <laughs> Yeah. They could go outside and get warm. <laughs> All right. Well, welcome back, everybody. Uh, we left off on the staff reports. We are at item C under staff reports, which is our development report from uh, Tony Stevens and JoLynn Bailey-Page. So I'll turn it over to Tony. Thank you, Tony. All right. Thank you, Mr. President. I'm going to turn my mic up real Quick here, hold on. We're getting all the levels set back in Omaha. All right, hello everybody. This is Tony Stevens, Director of Development for the American Council of the Blind. Um, we will we will be brief because uh, we know we're running a little behind schedule. Um, and what I'd like to do, there are three main things I'd really like to focus on for our development communications report. We went in detail for those reports that are available for the board in the Dropbox. Uh, I'm open to entertain any questions regarding any of that information. Uh, you know, the three main areas I think to focus on today for the board and for people listening in uh, really focuses around uh, the improvements we've been making as now a Department of Communications and Development, the growth that we've been experiencing there. Uh, also, in terms of the partnerships, we heard a little bit about the value from an advocacy perspective, uh, just mentioned briefly from a, a development uh, and marketing and comms perspective as well. Uh, we're going to be hearing from Jennifer later in the meeting today in terms of some of the things with like ACB Media, which is a key part of our growth, uh, as well as with our metrics and data, which is also part of the professionalization as we work to bolster our communications department now within the organization. Um, but what I'd like to do is, is you know, uh, also give a moment just for some, some good positive news. Uh, I'm going to ask Kelly to unmute herself as well. Uh, Kelly is our newest member of our comms team. She has fully moved over into the communications department now. Kelly, as folks know, does the graphic design, but she also keeps track and monitors our social media. Also on the comm team, we have Jennifer Flatt, our manager of communications, who you'll hear from earlier, JoLynn Bailey-Page, our grants uh, coordinator, as well as our audio description project uh, program sort of coordinator. We'll hear from JoLynn in just a minute. And Rick Morin is a contractor, has been just undoubtedly uh, just, you know, working hard with all things ACB media. And we're going to hear a little bit more about that. And we're real thankful for Rick and everything Rick's doing today with some of the troubleshooting as well. Thank you, Rick, as always. Um, what I'd like to do, you know, so we are in a sense a real department. We have departmental meetings. Thanks to Jeff Bishop for joining in on those as sort of our uh, principal person with the uh, the ACB media and the back-end infrastructure for all things that has been ACB radio over the years and as IAC chair has been a huge value. So thank you, Jeff, on the board, as well as Sharon Lovrain on our staff, as folks know, with the Braille Forum. Uh, we're working to make sure she's included as well from an editorial perspective. Kelly, I just want to throw it to you real quick. Uh, you know, we've been experiencing positive growth since the convention. Usually we think convention is our peak, uh, but things have been going well. Um, just now that you're sort of fully, you know, we're, we're part of the department and the things you're doing with social media. Uh, it's been some good news in terms of uh, what we've been doing for some of the uh, website and metrics and things like that. Uh, can you just share maybe one of those top line items or anything like that that's on your plate just to share? 
Yeah. So, um, you know, we have been um, doing a really great job at expanding, um, you know, kind of our focus as far as social media goes. Um, I will say that um, shout out to Jen, because Jen has been really instrumental in coming up with communications plans for our social media. So like with our convention and everything like that, we really had um, a well-developed communications plan for social media platforms in advance instead of doing it on the fly, which made a huge difference. We were able to get a wealth of information out, um, you know, uh, just plan it out in advance and make sure people had access to some really great information. Um, I, you know, for our board, I added some uh, more detailed uh, points in the board folder. There's a document in there. But um, just real quick, uh, we've had an increase uh, by 8% on Facebook over the last year and 21% on Twitter for followers. Um, So Twitter has really grown. Um, You know, this time last year, we were only tracking analytics for Facebook and Twitter and our ACB Voices blog. But um, now we are uh, also tracking LinkedIn, um, our community Facebook page, the ACB website and YouTube. And um, this has been really important because um, especially since we brought Jen on, we've been really focusing on increasing our presence on LinkedIn And with all the virtual events that we've been doing, our presence on YouTube has really grown. So it's really important to see kind of how well we're doing and how, you know, over time our our participation increases with YouTube. Um, So one last thing that I'll put out there is that we now have a public awareness calendar where we plan all of our social media posts. And this has monthly themes uh, as well as dates of significance um, that help us keep track of all all these upcoming events. Because, you know, every year there's, you know, a holiday that will fall on the same day every year. I know we've got White Cane Day coming up next Friday. Um, we're doing a big dance event next week. So um, it really helps keep track of everything that's going on. And um, Jen mentioned this a little bit yesterday, um, but we did have a really uh, great post this past September. I mean, last last year, our top post on Facebook only reached 478 people. This post, which was the Netflix casting call for all the light we cannot see, reached over 25,000 people and it got 159 shares. And as Jen mentioned yesterday, we had a great amount of people visit our website, huge increase in traffic on our website uh, when we did this post specifically from from this particular post. So uh, lots of good stuff. You know, we're, we're continuing to continuing to grow and um, just really happy with all the progress we've made over the last year. Thanks, Kelly. And thanks for everything you're doing and to Jen as well for really managing uh, strategically a lot of this. It's no longer just flying by the seat of our pants, as Kelly said. It's much more strategic and targeted. Um, and all of you as, as members of the board and everybody listening can really help by following and sharing as well. Uh, You know, we're running our 60 for 60 campaign right now, which is a big fundraising campaign through the year. We're a quarter way through. We're a quarter way through with our target goal as well, over $15,000 raised. But, you know, we're going to be at the end of the month doing additional social media push. And we'd really appreciate everybody taking a chance to share. Because even if maybe you can't give uh, as if someone that's following you, maybe they can also help share it and someone else on their connection can help. So, you know, this, this sharing does actually help us on the revenue side as well, not just in getting the word out. I will give another plug. She mentioned the October 15th. We were supposed to have a live event for the Get Up and Get Moving campaign in New York City. Unfortunately, that uh, fell through with the Delta variant. So we are doing a dance party. Our, our committee, uh, the, the program committee for the Get Up and Get Moving campaign has been fantastic. Thanks, Connie, who's on the board for being part of that. Uh, Tom Tobin is the chair. 
and they're doing a dance party, six hour dance party starting at two o'clock. It'll follow a one hour event we're going to be doing from the national office at 1 p.m. this Friday. And that's for the get up and get moving campaign. Um, but also it's, it's you know, honoring International White Cane Day, but focusing in on that. Uh, so a quick ad spot there, if you will, pause for the cause. Um, you know, so it, we are becoming more sophisticated in the way that we're working. Uh, and that's really helping us, right? The data is really showing us where we need to go and where we're getting the biggest bang on our buck. We're being good stewards with the money, I think, in that sense, and offering more return on our investment, as everyone always loves to say in this space. But it's, it really is true, uh, you know. And, and so check out those documents. Uh, revisit them again in the Dropbox uh, for the board here uh, that goes through some of these metrics because it is impressive to see where we're now going. And now we have a full year sort of benchmark kept as part of the EOS strategy as well that a lot of the board uh, who participated yesterday in this session uh, got a chance to chance to hear. Uh, the, moving on to partnerships, just real quickly. Uh, you know, partnerships has been another area that we've really been focusing our growth in. The audio description gala, I think, is an excellent area for this to sort of spotlight. Uh, we're already at $15,000 in, in confirmed sponsorships for that. We have a target of $150,000. We are making the big announcement on Tuesday. Be sure to share on Tuesday. The announcement is going to go out that's going to spotlight some of our celebrity guests. We're excited to share on Tuesday some, some internationally known names, uh, which will be wonderful. Uh, we have some A-list celebrities, and we're still adding to that list each day. Um, so we should get some more confirmations in the coming week. But that's really helping in terms of getting it out and meeting new partners, folks that we haven't really partnered with or haven't stepped up as much. Uh, we are engaging with now, and it's very exciting. So our comm team and our gala committee team, chaired by Will Butler, uh, a number of folks here, Kim is on that, um, and uh, you know uh, other folks as well. Uh, and so thanks for that committee and the work they're doing. We're now working on scripting production. We've secured an Academy-nominated, award-nominated director, Doug Rowland is the producer for the event, and he's already working now as we speak. I've been emailing with him all hours of the day while here in Omaha uh, with us working on the script and things. Thanks to Joel Snyder, who helped with the awards committee that he pulled together for some amazing benchmark and the best of the best over the decades of audio description that's going to be recognized. That's November 18th. So everybody on the board, please take note of that. 7.30 p.m. Eastern on November 18th. Uh, join us online for the broadcast premiere. We'll be sending more information out about that. Uh, big fundraising, but it's about the partnerships, right? And we are it's an opportunity for us to engage with new partners. The way that Eric mentioned earlier with Google and Apple, uh, we are making the similar relationships strong and bolster and use those relationships when we can uh, with other industries. Uh, the Get Up and Get Moving is a good example of that working. We've made real good success finally with the American Diabetes Association and another major corporate partner we'll be able to probably announce soon. Uh, with the get up and get moving that these are folks that we haven't really played in our sandbox too much and we're excited that these are international national known names uh that we're now you know getting calls from them which is great news um you know i want to in terms of that we had the the hurrah moment earlier in the day joe lynn uh just briefly if you can there's some good news uh, with the google not just google supporting uh but you know our partners on the government side as well with our relationship with national parks and didn't know if you wanted to jump in and just share uh, you know, on sort of the grant support uh, in, that we've been able to garner with some additional revenue support. I will, Tony. Thank you so much. And thank you uh, to Dan and others earlier for talking up um, our work with the National Park Service. Um, we were approached in March by Holly Griesemer, who is the um, coordinator for uh, the Midwest region and accessibility programs, mm -hmm. which is based in Omaha. And um, we worked with her over two, three months with Dan Spoon and Nancy, and we entered into a cooperative agreement 
with the National Park Service uh, Midwest Accessibility Program. Uh, this is going to, and the funds were awarded in August in the amount of 25000 for the first year. This agreement is scheduled to continue through 2026. So we have an opportunity to um, work with them um, to the tune of $25,000 a year for that period of time. We recently did a work plan. We've got our work plan in place for the first year. And um, I'll just briefly say we are going to be uh, hosting and mounting the Descriptathon 8, which is November, or I'm sorry, October 26th. Uh, through 28th, and we already have wonderful volunteers from ACB who are participating in that. But further, we're going to be planning um, site visit for the Lewis and Clark Center, which is also located in Omaha, um, as a as a official tour for our convention next summer. And so we will be please sign on for that. Encourage others to attend. We're working to establish National Park Service president, uh, presence at our uh, exhibition booth where folks should be able to sign up for their National Parks Pass, which is free. And our goal is to make sure we have as many ACB members signed up as possible. Throughout the year, um, we're also going to be um, working with the Park Service on What's called self-evaluation and transition will be advising ACB members and leaders will be advising National Park Service staff uh, to identify what solutions will help um, knock down the barriers uh, to people who are blind or have low vision. And in addition, we will be sponsoring a career workshop with the NPS. And so that's again with the accessibility program in the Midwest region. And this will be geared toward folks um, who may be blind or, or have low vision. And it's to share information about different career fields within the National Park Service. So there are opportunities for um, members to work for the National Park Service to make things even more accessible. Those are some of the highlights for this first, uh, for, from our work plan for the first year. And I, I just want to do a shout out again to all of our volunteers, many of whom are on this board, who have brought in friends, um, talk about the different Fs, you know, friends, friends who are friends of friends, family members to assist in descriptathons and other work. One final note, please tune in to Sunday edition on October 24th, because the focus of those two hours will be on this project. We'll have a uh, folks from ACB who have participated in descriptathons um, will feature Holly Griesemer, perhaps Michelle Hartley, and would really like uh, all of you to learn more about um, ways to increase the accessibility in the park, but also to get up and get moving. Um, this, this should become part of our uh, get up and get moving initiative as well. So with that said, um, Thank you again to everyone who has worked on this because it truly is a shared shared ownership and the creation of new relationships. Thank you so much, Jolene. And, and we go back to what you had mentioned earlier, Pat. We are listening for the Get Up and Get Moving campaign and looking for ways to engage the National Park Service. We're looking to hold an event at the National Park, the Presidio in San Francisco. So our folks on the West Coast, uh, we're, we're going to move the New York City to be a coast-to-coast -coast event since we couldn't do it on White Cane Day this year. 
and we'll have a New York San Francisco event, but we're looking forward to working with the national parks for that campaign because it'll be an excellent place for us to get up and get moving. Um, I've even been told the Google driverless cars might uh, should be able to show up as yep. well, you know, bring that people there. Great. Um, so we're, we are uh, excited, you know, in a lot of ways with these partnerships and, and I think they're showing a lot of our growth in the corporate areas where we are in, engaging with new folks. Some of it's slow, it takes time, but it bears good fruit. Uh, you know, the next thing in the fourth quarter we're focusing in on the development steering committee is, is major donor engagement. Uh, we're looking at rebranding the MMS program, finding ways to make it easier to, for people to give more over spread of time, uh, not just the, the, those that are MMS subscribers. We're also looking to engage uh, more and more. Bill Reeder on our advisory committee, as Eric had mentioned, is working closely on Charles Cooper uh, on sort of building out uh, ways that we can do more corporate, but also individual major donor targeting. And so we're working on that. Uh, and in that note, to finally close, I'd love to give a thanks to our youngest donors as it stands right now, because we received a foundation grant by a group of children who started their own foundation. They've given money in the past to India, which is where their family's from. They live outside Philadelphia. But I wanted to give a, a, our own development mission moment, if you will, to uh, Anshi, Akshara, Rat, uh, was it Rathvik, and Renya, who uh, started a foundation. They crowdsourced and raised $1,800 much better than lemonade sales I ever had. I think a lot of us will, those that, you know, while some of us were trying to get lemonade stands for comic books, they're out there raising money and they gave half that money for the ACB scholarship fund. So we're doing a special thanks to them. We'll be sending them some certificates of gratitude, but these are children that, uh, you know, they're, they're not blind themselves, but this was an area, you know, cataract is a huge issue in India and it got them interested in blindness and they wanted to see, you know, what they can maybe do here in their own backyard. And so they reached out to the American Council of the Blind, and we're excited by that support. It's the Dred, uh, Dredshi Foundation uh, is what they've created. And they literally, uh, these are a bunch of kids that started their own foundation, and, and they've listed us as one of the people to give to. So so thanks to them. And uh, Mr. President, thank you so much. Back to you. Or Eric, I should say as well. Uh, okay. Thank you, Tony. And uh, two things. One, uh, Again, with the, the work uh, with the grant agreement with the Nas Midwest National Parks, I, I just want to say kind of what David Trott had said earlier, we are doing work and people are coming to us and asking us to apply for their grants, which I think is a really wonderful testimony to the work that JoLynn's done, but to the American Council of Blind and our membership. And they're, they're seeing a tremendous value there where they want to partner with us. And, and it's not just financially, they want to help us with career development and outreach to accessibility at the parks. And so it's really leveraging the relationships as we were talking about earlier and taking those to the next step. So uh, kudos to JoLynn and, and Tony on that particular area. And then I wanted, uh, just trying to be a good uh, corporate citizen uh, here and channeling my, uh, my inner David Trot. And, um, you know, with the... Um, AD Gala, uh, and I think this is a, a wonderful investment for the American Council of the Blind, but I think we, we need to approve, um, and Tony already spoke of the revenue that's coming in for the gala, and it's, it's I think, just getting started, but um, we, we need to approve the expenditure for the um, um, for the production of the gala, which I think we did some really good negotiations on that. And 
Tony, is the, the value that has been quoted to us is uh, $20,000 to produce the gala. Is that correct? Oop, did I lose Tony? They're Dan. saying 25. Yeah, 25 overall. It's 25 20, overall, 20, including... 20 for the director and then an additional 5,000 for other, other purposes. For, for, for some of the other technical things to we're going to have to do. Yeah. Certain individuals, yeah. Gotcha. Okay. So... If I could have a, a motion to approve uh, $25,000 investment in the audio description gala for this year. This is Deb, I move. Okay. Uh, Second. Deb moved, Jeff seconded, and Kim thirded. Yeah, so. <laughs> so, all right. Um, uh, Kim or Tony, any comments before discussion, before we take the vote? I'm just very proud of the, the work that the committee's put together on this. This is Tony. I will definitely say that we're looking very, very solid towards getting a good return on our investment for everyone, just, to, yeah. just as an FYI. We already have commitments of 15,000, correct, Tony? Yeah, commitments of 15, and we were already talking to a number of folks that'll be significant donors as well. And uh, and even people that are excited about individual giving because the gala will offer opportunities to give by individuals as well. So I'm I'm getting again people are calling us asking how they can support how they can give, and it's people in some circles that we haven't even really run with in some of these circles. So we're we're excited uh, about the gala and the prospects for it to get pretty good distribution as well. And this year, I mean, I, I'm I'm an old finance guy, so if we break even this year, and I think we'll do much better than that. But if we break even, we have launched a whole new program inside of ACB that I think in the long term, as this grows and develops and moves to an in-person event, I think has amazing potential for outreach and for development. So um, uh, did, did somebody else seek the floor besides Tony? I didn't know if I heard anybody or not. Is that's Ray? He's really uh, I'm, soft. I'm, I'm, there I'm, he waiting, is. Okay. I'm waiting for this vote to be done before I, I was going to make a comment about the. Overall. Oh, okay, okay. Well, the, well, we'll we'll recognize you after the vote. Or right. any other discussion before the vote? All right. Hearing none. Uh, all those in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed. All right. Thank you so much. And then Ray. Sure. Um, you know, I think um, all the things that uh, Tony and JoLynn and uh, we're talking about, I think um, it really shows uh, that the American Council of the Blind, we're not only an organization that, you know, we're, we're not just an organization that comes and asks for money. We are really giving a value added in so many different areas to what we, um, to, to the value that we uh you know, we we can give you them give those that give us money something of value, and I think that's just be, much better than just having our hands out all the time. So uh, great to great to see that happening. Thank you, Ray. I, I agree. It's it's when you develop those relationships and you see value on both sides that you really have a sustainable model. Yes. All right. Any any other comments for uh, Tony and the development team? All right. Thank you, Tony. Excellent and team. Excellent presentation. And next we're going to, uh, 
<laughs> Leslie's yelling something from the back room. Apologize. Uh, uh, next, uh, we are going to uh, going- hear from Cindy, uh, Cindy Hollis and membership services. So, Cindy. Hello. Hello, Cindy. All right. So, um, I did submit a report uh, to the board ahead of time. A couple of highlights that I just want to mention is just, I think uh, it demonstrates a lot of the growth that continues to happen in uh, within the ACB community program itself and that in the potential of it uh, and evidence of it expanding into and, and strengthening our membership. So a couple of things, <laughs> if you guys can believe this, we've now held over 5,000 uh, community events since March 8th. Uh, 17th of last year. Uh, We celebrated our 5,000th call on August 28th. Uh, Our crafters started in early June of last year. They just on September 24th celebrated their 200th call. And, you know, just to know that they've been doing things like teaching basket weaving, uh, making cards. Today, uh, Jeff Bishop's wife, was teaching them to make, uh, they made a snowman out of some bricks or something. Anyway, uh, snowman stopper. Uh, They're quite an engaged community in and of themselves. And uh, we had for a convention, 39 volunteer hosts up from last year's 12. Uh, Lots of hours went into preparing those folks because everybody wanted to do a really good job. And I do believe they did. Uh, We also noticed uh, an increase in members at large from this year's convention uh, compared to last year's convention or that timeframe, April 1 through July 31st. There's like 130% increase. We know that there was some incentives for people to join prior to convention because they got a $10 decrease in the cost of registration. Uh, so they might as well join. And they, and so they did, uh, which is great. Or $15, excuse me, a $15 incentive. Uh, and it's much cheaper. You could join as a member at large for 10 and you save five bucks and you're a member of ACB. So uh, several people we know are also moving those ACB member at large into members of affiliates, which I think is great. Um, we, I wanted to share about uh, volunteer hours uh, because I think that's pretty impressive. Uh, we've been doing quarterly. Um, so we had started in our first quarter this year with 2,130, 20, yeah, 2,135.5 uh, hours total. Uh, then we went up to 3,549.75 in second quarter. In third quarter, we had 2,845.75 plus 608.25 during convention. And so up through September 30th, we have logged for community volunteers 9,141.25 hours. These are people that just want to give back to this organization and the, you know, and continue to share the impact 
that the community and ACB has had on their lives during a really tough time in our country's history. Uh, and there are some uh, wonderful uh, testimonies that you can find up on the ACB website as well. And hopefully Jen can share with that where they would find it because I cannot remember off the top of my head. But with all of this uh, great, wonderful stuff comes some uh, with growth and there needs to be also some change uh, to strengthen what we're doing to ensure what we are doing is sustainable and protected. And so last year uh, at some point or another, you know, we, we started doing more formalized training of hosts. Uh, around this time last year, we had maybe 20 hosts, no formal training. We've trained well over 140 hosts now. We have about 130 that have actually qualified, taking the quiz, gone through the training, taking a quiz. And about half of those are active uh, hosting on a fairly regular basis. Uh, so uh, giving you some idea of, of that process. But we also, uh, the board adopted some guidelines for holding community events. And uh, I believe that it's time for us to update those a bit. And so I have presented some proposed language that I would, uh, if it's okay for me to do it now, I would like to go over really quickly. And um, should I go over them? I think, uh, or yeah, I think uh, in the document was sent out to the board. It, so I yes. think, Cindy, if you kind of review each, yes. each of the guidelines and then yes. we'll vote on them as a whole. Yeah, sure. Okay. So I'm, I'm not going to go through all of the community events. This is going to, uh, the guidelines, this is going to be just the, the, changes, the changes, the additions. The yes. Right. Okay. There are two sections in the guidelines. One is for event planners. The other is for participants. Most of these impact planners. Okay. These would be added to the list of um, uh, ex expectations for holding a community event. And as you can imagine, all of them, uh, there are reasons why we we're adding language. So facilitators must arrive 10 minutes prior to the scheduled start time. And if not in the room by the start time, the meeting will be canceled by the host. Up until now, currently, it says that they have a 10 minute uh, like a little 10 minute leeway. So basically we're giving them permission to be 10 minutes late. And guess what? Unfortunately, it, it happens too much, often with when streaming's taking place. So we're just shoring that up a bit and uh, we should expect them to be there just like we do the hosts to be there by 10 of. And this also allows them to communicate with one another and to ensure that they're on the same page. The next change would be uh, all and, events. And Cindy, just I was just going to clarify. Sure. So, so that that now puts the facilitators in in sync with, with the host. With host. So yes. the hosts have to be there ten minutes. Ten early minutes early. Well as, yes. Okay. Thank you. Yep. Okay. Mm -hmm. The next one is all events must not exceed two hours in length unless previous arrangements are made during community event scheduling. 
uh, really, there's no reason for any event to go over two hours. But if we know it is going to be that it's different, resolutions often was scheduled for four hours. We have a, a dance party on Friday for six hours. Uh, we're not talking about those special events. We're talking about general sessions or events. Um, and we don't want them to just be, it, too much can happen when things are no longer, there's no longer a set topic that, you know, it's, it's written out now people are just socializing um, and people can start putting their guard down. So we just, we think that two hours is really enough. Um, and it's enough to ask a host actually to work yeah. as well. Yeah. Okay. The next one is all events scheduled in an account must match the title of the event in the community events schedule and should be kept current. So this is really, um, most of you wouldn't know this except for when you join a meeting. And if you go to meeting information, it should say the name of the event you're joining. And it, it's, and I've done it before, um, needed to use something really quick because something got messed up. And I've used coffee social for, you know, yoga. I don't know. <laughs> but the idea is that we would uh, want to make sure that things are named properly. So when somebody goes to that event, they see the name of the event. They don't see somebody's personal account uh, or personal, yeah, their personal um, name, but the name of the event. So again, just cleaning it up. And really a lot of this is professionalizing what we do. And I think it's just clarifying expectations. So mm -hmm. um, the next one is, um, sorry, all events must have an ACB qualified host in parentheses separate from the facilitator whose charge is to support the facilitator and ensure the event remains safe, respectful, and welcoming. This is clarifying language uh, because by nature of a host's job, they are not running the meeting. They are supporting the facilitator a facilitator should be the one running the meeting. The host should be the one supporting the room, uh, the event, but in the background. And so this really cannot be. They're, they're in conflict with one another, and they should not be the same person. Mm -hmm. And finally, uh, the one that may get the most question, all events must be recorded to the cloud with a link sent within 24 hours of the event to community at acb.org remaining available for one week. This recording will only be accessed by ACB for community policy violations or violation investigations and are not for public consumption in parentheses unless previously approved for podcast or streaming. Uh, and my clarification here is, I promise you, uh, those of us uh, on staff, uh, Colby and I have no desire to listen to people's recordings. We have 90 events this week alone coming up, which means about 130 hours of content 
and we also have jobs to do. <clears throat> so this really is more insurance and um, and the link would be sent if, if they're on an account other than ACB's account. Obviously, we have access to those on our account. And I, I think it just would behoove people that are holding their events on others' accounts to trust those that they're holding uh, the event on. So, um, you know, we have obviously uh, signed confidentiality forms. We, we are bound to um, hold things in confidence. And, uh, you know, we have our core values that we uh, strive to uphold at all times. And so, you know, if anybody's concerned about an event being recorded and it's not on an ACB account, reach out. We'd be happy to support you and your event and put it on an ACB account. And then you don't have to worry about sending any link of a recording and blah, blah, blah. So um, the other piece to this is under uh, the section for all participating in community events. And there are different sections on there, just under there, just explaining like the processes and why we do some of what we do. And in this case, it is recording of calls. And it says all calls held as part of community will be recorded and recordings will be held for one week from the date of the event. This is being done to protect all involved in community activities and recordings will only be accessed if there is an event or behavior called into question. Think of it as insurance. Again, that is for our average person that is, you know, joining the calls. So that is my proposed, uh, my proposed language. And I really uh, hope that the board can support this. Thank you, Cindy, so much. And uh, I'll now uh, turn it over to the board. Uh, are there any questions related to these new uh, proposed changes to the guidelines for the community events? This, this David, I have one. Yes, go ahead, David. Uh, the week bothers me a little bit. Um, I'm not thinking it's long enough. I, I, I definitely agree with everything else. But uh, you're asking someone if they have a complaint uh, without any guidelines that it has to be filed within a certain period of time. So I, I'd like to see that lengthen, and I'd also like somewhere in there to it, uh, probably in the code of conduct to say that a, if you have a complaint, it needs to be filed within a certain period of time to, to make it match up. Because once the recording is lost, you've lost your your main evidence. So, so one of our challenges, David, and, and I'm not disagreeing, <laughs> um, but I can tell you, uh, you know, there's already concerns just about recording period, right? Um, but these have to be saved somewhere and recording to the cloud is really the, the best way for us to be able to get stuff from people, but it also takes everybody has limited space or it starts costing them money. And so, uh, you know, there's, <laughs> there's, that becomes the challenge. So I, I'm open uh, to it being longer. I would hope that we won't get stuck on this right now uh, so as not to be able to pass this and that maybe we could look into what kind of processes could be put into place if we wanted to extend that. And I don't know where we are with the code of conduct language. And do you know what I mean? I don't, I'd like yeah, I, us I, to at least get something going. 
Yeah. yeah. So this is Jeff. Oh, sorry, Dan. Let me speak a little bit to the code of conduct, and then I'll recognize you, Jeff. And uh, we we received pretty pretty clear guidance on this from Rosalie McNamara, who we spoke with yesterday, who was kind of our HR advisor related to the code of conduct. And she she said, obviously, we would we should encourage reporting of any code of conduct violations as soon as possible. But everybody deals with, you know, violations and situations sure. kind of in their own terms. And she really cautioned us that we don't want to put any dates specific to to code of code of conduct violations. So, from that standpoint, we got very strong recommendation that that it needs to be available for reporting purposes whenever somebody feels comfortable. This is Deb. I think I'm Jeff, after Jeff. Jeff, Jeff. Well, I'll let you so, go ahead. Uh, after I heard what I just heard, I'll let you go ahead. Oh, okay. okay. Well, so I do think I I do think a, a longer than a week would be possible, and I agree that's a pretty quick turnaround. And I appreciate the recording problem, but I have a I have a personal account, and I've held community events, and I know that I can house um, quite a few recordings up there before I have to delete them. And um, so unless I'm doing several recorded events every day, I, I can go a little while. Um, and the other part of that is that um, people can turn off Zoom by default, makes both a video and an audio recording. And um, we, we don't need both. Although I have to say that one advantage to the video recording is it is possible to tell who's speaking from the video recording and it's not always possible from the audio recording. But um, I, I do think that that maybe a week is is a little short um, because if somebody's going to file a code of conduct complaint, even if they do it quite quickly, um, the the prospect of getting it assigned and getting someone to get the recording and getting all that stuff, you know, quickly, and especially if the person does want to purge it away. Um, that might be a little quick. And I agree that we can't ask people to hold them forever, but I do think we probably could ask them to hold it longer than a week. Do you have a recommended amount of time? Yeah, even a couple of weeks would probably make that a little more feasible. Um, I mean, I'm happy just, to change it. I just yeah, want to I, I, I would say yeah. we should try it at two weeks. And um, and and I guess I'm I'm totally unsympathetic to anybody's issues about the meetings being recorded at all because we're going to record them if they're on ACB's accounts and if you've got stuff going on that shouldn't be recorded maybe this isn't the venue for it I mean it doesn't mean it's evil or bad it's just maybe this isn't the venue for it so um, I'd like to propose that that be two weeks just because of the timing um, you know I I don't think we can hold it forever I I get what what Dan said about, you know, uh, Rosalie's comments about, you know, people might take a, a while to file their complaint. And I get that. But uh, we we may not be able to get around that. It's probably advisable somewhere in your community guidelines is that if, you know, and you do say that, um, but to really emphasize, if you have a concern about something that happened on a call, that they need to let you know right away, because then you could flag yes. and ask I think, for that recording. I think that's something that I was taking as I was listening to what's being said. Um, so I've already made the change. Uh, if this is good. I just changed it from one week to two weeks. Yeah, I think still, still asking them to send it a link. So this is just to verify uh, that they have actually uh, recorded. recorded. So, um, and 
my my suggestion will be that we can add uh, at the end of all of our uh, daily schedule that we can end, um, add a you know a little yeah. note at the bottom that clarifies that all events are being recorded and right. are held for two weeks. Uh, you know if there's any concerns. Yeah, whatever. So we could, I think you know, so. I'll come up okay. with something. Cindy, yeah. that's good. Oh, hold, hold on, right. Jeff was next, and then, then we'll put you in the queue. So go ahead, Jeff. Jeff, Tom. I think he said that his answer was Sorry. you you'd covered be, it. Be, yeah. yeah. Can it be clarified that it's two weeks from receipt of the recording link? Two weeks from the from the date of the event. Because you're you're asking the link to be there within 24 hours, right? Yeah, but it's from the date of the event. Okay. So okay. that's fine. That's, yeah. Okay. I just want to make sure if someone doesn't get it in for sure 48 or 36 hours, then well, if they don't have it in within 24 hours, we'll be reaching out, and and until they start following those directions, we'd probably pull them from the schedule. So okay, right. yeah, that would be Thank the you. yeah. Uh, Ray, I believe you were next. Yeah. Um, Cindy, you you do have some community events that deal with some pretty sensitive and yep. kind of personal stuff. Are you concerned at all that those calls may that people may not feel as free to personally? I'm not things if they're being recorded. No, I mean I, I mean I, I I'm supportive of the purpose of the recording. Yeah, I just don't I just don't want the calls to. So to be honest with you. We need to be very careful about how personal and how intimate and how deep these calls go anyway. There needs to be, so I think if if this uh, causes somebody to think before they speak, it might not be a bad thing. Um, but again, we're not gonna be listening to them. So we, you know, I understand that there are a lot of peer-to-peer -peer support people talking about the loss of loved ones, uh, you know, divorce, uh, losing their vision, the things that, you know, make them vulnerable. Uh, often they're in very small groups. And uh, so that this is certainly not for us to impose on them. However, something could easily happen there that could hold, a, you know, us liable in some way, shape or form. And we yeah. still need to be able to have access if that were to occur. Maybe and I think it's important in this policy as it's kind of laid out that, that these are not for public right. consumption. And maybe, and maybe what could be done for those kinds of calls, you could maybe work with the uh, facilitators to say that this, this is being recorded, but is only yeah. recorded. As you, you can imagine, as you can imagine, Ray, I've, I started introducing this over the last couple of weeks. I have talked with a lot of people I have filled, fielded emails and phone calls. So mm -hmm. far, I've had great support. Um, even those that came with some concerns, they really did understand the purpose for this. I think most of us really have an understanding of that. Um, so it's it's been, I, I wouldn't say that people are jumping for joy, but I would say they're not, it, it's not like in some cases where we've tried to introduce something and got a lot of kickback. There hasn't been because I think people realize the times that we're living in and, yeah. you know, these are ACB is really has our name on it as we do any of these events 
when we post, when we publish them on our schedule. And so if, if anybody is uncomfortable and doesn't wish to do that, then that will be their choice not to continue. I certainly hope that would not be a reason somebody would leave uh, community events. But, you know, I would certainly, you know, understand if that was the case. I, I really like how you said, hey, think of it as insurance. It's, it's just like when you call in to get customer service, they tell you it's being recorded. for Absolutely. Right. And it protects the facilitator too, yeah, which exactly. I think is Well, and that's, I had, I had hosts that, that said, thank you. Thank you for doing this. And um, so, you know, there, it, it, it really protects everybody, the participant, the facilitator, the host, all of them, every person in there is subject to, you know, some maybe unfair treatment or something that makes them uncomfortable or, you know, some situation that gets out of hand. We are so fortunate with well over 50, uh, 200 events held that we haven't really had a lot of problems to speak of, but the goal is not to have them. So, um, yeah. Dan? Yeah, go ahead, Jeff. I think this requires a change in the disclaimer that is uh, played at the beginning of ACB events that are at least streamed um, so that uh, people are aware that these events are um, being recorded in case people who are listening and call into an event, they may not be aware of that. And for privacy reasons, it would be a good thing to make sure that that's... But all published. events that are streamed are, are recorded. That, that is correct. Yeah, but, I, we, I, we, I, but I, we don't... But we don't... Do we let them know that they're being recorded? Know that. So I think that's, that's I think that's a good catch, yeah. Jeff. No, that's that's a good catch. To just yeah. let them know. That's just correct. again, in, in yeah. full disclosure. I yeah. think that's a good idea. Also, this is Deb. I wonder if we need some kind of disclaimer for events that are not streamed. And I don't know for sure how we'd get it played because it, it, that's a little harder for people to play those files when there's nobody streaming. But um, I really think there needs to be something either read or, or, dis or played or something. You can share a screen. Well, and Zoom. Yeah, you can share a screen or whatever. But I'm just saying something needs to be there that that it's not just when we stream it. It's also just period. So I, my suggestion, and and we, I don't think, I don't want to bog this, what yeah, I'm proposing yeah. here, because this has to do now, right. I think, with hosts. But I certainly could ask hosts to um, share that the event is being recorded uh, and it is not for public uh, unless it's being podcasted or streamed. So, and, 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 it, and it does tell you that when you go it in. It does. Zoom, yeah. by default, Zoom tells you. everybody yeah. has to approve that, yeah. you know what I mean? They know that it is being recorded, right? Yes, so Zoom has kind of already yeah. taken care of that for us. Yeah, I, I think I, yeah. I wouldn't overly complicate it because it makes you acknowledge it. Does it tell people who are it. calling on the phone? It does. It does. Okay. But they that don't have to accept it. anything. Okay, they just are told. Though. Rick, yes. they are told. Rick, with a question, please. Oh, go ahead, Rick. Oh, there was somebody else. Jeff, Jeff wasn't done. Okay, I'm sorry, Jeff. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I just wanted to. I just wanted to mention here that that um, when, for example, uh, when when we have events at work, for example, and we turn recordings on, um, we we have to disclose, and and it's drilled into us <laughs> in a nice way that we must disclose that this is being recorded. To make sure that people are well aware that 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 it is. So, my my point stands that I think it is important that, for privacy reasons and and other reasons, people 
sure may see a button, but they're they may not put two and two together. I just would strongly encourage that we yeah. abide by that. You know, yeah, I, no, I think that's a great point, Jeff. Uh, uh, Dan, this is Chris. Oh, um, go go ahead, Chris, and then and then Rick wanted to say something. Oh, go ahead, okay. Chris. So, um, Cindy, I, I'm opposed to recording uh, AA meetings or any twelve step meeting. And the reason is because in those meetings, um, we are encouraged to tell our story, to provide our experience, strength, and hope to others. And those stories often include uh, violations of the law in jail time. Um, and, uh, you know, we all say at the end of a meeting, whatever is said here stays here. And to record those meetings, I think, is, is really a violation of what is intended to be a completely confidential discussion. So Chris, help us through that. So how would you make an exception? So let me, yeah, let me ask this because I, I mean, uh, I've worked really hard to try and ensure that even though I, I never post who the host is in the hosting schedule to honor uh, that, but I've made sure that there are people that are trained to be on those calls. Um, I get that, but on our, and, Thursday, night, our Thursday night call, it, it says it's a 12-step program. In, a, in the community piece. So I'm just saying something that's a 12-step program shouldn't be recorded. Chris, we're a private organization. We can yeah. record calls. Yes, yes. Can. yes. and it so, can't be part of the community if we don't record. I, I think that we have to, I think we have to, I, I guess my gut feeling is that we should be protecting everybody, including people on those calls. And likely there would be no reason to ever get those recordings. But I, you know, it, it, so again, you're, you're it's still under ACB. Even that don't use the ACB uh, Zoom platform. No, only it would have nothing to. It would have nothing to do if it's not on ACB schedule. Then we wouldn't. This is no, no. this is only so clarification. Those. Yeah, clarification there because Cindy, you do want them to record them if they are called a community event and yes. appear on your schedule. Yes, no matter whose account it is. Absolutely. So if you want to have a call a support call that you don't list on the community events and you advertise in other ways, Cindy would have no authorization to record it. Exactly. Okay. Well, all right. Uh, my other, my other uh, idea is not related to recording, but is that uh, in our code of conduct policy where we tell people uh, how to file a complaint, we might want to say, um, I know we, we encourage people to file a complaint quickly, but we might want to say because... Our, record, our recording of those conversations uh, are held only for two weeks or for a brief period of time. So people understand there's a reason why uh, filing the complaint quickly is important. Related to community events. This is, this is Deb. This uh, is Deb. I would be concerned about telling them anything about when they need to file. You would just make a statement that just says... Um, that we maintain this, you know, for, for um, you know, that we only have access to these or whatever for the two weeks or whatever. And yeah, not I'm not make telling you when they have to file. Yeah. I'm just saying, you yeah. know, because we only maintain this rec recordings for a limited period of time. Or, or yeah. it could just be informational that says. It's, I would just make it informational. Uh, no, because I would just say yeah. Yeah. it's information. Right. And I do agree with that. But But I feel very strongly that if we have an event on the community, and I appreciate the the sensitivity of that event or even some other events. Um, 
I, I totally get that. But if they're going to be on the community, then we still have to have a mechanism to, to protect people because if someone at that event did file a complaint, we couldn't come back and say to them, oh, I'm, your event is exempted. I'm not saying they should be exempt. I'm saying that they shouldn't be reported. That's a different No, they they would be exempted from from any evidence. We would have no evidence, and that's not No, that's not true. You would have the evidence of the people that were there who could come forward and say what was said. It's not true yeah, that you don't I, have I I would evidence. be opposed to that myself. Chris Chris this yeah. is Rick. you know, I'm a 12 step or two, okay? Um do you envision um, scenarios within a 12-step program where there could be um, code of ethic, uh, you know, code of conduct violations, or, or does it operate outside of those bounds as well in your mind? I, I'm well. That's a hard one. There are people who are uh, have co-addictions, like sex addiction, for example, mm -hmm. that they might reference, mm -hmm. and referencing it. Okay. Just, just saying that might be triggering for some people. All right. So I don't see that as a code of conduct violation, but, you know, it could become problematic. Yeah. Well, You're not I, saying anything sexual. Right, You're just right. saying you have a status. Right. And, and I would think all that would be taken into consideration when the, when the if, if it became a complaint, when that complaint was, was registered, uh, you know, as a way to evaluate the complaint. Right, but I'm talking about having it revealed to third parties, uh, albeit people with uh, uh, um, confidentiality agreements. I mean, <laughs> I've, I've been to AA meetings for years. You should you'd be amazed at the things that people share about oh, like no, their no, lives. No, no, I know, I know. No, that, I, that thought never crossed my mind. You know, I, I, I mean, I, I can see the dilemma here, Chris, but, you know. Okay. Well, anyway, I'm I'm happy to proceed to deal with it. Okay, that's not my right. question, it, though. Oh, go <laughs> ahead, Rick. Yes, I'm sorry. Uh, my question, Cindy, is: uh, Does this extend to clubhouse? Do we have no. Do we have some events that are clubhouse? We don't only? really. Yeah, we. So, I, and I didn't put this in my report, but we really have minimal stuff going on on clubhouse. If they, if we did have. Um, uh, uh, we can't really record in Clubhouse. We don't do right now. We don't, except for a reading of the schedule every day. Right. Uh, we do not do just Clubhouse events. Uh, at least I haven't been as part of community. Uh, we only do the backstage karaoke, right. uh, which is in tandem with uh, the karaoke. But there's, we have not recorded, I don't know, even... How we would record? Well, I mean, you, I guess we could. Well, yeah, you could. Re well, on, on the P four. On the P four, it's implicitly a, a recorder. Yeah. But I, I, so we I, could do that. Yeah, we certainly I, I, could. Yeah, I would just say, you know, uh, yeah. you know, if if we are, if we were to do that, sure. which I think we probably will at some time, that we would consider extending yeah. that to, to yeah. And I and I and I mean, we could start doing that. You know, now. I mean, I think that it could be implied, right? Yeah. Because yeah, these are community think, events. I, I it doesn't. It, talks about it does not it talks say just Zoom. Yeah, it, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. So no, it says okay. community yeah, schedule. That's a good point. That, that's that's yeah. where you're bounding it. Okay. Yeah. That, that's I'm, I'm I'm good. Thanks. Is it appropriate to move adoption of these uh, changes to the uh, to the? I think it's policy? very appropriate, Doug. Thank you for that. Yes. Do <laughs> I, I have a, Do I have a second? Second, Kenneth. Kenneth seconds. All right. 
guess we could ask there, is there any additional discussion? All right. Hearing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? All right. Thank you. And as always, thank you very much for your support. Um, it's it's greatly appreciated. We're doing we're doing good things, guys. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Cindy. Uh, thank you, thank you. And next, we'll hear from our chief financial officer, uh, Nancy Becker. So, Nancy, you you finish up the staff reports. So, go. Please proceed. I'll, I'll try and keep this short because I see we have lunch right after I get done talking. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We. we <laughs> But you guys, um, this is the time of year that we start building the 2022 budget. So um, right now, um, Eric, Tony, and I have started the process. And I've also reached out to the committee chairs to ask them to provide me with budget requests so this can be used while we are building the budget. So if anybody is new to the board, I just want to go through this a little bit. There is several different steps to building the budget. First, the staff, along with Dan, we build the revenue and expenses by line for 2022. So when I'm going through this, I don't, you know, just wave a wand. I go through, go to Tony, ask him about the revenue sections. I will go to Clark to ask him if he knows of any advocacy revenue that will be coming in in 2022. I asked Cindy about travel expenses. So I do go to every single area to get their input um, while building this budget. Then once we get the budget reviewed, we go to the, the budget committee. The budget committee goes through the budget by line item. And then lastly, it is reviewed by the full board in two different sessions. So typically, I think it's like the, it's right around the week of Thanksgiving and the week after Thanksgiving when the um, board reviews the budget and approves it. The next thing we're working on is the scholarship application process, and that will be um, begin again in November. Right now, the scholarship committee is in the process of reviewing the applicant's questions. Um, if if um, this coming year's scholarship application submissions or anything like last year's, the scholarship committee will have like over 150 applications to review. So they're going over the questions just to see if there's anything that we need to change. If there's something that isn't pertinent anymore, it would be removed. Um, next thing is ACB thrift stores. Actual net profit through August is about $246,600. And as everybody knows, since COVID-19, a lot of people are starting to shop online. So it has been a little bit more challenging to bring customers back into the thrift stores on a regular basis. We have regular monthly manager meetings, and we are focusing on increasing sales, but also adjusting our expenses accordingly so that we have, um, we can meet our budget. The Amarillo Thrift Store has a new manager. Her name is Harley, and Harley has worked for our thrift store earlier in her career, and she's come back to us, and she's a very hard worker, and she's focused on hiring a team that works well together whether they are needed to, on the selling floor or helping to sort and price merchandise in the back. The Lubbock store sales have leveled out and we are trying to reach out through social media to try to bring new customers into the store. We have purchased a new point of sale system for both stores, but with the pandemic, 
The terminals are on back order and they anticipate that the registers should be in in the next two months. So I'm hoping by the end of the year, we will have the new registers and we have a lot of gadgets on there so that hopefully we can um, continue to reach out to the customers in our stores and see where they are coming from. So ACB is investigating to see if we can receive an employer retention credit or it's called ERC that is under the CARES Act. This is a refundable payroll tax credit for wages paid and for health coverage provided by an employer due to a COVID-19 related government order or who has experienced a significant reduction in gross receipts. To initially be eligible for the ERC credit, the business needed to be fully or partially suspended for the quarter or have a significant decline in gross receipts compared to 2019. And when they call it significant, that's 50% or more. Once a business becomes eligible for the credit, eligibility continues in subsequent quarters of the year until gross receipts were at least 80% of the corresponding 2019 quarter. After initial investigation, I don't believe ACB is eligible for this credit, but because the stores were closed and gross receipts declined 50% compared to 2019, I think ACB is eligible for this credit. So ACB has partnered with Bergen KDV to review, calculate, and file the amended payroll tax forms for ACBS. I'm also having them look at ACB just to verify that my initial investigation on that piece is correct. Um, Nancy, a little clarification there. So I don't know if I quite heard you right. So you're saying like when we did the PPP loans, both ACB in general and the ACB ES thrift stores, both legal entities qualified for PPP loans. But Correct. you're saying for this credit, ACB in general does not qualify because we kept our employees going the entire time. But the thrift, store, the thrift store, the ACB ES would potentially qualify. Yes. Okay. Got it. So okay. the other the other part of that, Dan, was is our gross receipts had to decline 50% or more. So even if we were working mm -hmm. and our gross receipts dropped by 50%. Right. And we had one quarter. quarter where we were basically closed. Yeah. In the thrift stores, yes. In the thrift but, stores. Yeah. But ACB wasn't. And right. our yeah. gross receipts from 2019 to 2020 did not drop 50%. No. For ACB. Yes. May I, may I ask a question about the thrift stores? This is Chris. So do, do I understand that we only have two thrift stores now? Correct. One in Amarillo, Texas, and the other okay. in Lubbock, Texas. So I, I'm not going to get into a discussion of this, but my first wife is Barbara Nelson, who is an ACB staff attorney. And we used to have like 10 thrift stores. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, I'm just raising a question. that We can decide at some point why we're down to two. That's all I wanted to say. Thanks. So I think at the time, I, I'm, 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 from what I've heard, we had 10 stores. There were not that many thrift stores out there, but as um, people saw that they were profitable, I think what happened is, is more and more thrift stores came in. And we, because we only had one thrift store in each area, it was harder for us to um, advertise our business and our sales sort of went down. But I've, got, I've come over to David Trott, who has much more experience with thrift stores than I do. <laughs> That's because I'm much, much older than she is. Um, actually, at one time, Chris, we had 15. 
And okay. um, it's due to the economic er, uh, economics of each area. And, and this happened over a period of years. Uh, for example, at one time we had three in Detroit. To get out of the last one, we had uh, a lot of legal implications and all things that happened there with, with leases and subleases. And it literally took us years to get out of it. So we chose not to sublease. And so it, it cost us a little more money over time. But um, the Knoxville store, which at one time was our biggest store, dropped to going in the hole. Same with Louisville. Uh, okay, it's just a matter fine. of time. But the two Texas stores, uh, what, what we need to understand from those stores, guys, is those two stores are making uh, all the money that we made from plus some that we had when we were down to six stores because the stores just simply would not make a profit the same time in a year. So as we closed them down, we got to watching uh, the two the two Texas stores, and we said, hmm, we've actually got gold mines here if we don't have to spend them on everything else. So, you know, two hundred and fifty to four hundred thousand dollars a year is is really great for two thrift stores. Yeah. And we might look at going in the other direction at some point, but I wouldn't think right now. Okay. Yeah, I, I remember when I joined the board in 2012, um, I think we had seven thrift stores at the time and the, the the Texas thrift stores were making money and all the other thrift stores were taking all those profits plus. So we were actually losing money in the thrift store business, you know, and so, they, but, but you couldn't unwind them because they had five-year leases and you had to go, it was a really painful process to go through, but I think we're, we're at a healthy spot now. Yeah. Good question, Chris. Yeah. Well, the other thing, Chris, I would like to say is, it does take a substantial amount of administrative time to do this. Um, Erica works, I bet you, 15 to 20 hours a week helping out the thrift stores. Right now, she's been trying to hire people for the Amarillo store. She spends a good share of her week interviewing, doing the first part of the interviews. And then if that candidate is somebody wanting to move forward, then she um, sets up an interview with the manager. So it's not just, um, it's just not the... the Okay, well, I didn't mean to get into a big debate about thrift stores. I just, I just asked the question, but no, thank okay. you. Okay, so then the other part of this is since the first Paycheck Protection Program or the PPP was a loan that was forgiven, the wages associated with the forgiveness of the loan can't also be used for the refund of the retention credit. So mm -hmm. if, if we use on our $91,000 loan, if $91,000 that the wages was used to forgive the loan. I they can't use that ninety one thousand for the ERC credit, so we can't double dip on those. Yeah, so okay. so we're looking into this, and I'm not sure how long this is going to take. But as soon as I get some information from um, Berg and KDV, I will let you know. And then lastly, I will be applying for the forgiveness of the second PP loans in the next four months, and I do anticipate that those will be forgiven just like the first ones. Thank you, Nancy. Um, back to your first item of the budget. While we have everybody together, could we agree uh, as a as a board on the uh, two typically two days that we do the budget process? So we do what the revenue and the convention uh, the first day, and then the expenses the second day, and the approval of the entire budget. Um, we have 
sometimes done one of these before Thanksgiving, one after. I think last year we were able to get both meetings done prior to Thanksgiving. Um, like to get some thoughts from everybody and maybe we could identify two dates for the budget um, meetings. So I think last year, like the Monday night seemed to work good for everybody. Mm -hmm. Is that what I remember? And it's, it's usually uh, two to three hour for each you one. You usually these. allow about three hours. Yeah. We, we may not use it all, but yeah. Um, so for looking at Mondays, there is November. I don't think November 15th will be done, but there's a November 22nd, the 29th, or December 6th. So the, 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 in, in Thanksgiving, I believe is the 25th and the uh, ACB media holiday auction is the 28th on that Sunday. Uh, we may have a president's meeting on the 30th, but the 29th I think is open. 29th is actually good because it's the fifth uh, Monday. I'm yeah. going to move. So, I would move that we schedule the two budget meetings for November 29th and December 6th, both of those being Monday evenings, starting at uh, 8, 8 Eastern. How about if we went with the 22nd and the 29th? I'm, 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 uh, I'm okay. I don't know if anybody's got stuff on fourth Mondays. That's the only thing. But it's I'm, also I'm probably fewer it's also than the shorter week of Thanksgiving week. And some people, I mean, I don't know if anybody's traveling. It's we're not doing as much of it as we used to, but mm -hmm. it might make it a little hard for some people if, if they are traveling, if there's a late night meeting. Yeah, I don't know if they're traveling or not, but so but I know is, when we get to the Doug first and... the first Monday of the month, there's all kinds of things that meet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I really no. think that we should go with the 22nd and the 29th and at least see if we can get people to agree to I'm, that. I'm 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 okay with that. I'll move that. And I'll second it. Oh, hey, we have a motion and a second to, to discuss. So, how does the 22nd and the 29th work for folks? Revenue on the 22nd and convention and then uh, expenses and total approval on the 29th. This is Connie. Can you hear me? Yes, sure. Connie. Hey, I will be having surgery again on the 15th of November. So I don't know if I'll be available on the 22nd or not. I will be back in Rochester, um, but that's fine. You guys, whatever works for you guys, I'm just giving you a heads up. I will be out, back out again for a while. Okay. Did you say the dates again? I was off for a second. Sure. It, it would be the revenue and convention would be on the 22nd, which is the Monday of Thanksgiving week. Right. And then and then the um, the expense side and the approval of the total budget would be on the 29th, which would be the Monday after Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah, I might, I might also have to miss the 22nd. I'm might be traveling, but you know, so it had to be, it had to be. Well, we can go the other way because Jeff, you would be one of the people impacted by the six. So if we did the 29th and the six, that would give Connie more time for her surgery. How about, how about deal. Nancy just whispered in my ear. Yeah. How about the 29th of November and the 13th of December? No, I don't, I don't have a problem with the six. We can, we can, if you we can move your do, advocacy do steering advocacy committee steering to a different day yeah. on the fourth, so we could get it done. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we're going twenty oh, yeah. and sixth. That well, we're 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 talking about it. How how would the 29th and the sixth work for people? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be in Phoenix for the 29th. 29th. Um, 
steering. Yeah, we could we could we could probably meet uh, an hour before, you know, a half hour earlier or something if we had to have a meeting, couldn't we, Clark? On the, you know, on the sixth. Yeah. Yeah. So, Doug, you're you're well. Either way, the 29th, you're you're there if we do it. <laughs> the 29th is in both scenarios. I know. Yeah. yeah. And it's yeah, early. Well, about the 22nd be early or for you. <laughs> we'll see how we can not do the 29th though, yeah, because that's a fifth that, Thursday. That's, that's, that's a, a fifth, fifth Monday. Thing. That's a good. Fifth that's a, that's Monday like a freebie. Yeah. Yeah. I will try to be there. Okay. Um. All right, so it sounds like we're coalescing around the 29th and the 6th. Mm -hmm. Yes. Everybody feeling okay there? Mm -hmm. uh, Ray and forget who your uh, your seconder I, I, was. I'll, I'll accept that. I was Deb. Deb, that's a friendly amendment. You guys are okay mm -hmm. oh, with yeah. the 8 29th and the 6th? At 8 Eastern, right? 8 Eastern, uh, yes, that'll be fine. Yes. 8, 8, 8 Eastern, 8 to 11, hopefully. Yes, yeah. Eastern. All right, we're good. All right, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Aye. All right. Dan, Thank real quick, can, yes. can we just yes. make sure we get a calendar uh, invitation sent out for those? Um, soon. Soon, uh, please. Yeah. Yeah. Can I Maybe. do it on Tuesday, you guys? Yeah, Tuesday's fine, but, yeah, but it's been hard to have them at the last minute, so it would be great to have them. Yeah, okay. I'd rather so get I'll it on my calendar sooner than later. Yeah. Okay, so what yeah. I'll try to remember to do is I'll get it done on Tuesday and then right before the meetings, I'll try to resend them out to you guys because I know yeah. they get lost in some people's emails. That that would be great, Nancy. Okay. okay. That would be wonderful. All right. Is that... Uh, so we have now... I'd now like a motion to approve uh, the CFO's report. So, so moved. Okay. Jeff and Chris, I'm going with, I think. Uh, Jeff motioned and Chris seconded. So all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? All right. Very good, guys. Do we I want... a question. Lunch yes. Time. We, well, we just, we just yeah, approved it, but do you, do you remember those two questions back at the beginning of the meeting that Nancy oh, was yes. going to answer? Oh, yeah. What, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I'm so sorry. Yes, those were by Ray. <laughs> they weren't even my yes. questions. Yes, I thank remember. you. Thank you. So, so the two game. questions were um, were about a couple of budget items. I think why, why we had no expenditures under web services and why we did have expenditures under travel for uh, scholarship and uh, DKM uh, folks since we were virtual. So I think those were the two things. I'm sorry. I was busy handing out snacks. So see that's an advantage of being there in person. Where's ours? Where's ours? Yeah. Snacks, yeah. You're on your own, Dan. You don't get any snacks. <laughs> so wow. I, I believe what Ray was asking about this morning is the do web domain and licensing fees mm -hmm. actual at the end of August was zero budgeted was five hundred dollars. So what I usually do when I do these um, for the budget is I, I usually look at the estimate from the previous year and plug that number in for the following year. So there might be just a timing difference on that one. Um, the one with the travel for scholarship and DKM. So I know that none of the scholarship winners or DKM traveled, but we did certificates for them. So rather than making a separate line item for what I would say supplies for those guys, I put them in with the travel. 
Okay. I was wondering if it was something like that. I, you know, I thought we did a little bit. Okay. I have one more question. Uh, and I think and it Kenneth wasn't had, one of the two. Okay. Kenneth had a little clarification, okay, I think, on the sure. DKM side. So go ahead, yes. Kenneth. There were funds used for uh, our for the reception. That's right. Do you remember that? That's right. Actually, it was for both of those two. Yes. They got a yeah. little um, beverage. They got a little gift card to, to get, a, get something. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Kenneth. Okay. All right. Uh, let me make sure. Ray, did that answer your questions? Yeah. Okay. okay. Thank you. Gray's enjoying his snack. Okay. Uh, go so ahead, Kim. My my question, Nancy, and I didn't. I don't see it elsewhere on the agenda. Was the legacy, um, endowed legacy? Um, it. Where does it come? Oh from? yes. Yeah, I have my paperwork the, for it, but where's it at? Yeah, yeah, I, I don't you, see you, it on the you, agenda. You were going to do it as part but, of your But we have a, a CFO policy. Report. We, we yeah. have to make a decision okay. on the legacy. Yes. Thank you, Kim. Yes. Okay. Thank yes. you. I have all my paperwork here. So I apologize for that. So for Wait, the, we approved this report way too early. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Nancy. Yeah, that my memory's just lagging, you guys. So back in 2019, just for the new board members, there was a board approved motion for the ACB legacy spending policy for budgeting purposes. And what the board approved was a percentage of the portfolio with smoothing terms and corpus restrictions. So a specific percentage of the portfolio would be designated for budgeting purposes, but the corpus or principal investment could not be drawn from, drawn from for budgeting purposes. The amount allocated for budgeting purposes would be based on a percentage of the portfolio's value at the end of each quarter over three or five years. And just so you guys know, we do have three full years of um, end of quarter values. The portfolio percentage allocation for the following year would be determined during the fall board of directors meeting. So that is what the motion that was passed um, what was I thinking here? But but we now need to make the decision for this year, right? What what allocation do we want to to give out? So we, you're right. We, you you have a proposal thing. for three, four, and five percent. I think for the board to review. There was, and I did have one other thing I was going to say. But anyhow, okay. So the average fund over twelve quarters is one million. I'm going to round here, you guys, $1,299,300. And if we use 3% for um, operating expenses, it would be $39,000 that would go from the legacy account into our cash account to be spent. If it was 4%, it would be $51,900. If it's 5%, it's $65,000. Now I remembered what I was going to say, Dan. So this amount of money does not go into our budget as revenue or expenses. It's simply a shift in the assets of our um, balance sheet. So we're not going to see anything on the income statement next year. It just helps us with the cash flow next year. So in 2020, it was approved for 4% to be used for operating expenses. In 2021, for 2021, it was 5%. And I think David, I, and Dan had met and talked about this. And do I want one of you two to talk about what we 
Yes, I think uh, David. I've got David could, over here raising his hand. If David, if you could make a motion, and then we'll have a second, and then we'll uh, we'll discuss. Okay, um, we did. Uh, Nancy, Dan, and I did discuss this, and um, my motion at this point would be that we uh, go with five percent. Uh, that still will leave growth in the account, so uh, we're good there, and it will give us. Uh, Nancy said it, I think, 65000 mm -hmm. plus yep. dollars. So that's my motion that we go with 5%. Okay. I second the motion. This in, is Kim. And Kim seconds. Um, discussion. And oh, I Dan, think, the, the yeah, rate of return on that is 7.61%. So I'm sorry, 7.16%. I got it backwards. Right. This year. Yep. And, and what is, uh, Nancy, what is our revenue above the corpus that we have in the account right now? Oh, just give me a minute. I believe it was over 400000 It's made just in the time it's been. Dan, you're very close, 432000 mm Mm-hmm. So we're, we're doing quite well. So that's the whole purpose of this is to be able not only to grow it, but to uh, allow some cash to come back to our organization for continuing operations. So, um, all right. So we have a motion and a second uh, other discussion. Was that Chris? Doug. Oh, Doug, I'm sorry. Yes, go ahead. It's all right. Um, it, 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 the news is all talking about inflation. How, what does that, how, how does that affect our legacy accounts and, and what we're doing? And, and uh, is that part of this discussion? Well, I don't, I don't believe inflation itself impacts. I mean, these are rates of return. If, if we hit a large um, inflation period, you know, our, the, the rates the rate of return, of return may, go up, right? may, may go up, but then the, the buying power of those dollars will go right. down. So, right. so right. It's, right. It, you know, pay me here, but you lose it on the other side. But, um, you know, but I think, um, you know, right now uh, we're, 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 we're showing really good return on the account. And where we always want to caution is we don't want to, we want to see it grow and we don't want to, you know, go anywhere near the corpus. And with, you know, 600, I mean, 432,000 in the corpus, if we take 65 away, you know, we're still at, at over 360, uh, you know, 365 in the corpus. So, I think it's pretty healthy. Yes, Jeff, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, Mr. President. Um, I can remember, and, and maybe Katie can back me up on this, and, or, or maybe I'm wrong, but as I recall during my AFB board days, 5% was a really great target spend rate. From, you know, the, and, and so I, I think that if we can, since we're not going to go beyond that 5%, I think we're in pretty safe territory. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Jack. Any any other comments? All right. Hearing none. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Omaha. Aye. aye. Uh, thank you. <laughs> All right. Anyone opposed? Signify by saying no. All right. Motion carries. I think now we've already approved Nancy's uh, CFO report. And I think at this point, uh, Kim, are we done? <laughs>
I don't have anything else on my list here. I think <laughs> good we're good. Good job. Thank you for keeping us honest. Good, good job. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Nancy. All right. We, um, guys, do we want, you know, um, those in Omaha, do we want to take like a 10 minute break? I'm hearing yeses and noes. All right. So we'll take a, well, maybe even a little. 406. Let's take a nine minute break to 415 Eastern, 315 Central, and we'll get back and then we'll finish it up from there. We've got uh, some Perfect. policies to approve, uh, a couple of reports, and then some good discussion. So, Mr. back Chair, in 10 minutes. Yes, go ahead. Did we approve staff reports? Oh, do we need to approve them as a whole? I think we do. All right, so let's do that real quick. Uh, motion to approve the staff reports. Denise has moved. Do I have a second? Second, Kenneth. Kenneth has seconded. All those in favor of approving the overall staff report signify by saying aye. 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 All those opposed, no. All right. All right. Well, welcome back, everybody, for the final stretch. And uh, <clears throat> next, we're going to discuss uh, item uh, 13, which is our financial narrative for 20 year to date for 2021 like to introduce uh, David Trott, our ACB treasurer. Yeah, we know he's calling us. I was just looking at the next thing, which was the election of executive committee. Did you we put did that? that. Uh, we already did that. Oh, fine. <laughs> we snuck that in on you at the end of the executive session. They're getting, well, we, they're we getting punchy in Omaha. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, Guys, I, I'm having some problems with my eyes as well as my fingers, so I can't read print or braille for a long period of time. Mm -hmm. So I asked Nancy, I said, Nancy, will you read my financial narrative for me? She said, yes, David, I'll be glad to read in a couple of minutes what would take you 30. So, uh, no, I do appreciate Nancy. She's always there for me. So here to read. <laughs> it is true, Michael. Thank you very much. Uh, so here is the best, the best CFO ever. For, for some folks that would like to make the second half of uh, proposed football games, this is an excellent uh, uh, turn of events. So <laughs> let Nancy take it away. Go ahead, Nancy. Okay, you guys. So I'm, there's three things I'm going to read. And the first one, I'm going to abbreviate it when I say it, but it's the 2021 year-to-date actual through the end of August. The second, second item I'm going to read will be 2021 year-to-date budget. And the last one I will read will be 2020 year-to-date actual. So we can see where we are, where we thought we would be, and we, where we were last year. So ACB combined profit and loss. This year, actual, $542,476. Budget, $129,545. Last year, net loss, $190,262. ACB's operating losses, and in each case, it's a loss. This year, $369,024. Budget, $381,549. Last year, $492,022. ACBES contribution. This year, $246,592. dollars Budget, $258,685. Last year, 
$46,432. Convention this year, $255,308. Budget, $252,409. Last year, $218,332. On realized gains, this year, $409,600. This item is not budgeted. Last year, $36,996. ACB revenue, this year, $889,257. Budget, $936,049. Last year, $719,923. Unrestricted individual contributions, MMS, direct mail appeals, and the electronic appeals continued to exceed budget. There were two large donations since May, resulting in unrestricted individual contributions being doubled the budgeted amount. ACB received the AFB funds in June, but since ACB is only the fund administrator, it shouldn't be included in the income statement. It should go on the balance sheet as a payable until a scholarship recipient is mailed their check. At the time the budget was made last fall, it was included in the income statement as revenue as an ex and as an expense, but going forward, it will only be a balance sheet item. Hmm. ACB received funds in July from Google, allowing ACB and the University of Hawaii to continue collaborating on describing the national park brochures conducting site visits to increase park accessibility and the Descriptathon 8 event. The parks, being the parks being focused on for the Descriptathon 8 event are Midwest Parks and the Northwest region. There will also be an ADP ex expense to the University of Hawaii for the services they are providing for the grant. The convention auction raised $42,645, which far exceeded the anticipated budget of $30,000. The virtual auction continues to reach out to a larger crowd than an in-person auction in whether your pocketbook is small or large, there's an item you could have bid on. The Get Moving Together Brenda Dillon Memorial Walk was projected to raise $95,000 there was $26,500 in sponsors and almost $28,000 was given back to the state and special interest affiliates. ACB netted about 61,500 from the walk on a goal of 62,300. The Braille Forum raffle was very successful again this year with all tickets being sold. ACB expenses this year, $1,258,281. Budget was $1,317,598. And last year, it was $1,211,945. Staff wages, benefits, occupancy expenses, and supplies were below budget. Actual expenses were $751,327. Budget was $758,218. The $2,600 increase in legal fees since the last financial statement review was related to human resources support. Web server administration was $13,400.
compared to a budget of 8,100. Website services was 10,574 compared to the budget of 7,200. So both of these are over budget. And um, as ACB's infrastructure was being upgraded, it was important for us to go from one virtual environment to two virtual environments to enable us to test the new infrastructure. This has resulted in costs associated with the infrastructure upgrades to temporarily increase. Once ACB media transitions to Live 365, then it should enable us to go back to one virtual environment, which should cost less. Travel, travel expenses continue to be below budget since most events and conferences are being held virtually right now. Convention. This year, $255,308, budget $252,409, and last year, $218,332. Once again, ACB's conference and convention was held virtually. Convention revenue was $382,061, compared to the budgeted amount of $381,300. ACB is grateful for everyone who helped to sponsor our event, either financially or with their talent. The individual sponsors were $28,125 compared to a budget of $23,600. The corporate sponsorships were $282,000 compared to the budgeted amount of $270,000. There were 12 corporations who have continued to sponsor ACB's convention since 2016, and four new sponsors were added this year. Convention expenses year-to-date were $255,308 compared to the budget of $252,409. All expenses were below budget. This year, all members of record were able to vote virtually using Vote Now, and this cost was approximately $12,000. And just so I want to point out here is that we did not budget for vote now last year because we had, or last year, sorry, because we had no idea that we were going to be doing electronic voting this year. The virtual voting cost is determined by the number of members who are eligible to vote because voting information needed to be produced for every eligible voter, not just the ones who planned on voting. That is done. I'm done, David. All right. Well, thank you, uh, Nancy. Reading for David, very much. Yeah, and does anybody have any questions? We've had a we've had a great year, but you heard these. Uh, and as we go into the budget, you do understand that the convention expenses are going to be somewhat different this year by doing a hybrid. So we need to be aware of that. Uh, especially when we come to the budget time, you need to look at those numbers closely. Uh, I know the Nancy and team will get everything as accurate as possible, but you know, it will be kind of somewhat of a guess for us, but it'll be an educated guess, but it, it will be something new. But I really want to thank Nancy. Uh, I'm going through some weird stuff right now and don't know how long it's going to go on, but she's been a lifesaver for me. Thank you guys. Thank you, David. Um, do I have a motion to approve the financial narrative for year-to-date 2021? So moved. 
Doug has moved. Do I have a second? Pat seconded it on our side. Okay, Pat Sheehan has seconded. All right, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? All right. Thank you so much, David. We really appreciate it. We now have a series of um, policies to come before the board for our approval. So the first is the ACB employee travel policy uh, presented by uh, Eric Bridges. Hey, uh, get on the policy train. Choo choo. Um, yeah. <laughs> here we go. So, yeah. So, uh, uh, I think this is a, a natural part of our, our growth and we, we've not had a formal travel policy, uh, at least not in the, in the recent past. Um, you know, we're, we're growing uh, as a staff and at some point we're going to begin to travel again <laughs> a little more regularly and, and it's good for us to, to have some stuff in writing as to what is expected of our employees, what, what ACB will cover and what is on the employee to to uh, to cover, and it's a it's a fairly standard policy, um, but it's something that uh, you know as as we looked at, we went from eight FTEs to thirteen, uh, with the potential to grow more, and just want to have this in writing so that we can educate folks as uh, you know we begin to to get out more and travel. So. Um, offering this for the board's consideration. I move that the uh, travel procedures be uh, accepted. Second. Policy should be approved. Okay, and we have, Doug has made the motion and who seconded? Ray. Ray, okay, thank you. Ray seconds. Uh, any discussion related to the travel policy? Seemed very straightforward. Uh, David and, said, and, "Sure and, to God, not." And it seemed to me very straightforward and very consistent with other corporate travel <laughs> policies that I've seen. So, look good. All right. <laughs> hearing no discussion. Although I hear a lot of laughing out of Omaha there, but uh, hearing no further discussion. All in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed. Thank you. All right. Now we'll keep going with Eric Bridges on our ACB internship policy. Sure. So this is another thing that we've not had. And over the last year, we've been blessed uh, to, to have three interns uh, be, be part of the organization and actually contribute a great deal to, to the productivity of, of, you know, our mission and, and, and what we've been doing. Uh, Anthony Corona, Belinda Collins, and, and Nat Ratcliffe. And so, um, you know, it, it occurs to us that, um, you know, interns uh, and folks that are interested in coming to volunteer their time and, and learn, um, we should have uh, some process for you know, setting the setting of goals and objectives, um, as well as regular check-ins, um, with the uh, you know the expectation that uh, at the end of the internship we will have benefited, and equally as importantly, 
the, the, the intern will have benefited from the experience. And so what you see in this policy is a, uh, really a, it is EOS in terms of performance uh, management. It talks about our core values, which you know I love, um, and you know our vision, and uh, the you know the sort of the the supervision of the intern, uh, the responsibilities of the intern and of the supervisor, um, and uh, bring it to you all for consideration. David moves approval. Doug seconds it. And Don, or whoops, okay. We'll, we'll let we'll let Donna have it. So sure. so Dave moved and Donna seconded. Okay. Now we're open for discussion. Doug has one question. Yes, go ahead, um, Doug. Is a weekly? If 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 I remember correctly, um, it says in the policy that the um, supervisor and the intern will meet weekly to um, go over the work and and do it. Is mm -hmm. is weekly too often? I don't believe so. No, 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 no. It's really a check-in, right? It's a check-in, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, Nancy's asking how long is a is an internship usually, and it's two to three months usually. I mean, we had one that extended roughly six months last year, but, you know, they can come in different shapes and sizes. And really what what we're getting at there is having regular contact with the intern to ensure that everybody's good with uh, you know, the whatever project they're working on and that they're continuing to head in the right direction. Mm -hmm. And and really, uh, as we talked about this, and, and, and Jeb Crott, one of our board members, brought this to Eric and I's attention is, uh, and it's, you know, we need to be very consistent because, you know, what we found is many of these internships, they're not, they're not initiated by ACB. They're initiated by different rehab agencies and commissions across the country who identify an individual who could, you know, gain a lot of knowledge and expertise by being an intern with ACB. And so many times we get the intern kind of soliciting us for uh, you know, to for engagement, and what this does is put a policy in place to say, yes, but this is this is the, you know, the processes and the policy and procedures that ACB is going to follow when working with the intern, which then they they're kind of hopefully working in tandem, but they're in a in addition to what may be required by the rehab agency itself, right, right. Eric? Right. Yeah. Yes. There are also um, remote in, uh, internships, and I think that the one week is really appropriate for a remote internship. You know, they're not like they used right. to be Good point. Know, but when they were in the office, so they, they were with people all the time and getting feedback and input, but remote is a different story. Yeah, and you know, it, it would be my expectation and, and likely the supervisor's expectation, at least in the beginning, it's more than once a week, um, maybe daily to start with. Um, sure or a couple times a week just to make sure that, you know, uh, the intern's comfortable. Um, you know, it, it it's designed to have it be one week, but ultimately it's it's up to the discretion of the supervisor. But at least once a week, got it. Yeah, yep. to do at least once a week. Um, this, this policy, I just want to uh, share with you all, um, I didn't create this out of thin air. 
Uh, Erica and I worked on an initial draft. Uh, I shared it with Tony and with Cindy uh, because they have both supervised interns inside the organization in the last year. And I also uh, got feedback from Anthony Corona, who was one of our interns. So this represents uh, not just my thoughts or Erica's, but supervisors and an intern as well. Very good. All right, any other discussion? Hearing none, I'm gonna call the question. All in favor of approving the policy intern, ACB internship policy, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you, Eric, for continuing to professionalize our organization. We really appreciate it. And next, we're going to hear a new item 16 that kind of we got put in there, which is the um, we had brought the reasonable accommodations policy before the board in June. Um, uh, the board asked for several updates to be considered. Uh, Clark and team went out and worked on the updates and uh, he would like to now present our uh, revised uh, reasonable accommodations policy uh, for ACB. So I'm going to turn it over to Clark Rackful. All right. Thanks a lot, Dan. So folks will notice this looks pretty similar to the policy passed back in July at the board meeting. Uh, a couple slight edits and additions. Uh, based off of input that we received during that board meeting. Uh, so everywhere that we have uh, blind, low vision, we've included deaf blind. Um, everywhere that we reference service animals, we reference uh, guide dogs as well. Uh, we clarified language that uh, it was brought to our attention, attention was confusing around uh, personal care attendance. So we tried to make that more clear. Um, and then one item that did not come up during the board meeting, but through the, the convention um, and the establishment of the code of conduct policy, and then throughout the summer, we thought it was important to add a, an item in here about, well, what, what happens if this policy does not meet someone's needs and they want to um, you know, file a complaint or agreement. So we added an item on that as well. And I would like right. to thank, you know, Nancy, Janet, Carl Richardson, Kim, Dan, Jeff, Tom, um, Donna Brown, Ray Campbell, and I'm sure I'm forgetting some people, but it's it's been a, a good team effort by ACB, the board, several steering committee members, and, uh, you know, committee and affiliate members. Thank you, Clark. So can I have a motion to approve and second, and then I we'd have some discussion, and I know uh, Chris Bell has some comments that he had sent Clark and I as well. So first, do I have a motion to approve the policy? Don't move. This is Jeff, Jeff moves. Jeff Tom moved. Do I have a second? Doug. Thank Doug, you. Doug Powell. All right, Doug Powell has seconded. Uh, and then we'll open it up for discussion and I'll honor uh, Chris Bell who had sent Clark and I some comments uh, to be okay. our first speaker. Thank you. So I wasn't on the board when this was previously discussed, so I'm kind of coming to this uh, late uh, to the party, and I apologize, but that's kind of the reality. Um, <clears throat> so I want to talk about the uh, introductory paragraph to begin with. Um, and 
I'm trying to look at my listen to my notes and talk to. It says ACB seeks to provide reasonable accommodation, and then if you go down uh, uh, several lines that are readily achievable, do not impose an undue hardship. Or wait, yeah. So a um, couple of things. Number one, readily achievable is uh, not the only standard in Title III. Readily achievable barrier removal <clears throat> refers to the lowest element of making a facility uh, structurally accessible, all right? So new construction has to be completely accessible, alterations have to be accessible, and existing facilities only have to do barrier removal if readily achievable. So um, we, we haven't really we haven't really listed uh, accurately uh, the obligations that we are taking on or that are imposed on us by Title III. So in addition to readily achievable barrier removal, we're obligated to provide auxiliary and services, and we're, and we're uh, obligated to um, make reasonable modifications to policies, procedures, and practices. So um, originally, I thought, well, we could just take out the reasonable um, if reasonably uh, achievable, but that doesn't really work. I mean, because we never really fully spell out um, the accommodation requirements in this document. We do little pieces here and there. Um, and secondly, we don't do much in this document about the limitations. I mean, here we talk about, you know, if readily achievable and undue hardship. Well, like I said, readily achievable is a, is a defense only with regard to existing facility barrier removal. Um, it is not the standard for uh, provision of auxiliary aids or services. That standard is uh, fundamentally altered the nature of the program's goods or services or impose an undue burden, all right? And as to reasonable modification standards, that defense is um, a fundamental alteration of the program or services. So. We need to we need to accurately spell out both the obligations and the limitations on those obligations. Um, and undue hardship is not in Title III; it's undue burden. So that's that's my big piece, and I think that that follows through this whole document. We commit to doing things, um, but we don't say uh, the circumstances under which we don't have to do things. And we need to say that. We need to say what this. The standards are if we're going to ever say no to a request for an accommodation. And in fact, unless I missed it by going through the document, we never do say that we can say no. We talk about impract we talk about practicability and whatnot, but the Title III regulations provide a standard that says obviously that you can say no if you meet the undue. Uh, burden or fundamental alteration standard, but it also says that decision has to be made by the head administrative person. Uh, you know, so it can't be made by manager or supervisor, or, or for example, it couldn't be made by the uh, the ADA coordinator. Right. So we need to spell out the circumstances in which we will say no, and that decision we have to spell out who has to make that decision. It's not clear to me whether the president of ACB, you know, has complete administrative uh, authority. I, I just, I just don't know. But if the president's the the person in charge, then that decision has to be made by the president. 
and it has to be articulated as such, and it has to be done in writing, and it has to give the reason. And and all those are part of the part of the requirements of Title III, which we don't mention. So that's going to require some considerable work um, on this policy, I'm afraid. Um, let me uh, go through a couple of other things. Uh, the in the in the number one after the introduction, we talk about um, announcements and pre-registration. This paragraph is is really confusing because we we talk about materials be provided in in alternate formats, and then we have a more general discussion and attendees who need reasonable accommodation and voluntarily identify themselves have to request it. And that's really that's really the more general rule that we're applying everywhere. You want an accommodation, you have to request it. Um, and, and then we get into uh, the WCAG standard for what's on the web, which is not, it's not necessarily the same uh, issue as the notifications because we send out notifications about the convention through email or not. So what we really want to say is that we will provide that we provide communication about the convention in uh, a format that's accessible. Uh, and secondly, that if you want um, information on the convention um, your, yourself at the convention or otherwise uh, in an alternative format, you have to request it. And then later on, down several paragraphs, we say what alternate format means, what we'll do. We'll do Braille, we'll do digital, we'll do, you know, et cetera. But <laughs> that's not connected with this first part. Um, so it's that's partly why I find it confusing. I know what we mean, but it it's not uh, placed accurately in a way that will be clear. Um, And Chris, this is yeah. Dan. You have, I, I will be the first to say, you have an amazing amount of expertise in this area. Right. So thank you for being part of the board. Um, However. Do, <laughs> well, so, so given that. the hand that lies the crown. Given that some of us have, 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 have May taken two shots at this, <laughs> and we're not experts. <laughs> um, is there is there value in perhaps um, you know us um, you know maybe allowing some time for you to work with Clark and the team, and 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 take advantage of your expertise, and we could bring this back as something we could approve at. Uh, you know, one of our budget meetings in in uh, November or December. That would be fine. I was going to ask if I could work on it, but I I decided I'd wait to do that. But yeah, that'd be fine if, if the board is okay with that. Uh, this is Doug. I guess I'm the maker of the motion, and I would I would be fine with that. And okay. I'm, I would withdraw my second from in the same vein. Okay. Clark, are you comfortable with with pulling Chris into our uh, to our team? And uh, we 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 not only will I think have a better document, we'll all learn a little bit more through the process. I uh, I am definitely fine with that. The question that I would ask was that 
in July, um, there was a motion to pass the document as is just to advance the ball along, um, pass it as is with the caveat that the document will be amended and brought forward, you know, at the at the next or whatever Recording meeting. Um, so in this case, I think there are uh, hold items. One, hold here. one second, Clark. Our recording stops, so sure. I, I don't. Deb, can you turn it back on? I'm having problems again. We're asking Deb to start the recording. Recording in progress. All right, we're back. So uh, I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead, Clark. Continue. Yeah, I'll start that. Yes. I'll start that, that thought, thought over. Yeah, yeah. So in, in, in July, um, you know, folks had questions and recommended edits to this policy. And I believe it was David Trott had made the motion that we pass the document as is with the caveat that it would be worked on and amended and brought forward at a future meeting to be voted on with those subsequent changes. So I'd, I'd ask Chris and the board if they would be amenable to a similar motion here today, because there are provisions in here that took into account the board's um, comments and consideration. And I think we, uh, I think we have a better document than we did in July. Mr. President, I would move that the board pass the document as presented today, subject to rewriting and presentation uh, of a final, hope, well, I won't even say that. Subject <laughs> to rewriting and presentation at one of the two budget meetings this this fall. Thank you, Jeff. Okay. okay. I, uh, is that Denise? Yes. And Denise seconds. Okay. All right. So I I, I don't understand what it, it doesn't make any sense to me to pass a document, but then say, well, we're not really passing it because we're going to modify it and we'll talk about it again well, in, in well, one of the budget meetings. Well, so don't pass it. Well, Dan. do it. Sure, Mr. Chris. Chair? Oh, hold on, let me, let me answer Chris's question. And we've, we've had this policy in place since 2007, Chris, and we're trying mm -hmm. to update it. So it's better than, than our document that we had. And so we, we, we kind of, I, I think our concern is that we need something in place in case we have, you know, um, we have requests uh, well, to, to guide us. And we know it's not, we, well, it's not, it's not just that it's not it, as good as it should be. It creates potential liability for you because it's just plain wrong. I mean, for example, but you Chris, know, about communication, every effort shall be made. Don't ever say every effort because there will always be an effort you didn't find. Um, there are all kinds of things in here that could create liability if it becomes, even in the interim, a policy because, you know, between the time I, I we we leave and the time it gets rewritten, if we're using this policy to provide some kind of accommodation, we could be creating liability for ACB, and I don't. That doesn't make any sense to me. We, we can have also have liability if we don't have a policy uh, at all, too. Uh, okay, so but if, if like, we don't I think have a policy, Kim, then Kim, we'll talk about it. Yeah. You know. I think Kim asked for the floor first, and then there was somebody else, and Deb. then Ray. Deb. So Kim, Deb, and Ray. So go ahead, Kim. So my comment was just similar to what you were saying, Dan, that I just, I just think that our liability is less if we have something to rely on as our guidance policy 
rather than having nothing or having a 10-year-old policy that's even worse. So I support this in its tentative temporary state until we get the finished document that we approve in, in um, four to six weeks. So I would, I would support having this, but moving forward to um, uh, revise it as we need to. So. I have a friendly amendment. Uh, uh, oh, okay. Uh, I, is that Jeff? Yeah. Okay. Should. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Kim, were you and, and, done? Kim? Yeah. Yeah. I'm oh, done. Okay. Thanks. Okay. Jeff. Well, I, maybe not. Maybe it's not even an, an amendment. It's maybe just a point of clarification here, and that is that let's say that Chris, you were to come forward and provide suggestions, and it's agreed upon by staff and other stakeholders. There's nothing that would say that Dan could not send an email out on Tuesday that said, okay, here are the revisions, everybody vote, and we ratify it at the next board meeting, and we put it in place next Wednesday. I'm not suggesting- It ain't going to be done time. by Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> no, but hold on, hold on. My point being, my point being is that this doesn't have to wait for four months to get ratified as being the position of the organization. I, That's all I I'm agree with that, here. Jeff. That's a good point that yeah. when it's ready, we can look at it through email and, and oh, vote exactly. that way. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. That's all I'm suggesting. Yeah, and we're talking, it, it, it just it's about seven weeks or so, but yes. Okay. But yes, but there's no reason we couldn't do that as well. Yes. That right. was Jeff. Okay. Then we had Deb. Go I'm ahead, gonna Deb. I'm going to yield. I, I would accept what Kim and Jeff said. Okay. Um, Ray? I'm going to... I'm going to oppose the. I'm going to oppose this motion that's been put before us. I really we 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 passed something in July, so we have something in place right now. Granted, it's not complete. There are concerns that have that efforts have been made to address, but I really feel like let's mm -hmm. let's wait. This we've got something in place. Let's wait the seven weeks. Get get good expert help to put a policy that we can pass and put into place and have have as our, our document, have as our, 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 our final policy. I think um, that that's, I think that's the best way to go. I don't think there's really any sense of urgency. To, we, we passed something in July. Granted, it wasn't perfect, but it, it gave us something. I don't believe there's a sense of urgency to pass this. Let's, let's, I'm gonna, let's vote down this motion allow Chris and team to do the work that needs to get done and then pass this at one of our budget meetings and have a final policy in place. Okay. Any, anyone else wish to speak on the motion? All right. Hearing none, all those in favor of approval of the motion signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Aye. Okay, I, it's really hard in this hybrid environment to know. So I, I heard that was Chris, Chris, I, I, I heard no, Chris I on- I thought Ray was voting no, but I didn't hear him, so. Yeah, yeah, I I, and, I, and, and who voted from no from Omaha? Ray Campbell. Ray Campbell, so we had Chris and Ray both voting no. Um, would you all like to both be uh, recorded in the meeting minutes as voting no? Yes, Okay. Thank you, okay. Thanks. All right. Thank you so much, and Chris. Thank you for for um, for for volunteering to help. I, I think we will end up with a a, a a much better document here in uh, in in 
less than two months. So thank you so much. Okay, you're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, all right. Did, did, Clark, Ray vote, did Ray vote? I, I, yeah, I, we had Chris and Ray voted no. The rest of the board voted yes. And did Ray indicate he wanted to be um, yeah. shown on the, in minutes? Yeah. Thank you. Yes. yes. Thank, you. thank you, Denise. All right. Thank you so much, everybody. And thank you for continuing to work to improve our policies uh, for our organization. Uh, next item is a uh, board of publications report from... Uh, Penny Reader, uh, BOP Director. So, Penny. Thank you, Dan. And hi, everybody. Um, the Board of Publications continues to meet once a month. And we also have a rep, uh, representative on the Public Affairs Steering Committee. Um, since my last report to you, um, we have continued our meetings with all the editors from the affiliate newsletters. And they've been, um, the list is pretty active. Um, which is wonderful. It's an email list. And um, we had a terrific meeting in September, I think it was, um, with David Kingsbury. David is the editor of Bay State's uh, newsletter. And he's a fabulous teacher. And he taught everybody how to improve our skills with Word for formatting newsletters. And it was very successful. Uh, and then David uh, shared the, uh, like a cheat sheet, um, with everybody who wanted to, uh, you know, keep keep a copy of that and refer to it. And uh, there's also a recording which has been made available to all the editors. And the Board of Publications is talking about um, possibly making that recording available for anybody in ACB. But we haven't; it hasn't been turned into a podcast yet. So uh, if we, if, when and if it is, we, uh, we will let you know because uh, there's some really good information uh, in that. Um, lesson that David shared with us. Um, and later on in the year, uh, we're, the BOP is going to continue helping educate people about um, how to create good written documents that look good and sound good. Um, and we're going to be um, getting some courses from uh, that are going to be provided by ACB Media. Um, and so we'll tell you more about that when we're ready to do it. Um, I think it probably will begin after the new year. Uh, the BOP continues to meet once a month. Uh, we did not meet last Tuesday, but we are meeting on this coming Tuesday. And uh, our meetings are streamed live. And we also welcome any guests who want to attend. And we hope that we'll get more participation. Um, so we've gotten some really good discussions from guests uh, recently talking about all of the video that we're doing as well as all the written communications and trying to assure that the quality of that video is uh, is good quality so that, uh, you know, we don't always, those of us who don't see, don't always know exactly how, how we come across on camera. So we're trying to figure out how to kind of make that uh, a situation where people can get advice and um, so we want our video to look as good as we want our written communications to uh, read and sound. And I think that's all I have, but if anybody uh, has any questions, I'm happy to answer them. Thank you, Penny. Any questions for Penny? Penny, this is Kenneth. Can we get that cheat sheet you have? Hmm. Uh, I'm sure that Soda would be happy to share it with you, but I need to make sure it's okay with uh, David. 
but I'm I'm pretty sure it will be. So uh, I'll I'll try to remember to ask Zelda. Zelda is the person that's um, handling all the. I mean, we're all involved, but Zelda is the person in charge of all the communications with all the affiliate editors. So um, I'm sure she'll be happy to do it. Thank you. You're welcome. Dan, um, Dan Katie this has is her Katie. hand up. Yeah. Go ahead, Katie. Yes. Hi. So thank you, Penny. That was great. Um, a lot of good stuff in the BOP. We are starting to work on, in conjunction with the um, Public Awareness Committee, um, blog. Across, I forgot. Process for the blog. <laughs> yes, the blog. Blog is blog is a beautiful four-letter word. Um, and yes, we are working on um, developing a process for the blog, and also what you know what we want it to look like and sound like. So that will be that's our big project right now that we are working on. And I just want to thank the members of the BOP um, for being flexible with me because I had a work commitment last week. I was at the M Enabling Conference. So thank you um, to those who can make it um, for rescheduling the meeting on Tuesday. Appreciate that. Um, we're also helping, um, working with some folks, um, Jean Lozano and some others on the, um, they're wanting to do some revisions to the pedestrian safety handbook. And that's been around for a long time with an ACB, and it's a really great resource, but they're wanting to do some updates for that. And so we are working together with that group on putting that um, together as well. So just a couple more additions to the great work that we're already doing. Well, and we did, uh, we've already looked at um, two of those uh, additions to the Ped Safety Handbook, and they're both really good. Um, and um, the other thing I want to add is that Zelda and I both um, volunteer to um, work as editors for anyone who wants to contribute to the blog. And uh, I don't know what the process will be for doing that, but um, we want it to be as well-written and as uh, exciting and uh, um, appealing as possible. So uh, that's it. Thank you. Thanks, Katie. Yep, thank, thanks, Penny. Thank you. All hey, right. Penny, uh, who's, who's Zoda? I'm, I'm not familiar with that name. Oh, Zelda. 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 Okay. I, I, I misheard you. Thank you. <laughs> Very good. All right. Uh, need a motion to approve the Board of Publications report? So moved. Doug moves. Do I have a second? David seconds. David second. Yeah. David seconds. All right. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? All right. Thank you so much. Thank you, Penny. Uh, thank you, Katie. We really appreciate all of the BOP's hard work. All right. Next item. Uh, it's exciting to introduce one of our, our maybe our, our, maybe newest or close to newest, no, not, not newest, but relatively new uh, uh, staff members of ACB, Jennifer Flatt to talk to us about the ACB media network and more specifically what's going on in the area of data analysis with all of our uh, wonderful media. So uh, Jennifer, welcome. Thank you so much. Um, I'm sad that I can't be with everyone in person. I'm looking forward to meeting everyone. Um, this has been, I think, four and a half months, and I feel like I came in right before convention, so I've been running since I got here, trying to catch up. Um, but one of the areas that I was familiar with, and I, I spoke with Tony and Eric and Kelly about how I could support data. And ACB Media 
um, has really been a channel that not only um, is leading the communications plan, but it's also leading a lot of the data analysis that's coming out because of the way that we're using it for conventions, for activities, for meetings, and really capturing um, what's actually happen, happening versus what we're hoping is occurring. So using data um, to evaluate our activities, communication channels, and our audience. And we can tailor our priorities to match what the data is telling us, not vice versa. You cannot tailor data to match your priorities. Um, it really does tell a very truthful story like a mathematical equation. Um, it's nearly impossible to argue with data, which is why one of our goals will be to have a standard data request uh, to go out across the many platforms because we do have so many different channels and um, uh, and ways that we capture our data from Zoom, uh, from Pinecast, our web analytics, our social media. It's important to make, be speaking the same language um, so that we can compare and analyze exactly what the data is telling us. Um, it's also important to read it accurately. There is a difference between views and the number of people. Both of them have important roles. Views means that someone came and uh, and read that information, and they may have come back and shared it and done uh, other sorts of engagement. Um, but people is how many times someone came to um, access the information once, and they should only be counted once. Um, so that's a really um, important nuance to understand that um, for example, ACB Media during convention had 28,000 views. It doesn't mean 28,000 people came. Um, and that's not a disappointing fact. 28,000 views of our content means people started to trust the content. They came to read the calendar, to see the events, and they knew if they came back, they'd get more information they were looking for. Um, since convention, we've actually, acbmedia.org has had over 55,000 views. So people stayed. They understood that um, the content was on that website um, was something they're looking for. So they've been coming back time and time and again. So that is a very important part for when we're evaluating what type of content on uh, exists on the website and on other platforms. It's also key for telling our story for grants, for partners, for advocacy, for our membership, and of course to you, our board, um, to help us explain exactly where we are um, in our goals and how we may need to, of course, adjust um, for future planning. Uh, one of my rocks um, for Q4, as I mentioned, is to do uh, a data analysis um, overall across all of our platforms and pull it in. But right now, I've just been catching up to find out what we are doing so we can find out and report back um, to all of you uh, with a clearer picture um, of, uh, of the overall communications approach and our demographics and reporting structure. So for ABCB Media, it launched right before uh, the convention, July 1st, uh, with the goal to provide better overall audience and user experience. Uh, we also wanted to contain all of our platforms and our media in one um, quick stop shop uh, for our members, for our audiences to be able to access the media that they're interested in. Um, Jeff and Rick have been key in uh, developing what is required, what our members expect, what our audience needs. And Jeff has been amazing to get us the technical backup that we need to do that. So, um, I, and Jeff, Rick, feel free to jump in here while, while I uh, speak about what we're doing. But we also recognize that there was a need for organizational input. Um, so keeping with ACB's founding principles, we recently strengthened our collaboration with Public Awareness Committee and BOP for content criteria and review. 
our, what our data was showing us is that what people were coming, but we weren't aligning in our full editorial scope of where people could be consistently finding the information they're looking for. Um, with uh, these changes, our hope is that the Public Awareness Committee and BOP will be able to help guide new content um, and evaluation of our metrics to um, make sure that we're presenting what our members, what our affiliates, what our partners are expecting, and how we can make it a better user experience overall. One of the key deliverables you may have witnessed um, in August was to get the podcast out from convention. And this was something that um, I wasn't familiar with uh, what happened in years past, but we were able to pull a team um, together to say, we want to um, launch each track uh, on the Tuesday and Friday each week until we're done. And to really give that expected communications timing that on Tuesdays and Fridays, new content will be available. In the first month, we had almost 10,000 uh, views of our podcast content, and now it's a uh, We've kept it off at the end of September as over 14,000 views. So very important. important. Um, there's been um, an alignment with the Braille Forum and the calendar of events as well that is um, in our overall editorial calendar, again, to just give the expectation that in the Braille Forum, it should be expected that um, big events like the AD Gala, the scholarships, using that um, those channels um, to get the word out and uh, to reach an audience that might nece not necessarily been thought of in the past. And this is all part of the data analysis that who are we reaching and who are we missing? And we want to be able to speak to our members in the way that they want to receive the information, not the way that we are trying to get them to use it. We've heard video content has been a preferred uh, medium. Uh, during convention, we had over 21 days equivalent of content um, viewed on our YouTube site. That's an incredible amount. I believe it was 31,000 minutes. Um, so uh, Kelly keeps me honest. She keeps the social media and the data coming in. And where I work on background was what was the before? What does that mean? There's a difference on social media um, by a like, a comment, an engagement. Um, as Kelly mentioned in the in the Netflix example that I shared yesterday, um, when we see a collaboration that is something that our audiences are interested, they react, and that's what the data capturing is telling us. Um, people want were interested in that content. They were also interested in sharing the content with their own network, and that should be our goal for a lot of our messaging. We want it to uh, meet our audience where they are, but also promote to the audience we're missing still. Um, some of the changes that have been happening with ACB uh, media have been around um, program evaluation. Um, we're looking at priority content. We're looking at um, how we can include community. And as Rick mentioned uh, during the break, um, ACB Media 5 will be a community-devoted community channel, and they will be managing that channel with us. And so that is a collaboration that I think is going to be excellent to find out what should be streamed, what should be podcast, how we can get that turnaround quickly um, and avoid gaps like we've had in the past. The other um, recent change is what's happening right now. You are listening to ACB Media 6. ACB Media 6 will be the organization content events and meetings. The reason that we chose ACB Media 6 is we wanted it to be available and expected channel. Moving it to ACB1, which was happening off and on, was bumping content. 
content that already had an expected audience. And so we wanted to make sure that that didn't happen. It wasn't necessary. And by looking at the data, there wasn't an audience sitting on ACB Media One waiting for this content. They were going there because we were telling them to. So we have not lost any audience by moving it to ACB Media Six. We're just telling them this is where you can expect to find it. Dan, do you want me to go through any of the convention data? I think that would be good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. You know, there there's some really I think interesting data there associated yeah. with the convention. So um, just by how it changed, um, when we moved to Live 365, which is the platform that hosts our internet streams, we have 10 streaming channels uh, as of right now. We may uh, reduce that a little bit, but right now we do, we have 10. And um, so to get um, the content up on for affiliate conventions, for our convention, it allows us to use different streams to have 166 sessions available to um, to our audience. And uh, during convention, we saw um, on the ACB media stats that this uh, platform allows that there was a 43% traffic increase on our ACB.org. So not just on our convention, on our streams, uh, they actually were coming to our website to find out more for us, and they may have been looking for information on how to access that, but that's a significant amount of traffic uh, change during one week. Um, ACBconvention.org had almost 9,000 page visits. Again, that's people are coming to find out where they can find the information, where they can, how they can register, um, and we were able to capture that. As I mentioned previously, 28, over 28,000 views on acbmedia.org, which launched um, not even two weeks before. So um, that was a really quick education for our audience, for our members, for our registrants on where to come to find information. I think sometimes, and Nancy and Jeff will agree, they were overlapping a little bit too much in content, and it may have been confusing uh, where to go to find some of the information. And so we need to probably look at the duplication, like calendar and events uh, and sessions listing to make sure that's a little bit more coordinated going forward. The other very interesting fact, and this is one that I know Dan finds particularly interesting, is the virtual audience was different. ACB Media saw 60% female and versus 40% male virtual conference attendees who were listening. So this isn't the registrants, this is who is listening on the platforms. And they were younger, there was a larger audience, 18 to 45 years old which is very different than typical in-person convention um, uh, demographics has been. Sponsored sessions on average of 300 to 450 um, individuals listening at a time. Again, this is not who is on the Zoom. This is who is listening on uh, ACB Media Streams. The board meeting on the 16th held 220 uh, listeners for over six hours. Today's board meeting has held 61 individuals so a significant increase for the opening of convention, but still today, thank you to all 61 of you listening right now. <laughs> yes, this is thank an you. an audience we didn't typically have available before, so we're glad that you're hey, here hey, with us hey, in real Jen, time. Jen, we've actually yeah. had 151 unique listeners today. Oh, there we go. So thank you. So more than double that. Yeah. That's even more exciting. Um, general sessions, and again, quite different than what's been in person, over 700 participants combined listeners with Zoom and ACB Media. That is significant. So we are hearing that people want to participate from where they are, um, whether they're there in person or they're at, at home listening. And the votes. 
So the highest vote saw 621 individuals vote for 374 affiliate votes for a board position on July 22nd. So that's a very high number. Um, I'm sure uh, Dan or Nancy could let me know what the average vote is in person, but I would imagine that it's a little bit less than that. Um, so seeing how that new option is available, people are choosing to participate. Um, the social events, um, even when someone couldn't participate, like the auction, um, had an average, which I mentioned yesterday, of uh, between 350 and 450. The auction had 450 listeners who were not participating in the Zoom for the auction. So they weren't bidding. They just wanted to hear what everyone else was doing. And that's interesting to me And that what I would always say is the community effect. Community and the events that we do and the calls that we do have taught people that they can be involved in what we're doing. Um, and they, they just want to be a part of it. It doesn't mean they have to feel like they need to participate uh, to be involved. Um, mm -hmm. On social media, we had over 153% increase in engagement. That means that someone took action. They liked, shared, or commented on our content, um, and uh, more so than just views. As Kelly mentioned, we had pre-planned a number of the that content um, to make sure that um, the daily schedule was there. If there was a particular highlight or a date or event coming up, we did promos with ACB Media for the first time. Um, we really wanted to make sure, again, that people were finding the information where, where they were rather than trying to direct them for where we wanted to go. Um, so let me move to the next page. Um, I would say my... Biggest um, example of trying to do social media differently is we pre-planned other people to participate. So we work with NBC uh, for their Olympics accounts to like and engage with our ACB pre-Olympic show that was hosted by Clark and Kim on the 23rd. We planned with them, could you retweet, share, comment on our social media activity to help elevate it? And they did. And we saw uh, a significant change. But there's also been some post-convention expectations that we've now set um, with podcasts, with data metrics, where there's a high expectation by our sponsors and participants to receive the information quickly. This year, we didn't have a plan in place to do that. Um, and we didn't have a set list, as I mentioned before, of what metrics we would have available to sponsors at the time. Uh, we probably had a two-week turnaround just because we had to gather the information by segment and how the reports were coming in weren't designated by time that, that aligned with the actual event or session. Um, so that's a lesson learned for us for next year. Um, other highlights that we've done, we've hosted uh, a since um, convention, ACB Media has hosted over 19,000 listening hours of content. Um, that's important to see during convention, it was 60,000 hours, but since then people are still staying. They're staying to hear the podcast, to hear the tours, um, to hear the different content that we have available. Our goal is to um, work with volunteers and help them um, tell us how to drive the direction of ACB Media by giving our members and volunteers a stronger role. Um, we held our first town hall with the ACB Media volunteers, uh, staff, streamers, editors, and um, we hope to do this again and include program hosts. Um, I really feel like the team has been working well to move things forward together. Um, and identifying gaps and best practices and metrics um, to move forward. So we're look, really looking forward to what ACP Media 
is doing now. And I think the gaps and processes um, are quickly uh, being developed. And I appreciate Katie and Deb for helping with the affiliate convention planning. And now Cicely has stepped in to help Rick. Um, Rick, I believe have, we've done 12 affiliate conventions since our convention. That's correct. Yep. Yep. So we are busy, and we would like to continue to be able to support our affiliate conventions at no cost. Yeah, we've got um, four coming yeah. up this weekend, in fact. Yeah, four coming up this weekend. <laughs> Just a little bit busy around White Cane Day, apparently. We all have the same idea. So, um, you know, this is an opportunity where we can work and really work with the organization at the local level and special interest level and state level um, and provide that service. But that is that does have different requirements. So we are developing a process for affiliate conventions that we would like to work with our affiliates to put in place and really have, you know, a six, a four to six month lead time in planning on what their rules would be, what our rules will be, and what a project plan could look like. And Rick is helping to lead that. So that's all I have for right now. Any questions for me? Thank you, Jen. I, I did have one ask uh, maybe as opposed to a question and that is you know we have uh, the service through Xeno Media where people yes. can just call in and use their old-fashioned phone to listen to the stream and I I believe we still have a, a fairly you know a, a nice slice of our ACB pie uh, that's still doing that and I'd, I'd love for us to, uh, you know, get some numbers maybe to be able to put in the budget where we could move from Xeno Media that provides us no data mm -hmm. that we could move. I know it's a free service, but I'm thinking if we invested a little, it could gain us a lot of what, what kind of traction we're getting uh, through that platform. Yeah, I believe that Eric and, and Brett Humphreys are working on projects to make sure we can capture some of those data by different platforms. But I know Jeff mm -hmm. is helping us support that. We did see when I looked at Zeno, it told me 12 people were listening during the height of convention. And I would say that's probably incorrect. Um, oh, so yeah, I, we, we realize that there's a gap there. Yeah, yeah. I think that, um, you know, I can remember in the old days with free conference call, it was it, it was it was a lot, you know, we were shocked when back in the old days when Larry Turnbull would report those numbers when they would provide them and they were, you know, they were bigger than our streaming numbers, which was kind of blew our minds at that point in time. So, yeah. So I think that's, there's an opportunity there just to learn, um, you know, how large that, that population is. Uh, questions for Jen on data, ECB media. I'm at the end of the agenda. Everyone's got less questions at this point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's fantastic, Jen. Thank you for that report. That was, it's really wonderful. And it's great to see. Ray has uh, a comment. Uh, you know, how much we're moving forward in this area. Go ahead, Ray. Um, um, Jen, I am just so impressed with all these numbers and being a data guy myself, I, um, I'm so impressed with all these numbers. It's really gives us a good uh, uh, sense of what our impact is out in the community. And uh, I don't think we've had this kind of data before uh, pulled together like this. So thank you so much for uh, you and the whole team there for pulling this together. This is really, really good and will really be uh, very helpful going forward for the board to continue to 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 make make policy and make decisions. So thank you. 
Yeah, Great. Thank you. And, and I will also add that unsolicited, I have received many uh, emails and, and messages from folks that were really impressed with uh, the rollout of our convention podcast and how quickly we got them out and how organized they were and how easy they were to find uh, with the track approach. And so, um, you know, kudos to the whole team there for that effort. It really, uh, I think, was a, a significant and Heimberg and all the editors really outdid themselves. They, they put in the hours to make it organized and, you know, efficient. Very good. Well done. All right. Um, would you like to hear more from me? I would like to hear more from you. So, uh, and then we'll approve both of your reports afterwards. Yes, we'll do a, do a twofer. Um, Sounds good. And I will say, if anyone has questions about the data, I know it's a lot of numbers. If you ever want to do a one-on-one -on -one with me, I would be happy to do that. So please let me know. Very good. And this next item is really, it's, it's, it's transformative folks. It really, really is. So to see with our communication managers in place, kind of the outreach we've been able to do through to other, to media sources. I mean, you know, major newspapers and, 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 and partners, ACB partners, and really being able to take our existing messages and present those to people who are really interested in what we're doing and and then we're seeing the fruits of that 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 we are we are being we are being uh, you know discussed and and promoted and articles are appearing and our our opinion is being asked and it's showing up in editorial pages and columns and it's exciting so Jen tell us about communications outside of ACB to other media sources and our and our ACB partners Okay. Well, um, like Dan mentioned, it actually starts, you know, at home within the organization, being consistent with our messaging, making sure that we're clear about how we speak about ACB. You know, what is the boilerplate that we use that we'll always include as a description, having that type of element. So Kelly and I really are working on a brand and uh, guideline standards um, that we will use. And that will be part of what you know, we're calling the stakeholder engagement plan. And what I mean by that is to reach out to the different pockets. Eric and Clark mentioned that we have, you know, followers, familiar, unfamiliar, and friends. Um, but we also have different, um, each of those groups has different segments about what type of information they're interested in hearing about us and how we would like to promote ourselves to them by what we offer. Um, recently, um, I, I gave the example um, about uh, Netflix and, and what happened with that and just the fact that they came to us. Part of that is because of our relationship with Joe Stretche from Apple. He recommended to Netflix, this is a group that can probably help you with that information. So Joe is also on our committee for the AD Gala. So right there, Joe, and making sure Joe is informed about what we're doing, he is an avenue to include us in our stakeholder engagement plan and, and people like Joe as are you, our board members. How do you speak about ACB media um, or ACB as a whole organization? And when you're speaking or approached by the media, what, you know, what are the right steps? So right now, you know, Dan and Eric and Clark are, are speaking uh, as panelists are asked their opinion when um, Harriet Tubman on the $20 bill and how that affects accessible currency. 
this is all, this is helping us meet our goal as becoming the key influencer in our space. So as ADP is one of the areas of expertise, we also have advocacy. We also have membership. We also have um, our partnerships that are our priorities. These are our priorities. So when we look and um, I'm sure our EOS training, we came up with 17 uh, priorities, but our true priorities are our members, our advocacy, and our partnerships and how we relate in the space. So what we do is um, make sure that when we provide information um, to um, a partner, whether it is Kaiser Health News uh, on DOJ agreement, that our name is in there, that Clark presents us on what we do as fact, um, and that we are a reliable source of information. Um, I was saying I come from, uh, those of you who know my background, I come from a level of government where I would try and get the media to pick things up. And it was hard. When I try for ACB, it happens almost too easily that it scares me a little bit because people take our call. They're very interested in what we're offering and they want to be a part of it. Um, we've had some amazing successes where USA Today reached out to us to say that they're doing an accessibility issue. What are the issues we would like to propose? They didn't ask us to write on something specific. They asked us what we think is important to tell their audience. So Tony and Clark were able to put together two documents or two articles, one on health and wellness in our Get Up and Get Moving campaign and the other on the accessible currency. And um, they printed them. They did not change a word. Again, this is not normal. I'm trying to like set our expectations <laughs> here that we, we have Google coming to us, Facebook, HBO, Apple, Netflix. They're coming to us because we are experts in our field and we represent um, our members in a way that they would like our advice. So as key influencers, using the media and our stakeholder plan about channeling our messages to the right people for external audiences is important. So as I said, that's consistency of message, clear channels to reach, and then representing our members by what their goals and priorities are. Um, Verizon is another example. Verizon came out and said that they would do um, a donation um, uh, that would include an ACB of ad space. However, their first um, suggestion to us was not an accessible ad piece. It was a banner ad that wouldn't have been accessible. So we said, thank you very much. What else could you offer us? That one's a no-go for us. And so we've had some success. We did a 60 for 60 campaign. We did an ACB awareness one-week campaign uh, two weeks ago, which resulted in over 17,000 views and 2,600 new users on our website. It happened to be the same week as that Netflix announcement. So this was a big week for us in terms of new users coming to our website. So what do we do? We position the website and the content that's listed on the news for people that might be able to. If you haven't read our dats and dashes from last Monday, I'm calling it the gold standard. I told Kelly, no pressure, but you have to make it that good every week because it's, <laughs> it was so good. It included Planet Fitness. It included Netflix. It included the Siri update. It just, to me, is what we show people. And JoLynn and I uh, spoke about this just the other day, that we need more one-pagers that tell people what we can offer. Um, it's not just what we can offer in terms of you know, advocacy and its organization, but in terms of support for other partners, for our affiliates. Um, when we did the Get Up and Get Moving Dance Party outreach, I had a list of uh, affiliates and partners that have told me they were interested in receiving the information. So I made sure to send it to them individually. Sometimes that little touch just makes a big difference to make sure that they're not showing up on a big long laundry list and they have a name that goes with it. As a result, one of the affiliates came back with and had designed an image 
with a disco ball on the end of a white cane. And honestly, <laughs> it was just one of those things that not only does that help our message, but that gets more buy-in um, and that can expand. So um, we are out there. People are calling and asking to speak with us and we need to keep that up. Um, it, it is time consuming, um, but it's necessary. We have an audience there and this is how we will get more members. This is how we will support more advocacy. This is how we develop more partners that make a difference for where our organization and our goals go in the future. Thank you, Jen. Uh, any, any questions for Jen related to communications? And this is Kim and I just yes. wanted to say, that was so exciting and so cool, <laughs> Jen. Thank you for, you know, wrapping it up and presenting it so nicely and impactfully. Um, it was great. Super good stuff. Thanks. Yep. I mean, all the all the places were just magically appearing, only it's not really magic. It's hard work. Yeah. So it's a lot of hard work. And, and there's been a lot of hard work for a lot of years and having somebody like Jen that can focus in on this stuff uh, and, and, and help with the messaging and, and connecting us to the right people. Um, it, it's, it's been sort of like the missing link for us, right? Um, it, you know, the, the old saying like, we're the best kept secret in the blindness community or disability community or whatever. It's, it's not going to be that way any longer um, because we're out there. It's, it's awesome. It truly and if, is. Um, if Jen were just a little bit more likable, she'd, <laughs> she'd be going places. Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> just think when we ever get to see her in person, you know, hey. There, yeah. Does she really exist? Yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah. I, I tried to tell them that I that you know I'm pretty outgoing and stuff, but then I met Colby and I feel like she puts me to shame. So I Colby on my team. With, with all that being said, I move that we approve both of Jen's wonderful reports. Thank you, Ray. Do I have a second? Second. That Kim seconds. Kim. All right. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed. All right. Thank you so much, Jen, and keep up the great work, you and your team. Thanks, everybody. Looking forward to meeting everyone. <laughs> All right. Last item, except we added one more. So we're going to give a do a few committee updates after this. But um, Eric and I wanted to take a little time, uh, <coughs> it may be very little now because I know everybody's getting tired, uh, but really for us to take some time and discuss um, our our steering committees, our program and services steering committees, what you all see as working well, what you see as maybe we need to do a little more uh, improvement on and, um, you know, just have some dialogue in this area. So, you know, we've kind of had two things happen to us over the last uh, 18 to 24 months. One was putting the steering committees in place uh, and, and, you know, kind of trying to take our, our 30, 36 or eight committees and kind of put some structure around them where they would tie to our programs as one part of the steering committee. And then the other part was allowing staff, board members, and committee chairs all to come together and talk about and set priorities for their particular program. 
and then the second part of this as we continue to roll out EOS is then hopefully over time putting some common structure in place, you know, starting with examples like the L10 format and, and rocks as objectives and this type of thing. So, you know, the personal segue and different parts like that, so that as people move and join and leave committees and go to other committees, they start to see and feel a, a familiar uh, approach, methodology, and cadence to to our or running our organization. So, um, really wanted to you know take a few minutes and 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 get your all's thoughts, Mr. Uh, Chairman. Yes, go ahead, yeah. Ray. Um, uh, I'm really concerned about the information referral and peer support committee. I mean, ever mm -hmm. since Claire left, nothing has really happened. And mm -hmm. I know a couple of efforts have been made to try and uh, get that committee uh, going again. I know, you know, we needed to get uh, SWATH on board and all that, but uh, that peer support and information referral are two really important things that we do. And, um, I think we were on, we were on a good cadence, and uh, now it, nothing's really happened for several months. I really think we need to put some effort into that. I know, and I'm not the only person on the committee that's concerned. I've heard from some mm -hmm. people, so uh, that yeah. committee I'm really uh, very concerned about. Would like to see us figure out let, let's get that back on track and um, um, start to continue that. Uh, work because we do a lot of INR and peer support, but we need to capture it and and and, and have processes in place for that. So uh, that committee, I'm really very concerned about. Uh, other than that, I think, I think the, when I first heard, I'll say that when I first overall heard about the whole steering committees, my first thought went, oh God, more meetings. Um, but they've been uh, productive and I think uh, we've, we've got some good committees that are uh, doing some good work, and I think it puts some real, a real nice org kind of an org chart or a structure onto uh, the work that we do, and uh, it's a good way to uh, kind of organize things. And so, um, overall, um, I felt it's been working well. Uh, just have a quite a concern about the one. So, yeah, those and, are my and, two cents. And and that has been uh, been been. Uh, identified and realized by by the leadership team as well, and it's really one of our um, fourth quarter uh, rocks is to really re-engage information referral and peer support, or what Claire used to call ERPS. And to that end, our our three new board members, Connie, Kenneth, and Chris, have have all expressed an interest in in getting involved in information referral and peer support because they they see that as very very valuable. So I think we have an opportunity there to kind of restructure and and get a a good shot in the arm in in, in that particular steering committee. But I agree with you. That is one of the ones that that you know we have not been able to actively um, you know keep going. So point well taken, Ray. Other comments? Nothing on the Omaha side here, Dan. Okay. And this is Kenneth. I believe yes. our scholarship and awards uh, program steering committee is we're building and sometimes we get some uh, build up a little momentum, then we 
go slide a little bit uh, backwards because we just haven't gotten um, great participation consistently. And we're about to change our uh, meeting time again. We've changed about four times within two years. And mm -hmm. I just don't know when we'll ever get the perfect time, but uh, I'm hoping that things get to moving in a more positive direction with that. We, I, I think we've gotten some, uh, made some progress and uh, understanding what we are there for, and we're building some good things. Uh, we just need more people to just be more consistent. Uh, we all have a lot of meetings to attend, whether it be local, state, on our state level, or national. But uh, I think these are very good, um, I say, instruments or steering committees to get some things done. And, uh, an orderly fashion, and so I'm just hoping that things get better with this, uh, with our committee. Yeah, I, I think the key there, one of the key things as you identified was finding that right time that works for everybody uh, to get participation. Yeah. This is Deb. Yeah, go ahead, Deb. Um, I have a little background. I'm streaming a community call, so that if you're hearing any background, I apologize for that. Um, okay. You can learn about composting if I stop talking. Um, so anyway, um, what I was going to say, kind of along, somewhat along the lines that Kenneth was talking about, but I think, you know, one of the things that we really need to do is shore up our um, sort of requirements around the committee chairs and and the expectations that we have because mm -hmm. it is a big lift, um, no question about that, and it's a big lift to serve on a committee, but it's an especially big lift to serve as the chair, and uh, I really appreciate everyone who steps forward and does that. But we need to be um, in some cases or maybe all cases um, more clear. I know Kenneth has done a, a really great job around this with his commu uh, committees and and uh, with his uh, first timer and DKM stuff and 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 probably has some models that we should be looking at. But I think we need to really shore this up for all of our committee chairs because then at the steering committee it makes that work um, a, a lot easier to um, to to figure out if you really know what your committees are doing and what you can expect and and mm -hmm. um and that they understand what the commitment is that it's a commitment both at the committee level and potentially at the steering committee level etc and i just think we have to help people evaluate that a little better when they sign on to serve mm -hmm. yeah I, I i agree with you and i Tried to do that a lot this year before putting the new committee chairs in place to understand what the expectations were. Uh, and it was really exciting on our committee chairs meeting uh, last, was it just last Thursday? Oh my gosh. But um, <clears throat> we had, um, uh, you know, really, um, I think 90 something percent participation. And, and, the ones that were that weren't able to attend wrote ahead of time and said they were they had a conflict, so I I was really um, buoyed by that. It seems like our our committee chairs are are uh, are pretty are pretty engaged right now, which I think is really a really a good thing. So, but I agree. The more we can, and we talked about this, the more we can get those expectation documents out there so everybody knows what they're signing up for and. We're, as we're going through and putting new members, we had over a hundred people uh, asked to join committees. And so I'm you know, rolling that out to different committee chairs to have them reach out to their people who have asked to become members of their committees. 
And I think that's important to kind of do that through a little bit more of a formal way where people really understand what they're signing up for uh, and the time that's going to be involved in it. Because I, I think even for our board members, we have we have some board members that never miss a steering committee call. And then I, honestly, we have other board members that, you know, we're, 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 we, we, you may be getting a call from me to see if we can, you know, up your engagement a little bit more in steering committees. <laughs> so David, we've kind of got the spectrum David. there. Yes, David. Uh, are we going to ever get the administrative services uh, steering committee up and running? Well, is Nancy hitting you over the head with a microphone there? We were talking about that the other day, that, that well, she does a lot of good work at the committee level, but we really need to get the, the steering committee, uh, her and Patrick, need to get well, somebody that. Somebody told me I was on it, and when I went and looked, I actually was, and I said, I've never received an email, so I know yeah, I missed it. I'm, I'm we met on a couple it too times last seen. year, but we <laughs> yeah. haven't, the first year we did meet a couple Thanks. of times. Yes. We haven't met yeah. in a long time. No. no. Dan, the... the um, yes. The the uh, committee meeting that you had last Thursday, yes, there was a recording made of that. Can that be made available in the board Dropbox for those of us that wanted I, access to that? I think so. Uh, I'm 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 trying to get Nancy's attention here. <laughs> Nancy, sorry, I was telling David I'm not bringing him snacks anymore. That's it. He's done. Uh, uh, Nancy, uh, for the folks that missed the committee chairs meeting, can we um, uh, we we recorded that? Can can we um, make that available? The board Dropbox through the board Dropbox, or to just to the committee chairs list, we could send the link yeah, there. That would be better because there were yeah, some that, that, that not everybody's on the board, but yeah, the I committee can, chairs yeah, list. I can. Or both. Okay. Yeah. And, but, add, yeah, add that to add that to your list. And for those of you that are on the administrative committee, I will have a meeting set up in the next three weeks. <laughs> be careful what you ask for. <laughs> We're going to no, have one weekly good. now ever, for the next year. <laughs> <laughs> to catch up. There you go. Uh, thank you, Nancy. No, <laughs> and, Dan, and there, Dan, this is... This is Connie. Oh, yeah, please. Go ahead, Connie. You know, and I just wanted to make a comment to that. You know, you asked um, me to be a, a co-chair, you know, and, and we have gotten our committee in it. Like you said, I think it really does make a difference. When we spoke with the members that we wanted to be on our committee and talked about the commitment and what we wanted wanted them to do and the expectations, I think that really made a difference because that is really what they wanted to hear and what we wanted when they wanted to know what we wanted out of them. So mm -hmm. I think being upfront with them was a huge thing. So um, I think the awards committee this year being chair of that, I think it's going to be, I think it will be fun. It'll be something totally different than what's been done in the past with the awards. So, but yeah, I think that's the big thing is just talking to your committee members and letting them know what the, the chair people want. Yep. Thank you, Connie. Very good. I, any other comments? All right. I appreciate the feedback. Uh, and, um, you know, I, I will, we'll, it's an evolution, not a revolution. So we'll continue to get better, but I re really appreciate everybody's efforts uh, in, in, in the time commitment to, to 
put together for the steering committees. Uh, and I really think the more and more we we mature this will really be, you know, we're trying to focus on our programs and services. And we what we just heard from Jen and we've heard from Tony and others throughout, JoLynn, throughout the conversation today, having those really good programs and services where you have all the value add and the activities, that's what really sells us as an organization in so many different ways. So. All right, Omaha people, we can't hear you. So what? what's the comments there? Yeah, we There's can mass hear you guys laughter chatting. going on. All, all we hear is laughter. There you go, Eric. Hey. Making fun yeah, of you guys me. might want to mute. <laughs> I think you're losing control of the meeting. I think we're almost done. Okay, so we're now at the uh, final item on the agenda which is uh, any um, committee uh, updates from either officers or board reps. So I know Donna Brown, I'll recognize her first because I know she had some updates uh, uh, related to the special education task force in this area. Tell them I'm waiting for the microphone. We hear you're waiting for the microphone. Okay, yeah, but I got it now. So now you're in trouble. All right. So um, I want to talk a little bit about the special education uh, task force. Used to be years ago, schools for the blind task force, I think. But anyway, whatever. It's special education task force now. Mm -hmm. or at least that's what we refer to. It used to be special education schools for the blind task force. Oh, we covered it all, of course. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, um, back in, I believe it was March, um, a couple of people from the task force came to AABT, Association of Blind Teachers, board meeting and talked about it. And so then we did a community call with them and we have, well, about three or four, four or five, maybe even people from AABT who were willing to serve on, on that committee. Some young, new teachers, some TVIs, some retired teachers. Anyway, I, a, a good mix of, of people. Mm -hmm. And so we are kind of up and running again. Um, and we right now targeted O&M as a, a hot topic in the education field for blind and low vision students. So we're putting together um, some podcasts uh, with orientation and mobility specialists, experts, people who know more than some of us. Um, so anyway, I just wanted to keep people informed that we are existing again and, and we are on the radar and you will be hearing podcasts fairly soon. Thank you, Donna. Uh, others that would like to report on their committees? Any others in the room? Anybody else in Omaha before Dan, we move to Dan, the virtual? Clark. Okay, go ahead, Clark. Yeah, I would, I would just like to thank Donna for her update and say that there have been several committees that have been really good about seeking additional members, whether it's special education or the, the co-chairs of ADP, Kim and Carl, identifying folks who have an, an interest in their subject matter, or even uh, Sheila and the transportation committee seeking a new co-chair um, to kind of breathe life into the committees, but also make the work of the committees sustainable going forward. Very good. Thank you, Clark. Any, anyone else like to provide an update on their committee? 
Uh, is Omaha, anybody else from Omaha over no there? Hands up. No hands up here. No hands up. Okay. And then how yeah, about... Yeah, I got something. Yes. Go ahead, Jeff. So uh, this was touched on lightly at, uh, during the Board of Publications um, discussion, but I wanted to give a couple of uh, updates from the Information Access Committee. Um, and I'll be reaching out to uh, a few of you to potentially assist in this project um, as well. But we're, we're going to be doing one that I think is going to touch um, uh, a lot of the affiliates and special interest affiliates directly. And that is um, coming out with some some um, ways of implementing uh, independent websites for affiliates and special interest affiliates, or at least providing templates for them to be able to get started in a quick and efficient way. We're going to be rolling that out over the over the next few months. It's going to take a little bit of time of to develop that and, and put it in a in a process that's uh, repeatable and achievable. But um, this will be one way of, of getting a lot of the affiliates and special interest um, affiliates uh, up and going in, in an independent way to be able to, to uh, elevate their voice um, more fervently um, on the web. So, um, and we're also, of course, we'll be working on uh, all of the resolutions and things that will be coming to our uh, committee uh, when those are released to, uh, to the organization. So... Very good. Wonderful. Good, good, good new resource. Thanks to the Information Access Committee for that. Thank you. Anyone else that would like to report? Mr. President, I just want to share with the board, not about a specific committee. Well, I guess it's about committees, but one of the things that I took on and I found it to be very fruitful was after convention, um, I sat down and had conversations with the chairs of the committees that I liaison to. The only one I didn't have was Constitution and Bylaws because they were kind of busy right about then. Mm. But um, I found that to be really some good, fruitful conversation where we got to talk about, you know, committee membership, uh, maybe identifying new people, uh, but also, you know, things that maybe the committee would want to each committee would want to uh, focus on. And I found those meetings to be very uh, productive and educational. And um, I took notes on all of them. And I know I shared them with Dan um, that, uh, that so I would um, maybe after each, you know, two year term, I'd certainly encourage uh, other liaisons to committees to think about doing something like that because I did, it did find it to be a good chance to just really have some good discussion. <laughs> I, 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 scared, I scared Bishop though, when I said I want to do this, he said, Ooh, you got something wrong with this a problem with the committee? I said, no, 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 not at all. <laughs> um, but um, anyway, no, I found that to be a really a, a, a good fruitful thing for the liaison and the chairs to just sit down and have some conversation. So I uh, just wanted to share that and uh, uh, thought, it was a, thought it worked well. So. That's all I have. Thanks. Thanks, Ray. And in, in that vein, you know, I know by, you know, having the officer liaison responsibilities for both multicultural affairs and membership services, you kind of reached across both of those and helped begin the conversation, the coordination that led to the whole, you know, Spanish language efforts and, and getting that, you know, uh, real energy developed around that. So, I mean, it, you're right. Just reaching out and having those communications and finding out where people's interests are uh, make, make a big difference. 
Thank you. <clears throat> Anyone Dan? else? Yes, go ahead. Chris Bell. Hey, Chris. So, just uh, trying to trying to think ahead. We've talked a little bit uh, about the transfer of knowledge and uh, advocacy boot camp and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And I I don't know that there's a, I don't know that we have a good place to put materials that are developed and transcripts. Um, you know, they can be put on the committee websites, but then you have to know what what committees have what jurisdiction, et cetera. Mm -hmm. I'm just throwing out because I and I don't have an answer or a recommendation, but we, we ought to have some place to to put things that are you know substantive knowledge based stuff. Um, that obviously would be be subdivided, but I'm not sure where that fits in our existing web structure. Well, it probably could fit in a few places, but we have a whole section on our web structure related to to resources. But you know, do people really know to go there? And then once you get down underneath resources, how would you put the you know the academy's uh, work there? But um, I think it's something to definitely uh, present to the public awareness steering committee for them to think through what's what's the best place to to house that type of information. Or, you know? or maybe advertise. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's not just a question of where on the website, but making it known to people where they can find uh, the information because there already is a lot of information, but I'm right. not sure people know how to find it. Yeah, yeah. And, and looking at it collectively as opposed to individual. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So, good point. All right. Anyone else? I just want to remind everybody that one of our next big events is the, you know, the celebration on October 15th, where we're going to do six hours of live broadcast of, uh, you know, the, the get up and dance celebration for White Cane Safety Day. And so everybody, you know, plan on participating we're gonna can we do the safety dance dan we're gonna do the say yeah safety dance and we're going to have yeah each decade is going to be its own hour so you know starting with the 60s and 70s and then i kind of trail off after that you know but there'll be other people who will pick up the 80s 90s 2000s then we'll have a big celebration at the end but I think it's going to be really a lot of fun to hear the different generations and the different types of music and the different trivia and fun facts related to that uh, generation. So I uh, encourage everybody to tune in to ACB Media 4 uh, from 2 to 8 on the 15th of October. Should be a lot of fun. And then the first hour from 1 to 2, I think, will be broadcast live with video on our a YouTube channel and probably Facebook and other venues there. So it's going to be a, that's only, uh, that's only six days away. So it's going to be here before we know it. So with that said, is there anything else to come before the uh, body this evening? Um, Dan, it's Jen. I just want to mention, yeah. Cindy had asked before, um, she had mentioned the community testimonials and they are listed mm -hmm. on acb.org slash ACB stories, ACB dash stories. So if you want to check those out, there's great stories um, of all the different people who have contributed. And our plan is to also share more testimonials as we go forward. So just wanted to add that in for Cindy. Oh, thank you, Jen. 
All right. Everybody, thank you. Thank you for all that you do for ACB. Thank you for being wonderful board members and staff members, volunteers. We are doing good, gang, and I really, I, really appreciate it. Yes. I move we adjourn. Is that Donna Brown? Yeah. The best I've heard you all day, Donna. Donna moves. Well, now, Dan, there's been a lot of moving going on in here, but we, we didn't get heard lots of times. <laughs> <laughs> so that's we're going to have to learn about that from our first hybrid event. Yeah, because yes. like we we would say, you know, I move, but somebody on yeah, there we couldn't hear you guys at all most of the time. Yeah, we we did have a hard time hearing you. So, all right, so we've got a Donna's moved and, and Deb Cook Lewis seconds. Yes, yes, yes. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. Everybody have a great weekend and may your favorite teams win, whether it be baseball or football or basketball or hockey. All right. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Bye.